Welcome back, Astro Zombies. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of this fine family program we call Astro Radio Z. Certain episodes of this program were predestined from the start. Since I took this show over, there was a certain number of shows that I knew and movies I knew I wanted to cover because I grew up with them. And they're near and dear to my heart. And my identity is not only a film goer, but as somebody that creates media. We've done episodes on the Howling movies, which are some of my favorite shitty werewolf movies. We have not done my favorite vampire series that's out there. But tonight we're rectifying that, folks. And the only way I could do this properly... And we're starting to get back to the old school of Astro Radio Z. We're bringing back my boys, my old, my full moon fucking boy crew of Scott Davis. Say hello, Scott Davis, to the Astro Zombies. Hello, Scott Davis for the Astro Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear his cackling. He's never gone away, but he hasn't been on the proper episode outside of the, the bottom rack. 
uh, segments that he does, which are my favorite segments of Astro Radio Z right now. Oh, I'm Mr. Hi. Daniel Edenfield, say hello to the Astro Zombies. Hello to the Astro Zombies. There was somewhere in there, whenever you were talking about like the Full Moon Boys Club, somewhere in there, there was like a David Dakota joke or something yes. else. But I couldn't, I, I couldn't think of anything to toe the line between tasteless and respectful at the same time. So I figured just bringing it up there would be good enough. So anyway, yeah, I was getting some serious Voodoo Academy flashbacks, man. <laughs> I well, I didn't say what we were wearing. Now, I mean, it, it was mandatory. Yeah, I was. I was just about to say it was mandatory. We all wore tidy whiteies, and that was it for this episode. I've got tidy. So. He's in a poster of Ian Summeralder on my wall that I'm staring at. <laughs> here I am again without <laughs> prior knowledge. Oh, here we go. And, and listeners, again, I've brought up my girlfriend, Amy, who's now becoming a mainstay here on Astro Radio Z, mostly probably because she watches all these gimmicks with me. So, and we started date when we started dating, you told me, no, I don't like horror movies. I don't watch horror movies. Now it's all you watch. Well, that's not true. I watch ninja movies. Okay, I that's watch true. all kinds of things. Kind of I course. don't like being scared. Funny horror movies are wonderful. Well, so are you saying about the ones that we watch then? <laughs> yeah. 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 There's nothing scary on I Astro am a, Radio. I am a huge chicken. I don't like being scared, but I like laughing. Well, that's why probably you're at home here on Astro Radio Z because we cover nothing but horse shit on this. Well, then call me in. All right. So here we are. I, I got my crew, of my boy club, you know, <laughs> whitey tidy wearing full moon boys here tonight. And we're going to finally cover my favorite wiggly fingered vampire series <laughs> The subspecies movies yes. once and for all. I was hoping listeners that this, at this point, when we finally decided to do this, we would be seeing subspecies five. I know. Unfortunately, due to the coronavirus and the lockdown, full moon pictures had to put the kibosh on everything except for Corona zombies, which is essentially a Godfrey Ho gimmick where they just went and took hell of the living dead, recut it, and then shot a few things in their garage, slapped it on it, and then released the goddamn movie to their streaming service. No lie, I just signed up for the streaming service last night so I could watch that. <laughs> well, our, our good bud Seth from All the Gimmicks watched it and got a hold of me immediately and said, did you see this goddamn fucking Corona zombies gimmick? And I, I said, no, I refuse to watch anything by uh, Mr. Band because he's a fucking huckster. The only things I want to see is a new subspecies movie and that new Necropolis movie. Well, you didn't see the trailer to this. You, sh you probably should watch this. Why should I watch it? The son of a bitch recut hell of the living dead. That's all this is. <laughs> so if you were hoping for a brand new movie out of Charlie Band for uh, Corona Zombies. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I mean, you really have to admire the chutzpah that these people display. I mean, seriously. I'll admit, I love Full Moon, but like, seriously, this is just transcending the fact that the whole world is on a pandemic lockdown <laughs> and they're still releasing films <laughs> of the same caliber. <laughs> and, and you got it. And you know, uh, first of all, 
I know Charlie Van is a huckster and he's shameless and sometimes he's crossed the line to, for me. But um, I kind of look in the, that respect. I kind of look at him like a uh, David Friedman type where he kind of looks at it all like as as like an extension of the carny. Yeah, you get them all in there and they, you give them a, a, a cheap thrill and then you walk out with their money. You know, I see them as that, you know, and, so, and sometimes you just totally rip them off. And um, I kind of respect that. Like when I met him, I would have been really disappointed if he didn't try to sell me something. But he was also a super, super nice and everything. And it was like a wonderful experience because I've been a huge fan since 1983 when Metal Storm came out. And the thing about this is that uh, the story about the recutting Hell of the Living Dead is he had the idea. He says, well, we're all locked up. But here's the deal. And he calls Chris Alexander. That's who shot all the new stuff? No, Charlie shot all the new stuff, like, in a day. But wow, okay. He says, Chris, here's, some, here's my idea. But wouldn't it be funny if we took – since we're in this pandemic, wouldn't it be funny if we did, like, a What's Up Tiger Lily style cut of a zombie movie? And he starts thinking about it. He says, oh, my God, the perfect one, Hell of the Living Dead. He says, Great. Who's got who owns that movie? She said, You do. <laughs> oh, man. oh, okay. Uh, does Bill Lustig own that? It's like, yeah, a- ask him. And sure enough, Bill Lustig owned it. And B- Bill Lustig said, Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Go for it. And then he shot like new footage, like in I haven't seen the trailer or anything, but he shot it's new awful. footage, like as you said, like one day in like a garage or something. Uh, right there at the studio and then released it and they released it super fast. What a wonderful time. You realize that by the end of this pandemic, there's going to be 30 pandemic movies that were all shot in somebody's house and it's, they're going to be shot with our phones. Exploitation is reactive. So yes, absolutely. I would, I would expect that. (laughs) I would absolutely. Would expect nothing less. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is wonderful. Wonderful that you boys are back on Astro Radio Z. It's been a long time since I've had you boys on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why don't we skip the pleasantries here and let's get right <laughs> down to it. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the first movie of our Wiggly Vampire Epic subspecies made in 1991. So stick around. <laughs> This is Astro Radio Z and we love talking about movies with you. If you are looking for more episodes and want to become part of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z and become a monthly subscriber to have access to not only over 100 plus bonus episodes of content, but a monthly bonus episode of Astro Radio Z and censored with Mark the Movie Man where you, the listener tell us what to cover on the show. Jump in. Make Astro Radio Z yours and become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z. You are listening to Astro Radio Z. In the dark past, humans were their prey. And blood was their life. I'm Grado. I'm him before. Killing begins again. Now in modern day Transylvania, eternal evil has reawakened. 
species. Starring Michael Watson and Angus Scrim of Phantasm. So a few years ago on the podcast, we used to do these things called franchise episodes where I either myself or the collective, the hive mind of the Astro Zombies would choose a film series, a longstanding film series that had probably upwards of five to 17 movies. And we would go through them movie by movie on episodes. And uh, one of the series that we did back in the day was the Puppet Master series. And holy shit, they're still puking out those fucking movies. Mark the Movie Man is constantly on my fucking nuts saying, dude, there's three new goddamn Puppet Master movies when we do in a new episode. Well, fuck you, Mark the Movie Man. I ain't doing it. <laughs> you can't make me. Sheesh. And the only way I was going to come back to do another full moon series was either one of two series was either going to be the transfers films with my, my boy, Tim Thomerson. Yes. God, I got to be on that one. Well, we've been talking. I mean, I have, when I'm on the Twitter and I'm sending out links and people are getting back to me with episodes, they want me to do transfers comes up a lot, but there's no way I could go into that without acknowledging the elephant in the room in Astro Radio Z with Full Moon has always been subspecies. Yes, sir. Always been subspecies. The The movie series that got me to be a card-carrying Full Moon fan was subspecies back in the 90s. Now, I don't, I'm not sure if I told this story or whether or not it's even worth anyone's fucking time, but it's my podcast. You decide to click on it. You can click 30 ahead or you can do whatever. Give a fuck off and die. I don't give a fuck. Stop listening to my podcast if you don't want to hear the story. But anyways, the story is I was a young lad and my mom every now and then we lived in this eye blinker town of 1,200 people when my family decided to move from Illinois up to Wisconsin for who the fuck knows why? <laughs> and we're we lived in the country, so every my treat was to join my mom to come to the grocery store, this tiny little grocery store that had two racks of fucking VHS tapes that they uh, I could go like while she's r- doing her rounds, she knew that maybe you know I'm on the spectrum in some way and decided, hey, there's movies over there, Derek. You want to go rent one? And she knew that would occupy me for the 30, 40 minutes while she went through the grocery store. And I, I caught my eyes on this tape called subspecies that had this scantily clad girl being held aloft by a bunch of little tiny creatures. And I was a big fan of ghoulies and I was a big fan of gremlins. So I was just like, oh, this looks great. And in the background was some creepy, ashy dude. And it's at night. And I'm like, ooh, well, what is this? And I took it home. And I remember that first time I sat and watched Subspecies, I was flabbergasted. I was like, what? Subspecies? This is all about fucking vampires. What the fuck does this have to do with goddamn the subspecies, which I thought at the time, and this is a question I want to present to you boys eventually once we get, once I get done monologuing on this show, is I, I'm like, well, I thought this was a little creature movie. What the fuck is this? 
It's a it's a movie about a goddamn wiggly fingered vampire <laughs> that goes around and drools all over everyone. Oh. What the fuck is this movie? Little did I know, I became obsessed with this. And then subsequently, every couple years, they would put out another one. And they got better. And I love them more and more and more. And through the years, I've consistently gone back to the subspecies movies. Yes, everyone's favorite full moon thing. And the reason why there's 27 Puppet Master movies is because somebody out there is spending the money on it. I don't know how, because they're horse shit. They haven't made a good one since part three. I mean, the only good puppet master past part three is one not even made by full moon. But maybe at some point I'll concede to Mark with the movie man's, you know, beggings. And I'll actually talk about that on this podcast. Nobody can convince me that there is a better series of movies in full moon's repertoire other than subspecies. Now, having said that, before we get into what the first movie of of this series is about and start breaking this fucker down properly. Scott Davis, what do you know about the history surrounding subspecies and how this came to fruition? Cause I know you are a film historian when it comes to full moon pictures. Uh, Charles Van worked up a poster and said, think we can make something out of this bullshit. And they said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. Hard journalism here on Astro Radio Z, folks. This is how we roll here. <laughs> Same way he made up everything. Uh, but by this time, I mean, I was already a big fan of Charles Band. I remembered the name starting in 1983 when Metal Storm came out. I was a huge sci-fi geek as a kid. I that just loved that movie. And I didn't even realize at the time that I'd already been watching things even before I was eight years old because I'd already seen Laser Blast about a million times. And uh, so I was a big fan of Full Moon already when Subspecies came out. So I saw those early trailers and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And I was waiting for this thing like people were waiting for fucking Batman. (laughs) So, (laughs) so of course, by the time I saw the tiny little creatures, I'm like, yeah, tiny little creatures. It's Charlie Bam. Yeah. (laughs) He likes them tiny. You know, that's what he does. But uh, it really was uh, his shot at bringing and, you know, say what you will about Charles Band, how many times he's been derivative or whatever. This was his shot to really throw his hat into the ring with a vampire series. And he created a pretty unique one. So, you know, hats off to him. You know, that he's uh, this is Full Moon's take on vampire lore. And it's one of the many reasons why Full Moon has the identity that it does. Absolutely. Dan, what are your remembrances with your first taste of the subspecies of the of the bloodstone? Man, I'm gonna try not to ramble, but it's I mean, y'all know how it is when I get excited about something like just video games, ninjas, metal gear, and shit like that. It just so rain me back in if I start running off just real crazy like, but that's why I brought you on this show. I want you to run off the, the I, I've been missing a good extended with, with, with many sound effects, like, like your Michael Winslow from fucking police Academy extended Daniel Edenfield rants and monologues. Go for it. I never officially, I don't think saw this movie 
like in its entirety until I was probably 15 or so, I had seen bits and pieces of it. For whatever reason it is, I had never actually sat down to watch it, other than the fact that I would have had to sneak away to see it because there was no way in hell my parents would have allowed it. But I do remember Radu. And so I remember, of course, the playground mythos surrounding some of these movies and stuff. But I remember actually the first time I saw it, I was like 15, and I had rented it from the bottom shelf. Now, this was just because it was alphabetized is why it was on the bottom shelf. But it was Mm -hmm. the bottom shelf of the video store. And I remember watching it and just the lore that expounded on this film. Now, I remember I made a crack earlier about, you know, (laughs) Full Moon's never had a problem with depth in their film. (laughs) This is one of those exceptions that there's so much going on that unfortunately with this film that it can't really contain the story. So much is inimitable in subspecies that has not been done in other films. And there are many things in the vampire lore that this movie actually was the first to do or very innovative and, have sadly hasn't really been done since or it has been played around with and i mean they'll come up later and you know we'll mention it basically like the shadow walking this movie is where that came from now they do play around with it like the old dracula stuff so you know some species takes from the old dracula film with Mm -hmm. this shadow and takes it even further but i just find it really cool and iconic that this is this movie does that you don't see that in any other film that's this one. The story of subspecies itself, like watching it, I didn't really grasp it because like I said, I had only seen bits and pieces of it as a little kid. So by the time I actually see the full movie, I have this entire other mythos going on in my head <laughs> as to who Radu is or what's going on. For those that may not know, Radu in real life was Vlad Tepish's brother. That there wasn't an actual real Radu. There's certain things like if you play Castlevania or watch. I did not the, know that actually. <laughs> or watching the yeah, uh, it was actually. I think it was his older brother. Uh, no, it was his younger brother. It was Vlad Tepes's younger brother was Radu, and so that kind of get. If you don't know that, then you're just gonna watch, it. and it doesn't really matter. But if you do know this, it kind of helps with the the reason there's a family dynamic in subspecies it opens up and you see the old man the father who would be vlad the second and then you know he's got his two sons stefan and radu and it's you know they're just placeholders but there's that family dynamic going because in real life radu was vlad tepish's younger brother so again it just it adds extra flavor and that's why you would see like in castlevania there's characters named carmilla and stuff all of these things it's just hearkening out to the you know the <laughs> hearken get it anyway <clears throat> harker, <laughs> I guess it's just burp, you know, burp, burp. nods to the wider mythos surrounding the dracula legend what's really cool about this is it doesn't even mention dracula nope. i love this this takes full moon because scott had said before like this was charles band's franchise shot and of course you could tell with the little creatures like we were all taken oh you know on the cover it's like little creatures and at the time i had seen the gate before i saw this and so oh, I was yeah. like, oh it's like the gate it, it, they look just like the creatures from the gate you know absolutely and uh so watching this i was like oh so subspecies this is dude it's like puppet master from hell so it's gonna be like ghoulies and the gate only even more evil i am in 
That's what I fucking thought was happening. That's why I picked up the goddamn gimmick. You look at the cover, and it's a bunch of little ghoulies on it. You know me and ghoulies. That's got my heart. I was in. I was bulbs deep in this motherfucker, and I take it home, and those little sons of bitches are in it for probably a minute and a half of the entire gimmick. Yeah, but so much of what he did with this film, though. I mean, this is the best. I agree every time Scott brings it up, and he is absolutely right. So Species 2, I will go ahead and jump to the same just for this, is probably yeah. Full Moon's best movie. Like, that is them firing on all cylinders. And if that's them firing on all cylinders, Subspecies is when they first crank the muscle car up because you can see, for whatever reason, kind of like the early Puppet Masters, you can see a direction. You can see for this whatever moment of clarity, Charles Band sees the goal and he is going for it. And I mean, they aim high and they shoot for it and take the movie. So as a little kid, I'm seeing all of this kind of peripherally. And all I'm seeing is just a really cool freaking vampire flick. I had no clue that it was kind of boring. But that doesn't matter because as a little kid, it's like, like you said, there's this dude going around drooling on everybody <laughs> with long fingers. And I can't understand why he talks and he makes weird faces the entire time. But I'm in it because this movie was so evil. It was the gothic setting. It just, everything about this movie is absolutely wonderful. I watch it yeah. every year. I yeah. own VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray copies. I yes. own digital copies. I'm just, I am an absolute nut for this film. Director Ted Nicolau bravely pioneers the first American film to be shot in the post-Ceausescu Romania. Well, when Charlie first um, proposed doing this film in Romania, I was a little bit suspicious of the whole setup, but they sent me over there for a four-day kind of location scout. And uh, meeting the people that I'd be working with, Vlad and Juana and uh, Lucian, the art director, and seeing the locations that we would have access to, the, um, the ruins in Transylvania and... Um, it's a beautiful, magical forest that uh, we could have free reign in shooting at. It suddenly seemed to me like the chance of a lifetime, really, to shoot at a place where um, you just had total access to these ancient places.
Dracula story is a story invented by a stupid American for children, not for, for grown-ups, and is not light to the history of our um, country and of our people. It's a stupid story. So having said all that, Let's go ahead and get right into this. Subspecies was directed by Ted Nicolau in 1991. Here is the synopsis for you people out there that have no idea what we're talking about. All this wiggly vampire and historical, you know, babble that we're going on right now. (laughs) A group of students go to Romania and get entangled in an age-long power battle between a family of vampires. One, the beautiful Stefan, and the other, the ancient monstrous Radu, who only cares for blood, sadistic delight, and the ancient secrets held in the blood of the bloodstone, an artifact that continually secretes the blood of the saints. Now, Amy, this is the first time you've seen any of these movies. Walking into this, you had no preconceptions as to what a subspecies was. You saw no poster that made you think this was a ghoulies gimmick. You had no preconceptions. You walk into this, all you knew probably was that I had told you we're watching a bunch of weird vampire movies. What were your initial thoughts of subspecies upon it starting to flicker before your eyes? Well, basically, you let me know I might think it was fun. So I turned it on to watch and it's fun to watch together. I don't watch movies by myself. I don't, I like having people with me. Um, I found it kind of weird. I didn't get the bloodstone thing for like the whole movie. It was this weird glass mushroom shaped thing everyone was sucking on. I didn't get it. But the shadows were fun. The weird gummy bear dudes were interesting. (laughs) Um, I really, I really liked it. I've never seen anything like it before. So it was just sort of a, each, each, each scene that came on just, hmm, just got weirder and weirder as it went on. Yes, weirder and droolier and funnier. And it was good. This movie for sure, compared to the vast majority of the vampire stuff that's out there, like Dan had said before is, is totally different and comes at it. With tradition firmly in its pocket, but at the same time is showing you a different side of a vampire. Now, we have come to know vampires as being these romanticized monsters with these with intellect and suave and charming through <laughs> even even though, you know, Bella Lugosi was basically like he came off like a goddamn Me Too nightmare in Todd Browning's <laughs> fucking Dracula. Look back at it. You'll agree with me after you look at it through the, that lens. Um, Gary Cree, he, he, the big sexy thing that they talked about. Oh, isn't it great that he just kind of, without permission, sneaks into her bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Twilight came from Jesus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and, and Anne Rice also made a a series of books and then there was a series of movies that came out based around her books where vampires were the sympathetic ones yes there were you know evil ones within there but even the evil ones very eloquently spoken very educated and always always 
charming and alluring. When you have Antonio Banderas as one of the, <laughs> the vampires, you can't be scared by him, can you, Amy? And well, that sounds delightful. I mean, yeah, of, right. I I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty delicious. <laughs> well, right? Compared to I didn't comb my hair, I constantly drool and slur my speech and wiggle my really long fingernails. <laughs> so, yeah, and what is Amy is referring to is that our lead vampire in this movie, Radu Vladislas, played amazingly through the entire series by Anders Hove. He's a vampire that at this point in his timeline, he has been alive for centuries. So long that the last remnants of humanity has been washed from his body. He is now fully and completely a sadistic monster. And I think when you, you go into this movie and you, you going into it, thinking about the, yeah, this is a vampire movie and your preconceptions based on what I kind of just talked about you, you expect a certain type of vampire. Anders Hove and Radu completely kick that shit out the door at first. And I remember this when I was a kid walking into this movie, I, didn't know what to make of him because unfortunately on the first film it got better in the subsequent films and we'll talk about that when we get to those his fingers are the rubberiest <laughs> weirdest <laughs> things on the if you have no idea have have no preconception or you know anything know anything about this series and Radu go look him up on the Googles <laughs> look up some species and you'll see he is this vampire with this very gaunt kind of skullish face long scraggly hair like he was you know part of a grunge band in the 90s um, like he hadn't washed in about 50 years and these really long rubbery fingers and I remember watching this when I was a kid going oh is that supposed to be serious? <laughs> Does he really use those? You know, maybe that's where Charles Band got the idea for this. these movies we were asking earlier. You know how you take those bugles and you put them on the end of your fingers to give you the claw fingers? <laughs> oh, no. really bored. He's doing that one day, flexed his fingers a couple times and said, wait a minute. And within a week, they were in Romania. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I liked the first Radu's fingers. The next, they, they weren't as wiggly and fun in the other one. No, they actually got the prosthetics correct. Well, sure. To the point where in part four, his fingers look like eagle talons. And I think they're amazing. Like, yeah. even though that movie, and we'll get to it eventually, I think has a lot of flaws. His fingers in the, that movie alone me like i was just like holy shit he could go up to somebody and literally cut their juggler with that talon finger he has so but in this first movie it just looks like he went down to the spirit halloween grabbed a few finger extensions and lightly latex <laughs> them on probably did well, plus the way he moves them yeah and when he moved them they wiggled so i remember <laughs> when you first watch it it's like oh man i'm supposed to be scared of this motherfucker <laughs> and I think contextually, when you watch all of these movies and you come back, you start to understand the really weird, out there, over the top, nuanced performance 
that Anders Hove gives as Radu, who is this vampire that's constantly drooling blood. The wiggly long figures, this raspy voice. <laughs> uh, give me the bloodstone. It is my birthright. You can't tell if he's southern or <laughs> what his accent is. Because sometimes he talk like this. You're right. But then sometimes he'll talk like this whenever he wants bloodstone. Look at him, what's on my child. Yeah, can't ever tell where he's from or what. <laughs> so you have the these elements, so which are if you were to watch this in any other movie, you, you'd immediately laugh at it. But because this movie is wrapped up in a very gothic location, now Band had had bought this castle in Romania. The reason where we even give half a fuck about this weird, strange, oddball, over-the-top vampire is because he's wrapped in a gothic setting that sells every last thing that's happening. Now, as far as I know, this was a locale in Romania that Charles Bannon bought outright. So he owned this castle that subspecies is set in, and... He decided to just start churning out movies there. I, be, I, I believe, and Scott, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Castle Freak was filmed there as well, right? Castle Freak was filmed there. I think things, you know, and I don't, I'm not positive about this. I almost want to say that things as far back as Spellcaster were being shot there, but I'm not positive about that. Um, that was back in the Empire days, or maybe he just got a deal after the fall of communism. I don't know. Probably both. Whatever it was, I'm so thankful because it is the locale of this movie, which imparts such a sense of antiquity and and gives a legitimacy to the hokey nonsense that's going on in this series in such a way that they could have literally put like like the subspecies which are basically the these rod puppet and stop motion animation little creatures they could have made it about all about them and i would have watched the entire thing and been fine with it as stupid as that probably would have been it just it it really oversells what's going on in this movie in a way that i'm so thankful for scott do you feel that maybe the strongest suit of any of this is that old school Romanian castle that we're set in for the vast majority of this series. Absolutely. The, the, the castle and also just the Romanian locale gives it such a thing because actually like by the time the second one rolls around, even though they're in the castle, there's actually about like four or five locations substituting for that one castle. That's a bunch of different places, but um you know, just that whole, it, it gives it that whole old world feel after seeing all these things of like, we're bringing vampires into the 20th century was the big thing, you know, and, you know, and that was like the big thing for a while. And this really brought it back even further than some of the Hammer movies did because it felt so genuine. It didn't, you know, B movies are B movies. Everything feels like a set. These never felt like sets. This felt like it was the real deal. 
felt like a lived in place. And I believed all the hokey horse shit that Radu and everyone in town, like you get a dime store Van Helsing eventually, of course, in every one of these movies. And I believed everything that was being said by him. Dan, what'd you think of this locale? Man is there is a, Maybe back in the 80s, in the 90s, you know, when this is filmed, we didn't, we couldn't really tell. But if you watch this nowadays, it's the same if you're an audiophile, like you listen to vinyl and you can tell the difference. And I mean, this is not being, not any snobbery to it, but watching or listening to something on vinyl and listen to something on cassette and listen to something on CD. Well, now you listen to something on digital and your brain kind of rejects it because it's too perfect. You see what I mean? And it's the same if you're watching movies. You start out on VHS or something shot on film, and then you move to DVD, and then you move to Blu-ray, and then ultra high K, 48, 32K, inside out asshole clarity and stuff. <laughs> wow, These movies a- were <laughs> shot back then. You could tell it was, you know, a B film. And there's like a haze or a grit to the film. And if you watch it now, it's still there, even the Blu-ray, but it's gorgeous. But there's still just like this little grain. I refer to it like this because I'm trying to make sense with it. When I record and I'm going for a, like an authentic sound, like if I'm doing more of a lo-fi style, the Dungeon Synth or black metal, I will record my music like a 32-bit floating point wave and everything. And I'll record it onto a cassette because it rolls off the high end. And then I'll put it back on my computer and just gives it a nice warmth, a nice analog feel. These locations in this movie combined with the methods that they use to film it is that it is that analog warmth that you get in these. And absolutely the fact that they filmed on location adds to that because there, I mean, you said it, it just, it sells the film and at no time does it feel hokey. Now, they, you know, you build all your sets and stuff for all your newfangled popcorn summer blockbusters and stuff. This movie feels genuine, even if there's a guy drooling all over every woman he meets. <laughs> but I mean, it, it feels so real just because of the locations. When you're dealing with a performance like Anders Hove gives with this Radu character, you need something to root this in. And because... You know, we we traditionally think of, you know, vampires as this Transylvanian kind of thing. It makes you feel like you're back in time watching. And, And for me, it sells the movie because of that. It's able to go places with the vampire legend and the lore uh, that I buy into hook, line and sinker. And it has me by the balls. Now, Radu is definitely not a traditional vampire whatsoever, but there are things about him that we've we've seen before. Now, the, the vampires in the subspecies series, obviously, they're they die in all the traditional modes of death that we're we're typically aware of. But then that's about where the similarities stop other than, yeah, they got to go to sleep every single day, even though it seems I, I, I mean, please close me off and shut me off. If I'm wrong here, it seems the time, the point of which sunlight hits varies as to how long they can stay out in the sunlight and they have to crawl into their little hole in the ground, <laughs> but, but sunlight kills them. Supposedly getting your head chopped off, kills them stakes in the hearts 
kill them. Silver bullets in part three supposedly kill them. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that one. Well, yeah. silver does harm vampires. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, now we know. I thought that was a wolf. We need to play Morrowind, dude. Come on. I thought that was a Wolfman gimmick. It is, but silver is also harmful to vampires, according to it. Basically, is like a colloquial part of the myth. Now, silver can harm them, like silver weapons and stuff. But yeah, it's mainly for werewolves. But you know, depending on the video game or the D and D or your dungeon master, silver blades and weapons can also harm vampires and the undead. Well, now we know, Amy. Now we know. <laughs> so that popped up, and I, I look over at, at Amy. She's like, "I didn't think silver bullets kill vampires." Huh. Now I don't know about the bullet, but I mean the silver weapons. I mean, it stands a reason, you know. I mean, sure, it's not part of the original lore or whatever, but yeah, silver weapons. Depending on your uh, silver kills your- this monster, probably kills this other monster. Whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're playing it fast and loose with the sunlight gimmick. Why not? Let's just ah, <laughs> uh, silver's probably dead. <laughs> just throw this in. So having having said that, in each of these movies, now listeners, if you've never seen these and you're just trying to get a primer on these movies for us, I- I'm going to ruin your day. Cue boarding house music. This is a warning. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to spoil the shit out of these movies. We're, we can't really sit and talk about the entire series without having to spoil some of this stuff. So needless to say, throughout the series, of course, that by the very end of each of these movies, Redu gets his comeuppance. And he gets killed in every fucking fashion that a vampire could get killed in, but <laughs> always comes back to life. And this is what makes Radu unique in the world that's that he resides in is that this vampire, because he's so old and has, and this is the next talking point that I want to go in and talk to you guys about, he has the power of this ancient artifact called the Bloodstone, which he sits and sucks on, like Amy said, it's like a crystal shaped in the, the form of a fucking Mario Brothers mushroom <laughs> with fingers that he sits and sucks on and makes him perpetually drool. I, I always oh. thought it looked like a ring pop. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, a good way to put it. Like, it was like, give me the ring pop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then the red sticky drool, right? <laughs> so. It's like he... It, it, maybe it's like a topical antiseptic, or what is it? A, a topical antiseptic. Yep. Yeah, where all it, it, it touches his face, and all of a sudden he loses functionality of all the muscles in his face. There you so go. He can't, he can't really swallow correctly because that explains it. <laughs> now we know. So he gets only maybe like a tiny percentage of the blood of the saints into his system, which makes him hallucinate and gives him extraordinary powers. But. Because of this, he's been sucking on this thing, which is his birthright, for hundreds of, maybe even a thousand years. We, we're not sure how old Radu is. He now, his blood has creatures that reside in it to where when he breaks off his wiggly fingers and blood splatters, these creatures constitute out of the blood and put him back together again. So for the first time, we have perhaps maybe the first truly immortal vampire ever depicted on screen. Because to this point, even though there is going to be a subspecies five eventually, if, you know, the pandemic doesn't wipe us all out. 
I mean, hopefully, let's cross our fingers that we actually get a <laughs> subspecies five. He can't be killed. He comes back, and there's actually, for the first time ever in one of these gimmicks, a good reason he comes back. Dan, do you think this was a good reason? You did you did you buy into this whole the the subspecies, the thing that we thought were the subspecies, which I want to I'll talk I, I want to question you boys about in a little bit, is his blood being able to create monsters that put him back together so he never truly dies. What did you think of this concept? I mean, it's weird, but Full Moon is known for their I mean, Charles Band has said it himself that he goes for that, you know, comic book approach. Like he's more of a sci-fi whether that has anything to do with creature, little critters growing out of his blood or whatever. But I mean, again, this is one of those films where there's so much going on peripherally with a story and a world that he's trying to build that, I mean, yeah, I'll sure I'll take it. I mean, <laughs> if he can do that, cool. Because what's great about this is he has shown this power within like the first five minutes of the movie. So we're given the subspecies in this film and he's, you know, we've seen that he can do this now. It mentions somewhere in the film about how he has let the beast overcome him. Like, that's what happened to Radu. It was like he was a warrior. They were fighting with the family, Vladislav, who was a real family, by the way. The Ottoman Turks were enemies of the Tepish. And so Vladislav was a warrior. And, you know, they'd been warring for a long time. So you get the idea that they're ancient. And then the dime store van helsing actually mentioned something about radu doing this or becoming a creature of absolute evil so yeah i guess i mean if you want to look at it it's like all the demons in his blood he's like giving cause to the evil spirits and he could just break his fingers off and they can create monsters i don't know i mean i was a kid watch i'm buying it I'm game. Let's do this. <laughs> I I loved it because it it made sense to where most you know continuity between films and a movie series. At the end, there there is this you know traditional thought that the monster has to be vanquished and get his comeuppance, and the heroes need to prevail. But the problem is, if it's super popular, you want to bring the 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 bad guy back which is why, you know, we have Friday the 13th and Halloween and all these movies where these killers, which we're, we're supposed to posit that they're real, but immortal, somehow keep coming back after taking extraordinary damage at the end of the movie where we're supposed to believe that they are dead. But, but that's the thing is like, you know, they uh, that's when they come come back is that, you know, they need to do a sequel, like not to take the romanticism out of it, but they need to do a sequel. So we're doing a sequel. He lost his head. We're doing a sequel. OK, fine. There's tendrils that come out. <laughs> they but push the head back in. <laughs> so, I mean, again, what's brilliant with this is they set this. I actually made notes and I kept it in my DVD case last Halloween when I watched this to, for specifically hoping we would do an episode on this. <laughs> I love and you, Dan. This is brilliant. I would just say, all right, this film subspecies one, 35 seconds in, you've got Angus scrim drinking from the bloodstone 35 seconds in. Yep. You name me a movie that has already thrust you head first into a Romanian countryside. You know, this is about vampires because you've gathered that from the movie's box art. 35 seconds in, you've got an old guy sitting in a castle in front of a fire, drinking blood from a rock. Blood's dripping down. You know something's wrong with this dude. And 
45 seconds in, so 40 seconds, Radu walks through the door. He's got long fingers. You see his vampire fangs. He's wearing all black. You know he's a vampire. 45 seconds in, and Full Moon has already established this film. So you've now got an hour and 19 minutes and 15 seconds to (laughs) continue on with already a fantastical story. I say this, and again, I'm I'm completely agreeing with you, Scott. By the way, it's just by one minute. Oh, where's an, I had it too. Okay, yeah. So by two minutes and forty five seconds, the cage has already come down, and Radu has broken his fingertips off, so the subspecies come out. We're not even five minutes in this film, and you already realize that Radu is pretty much unstoppable. He's already yeah. shown that. So you know, not we're not even five minutes in, and Radu can't be contained. And so now the rest of this movie, we're just going to basically try to find out how to survive Radu. He's an unstoppable force as it is. How they do it or whatever, we kind of already get the feeling that it's only temporary. So I mean, they've already established a franchise and sequel line <laughs> before they've even shown the title <laughs> card. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I didn't say they didn't do it well. <laughs> but, yeah, what they were doing. but yeah, it's like, you know, it's, but that's what they were doing. But yeah, they did do it very well. I think and I think one thing, the reason that they did do it well is that they waited until the next movie to show how they bring them back. And instead of having that little team yeah, right. at the end, instead of showing like Jason's eyes opening up at the bottom of the lake. No, as far as we know, like, yeah. And there's Radu doesn't have a head, you know, then he, so you wonder like, how is he going to come back? And then you see it at the beginning of say like part two and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That worked in, in this crazy world that works. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely the end of this movie when he gets his comeuppance and his head's chopped off the sub, the blood turns into the subspecies and the subspecies are hanging around his head and Radu's eyes open up and look and he starts smiling. You're like, Oh, well this motherfucker ain't done. So, you know, he's coming back. You do kind of want, you do kind of wonder like, how is he going to wind up with, is it going to be like a reanimator situation or what? And then you find out like, Oh, okay. I see what they're doing now. Thank God. It's not, this is one of those movies that just like I, I mean, this is the kid in me. This is where I love when it hints at magic, when it hints that there's that there's just something else. There's something more. This movie does that. And I am such a fan when they do this this whole time, even in part four, when you have what I love that one, where it's science versus religion, science versus magic. I love that. But see, in this one, all you're taking is those college girls thrust into the old world and finding out that the magic is real and we know that it's real because two minutes and 45 seconds in Radu shows us that <laughs> dan I hasn't just, timed out that. folks if you weren't aware he's already given us time code on this i got it i got it okay i forget the actual timestamp too but this has one of my favorite sequences in film when Radu stalking through the underground through the catacombs he wakes up and he's going because he's already tasted the blood from the blonde chick because they were goofing around at the at the uh, castle and then you know she he grabs her hand through the door you know she cuts herself or whatnot so he has her scent and then radu wakes up and then you hear the duduk the the horn that horn thing that gets sampled and uh, marduk sampled it in their nightwing album and stuff it's that uh motif that richard band uses in his score with this well then 
when Radu wakes up and it just shows him stalking through the shadows and he's just walking toward the camera and you got the camera, you know, just keeping pace in front of him. That's like one of my favorite scenes in a film that stuck with me when I was a little kid. He's not flying. I wish his eyes were glowing, but they're not. He doesn't have to. He's just walking in the shadows with his creepy little Nosferatu homage going. And that was so cool. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's I, I think other than the locale, what the strongest suit of this first movie and why I think subspecies one is perhaps the perfect way to start this series is that it actually feels like a fairly straight laced traditional vampire movie, even with all the ridiculousness and the lore that we've talked about with Radu and uh, the vampires who, for some reason, are able to travel via shadows which is a cool visual motif. I've always loved it. Oh, they also fantastic. they also have this very singular, and I'm very thankful for this feeding technique in which every woman that they come across, they have to rip off their top <laughs> and expose the woman's breast in order to feed on them. Amy found that, like talked about this immediately. What did you think about their feeding technique? Well, of course, who doesn't like to see a nice looking breast, but like why? <laughs> The neck is there. They're always in like a white dress, but like they pull. So the tits are out. Now my fangs are ready. I'm going to sink in. The, the The dress is bloody. There's no like, there's no reason to move the dress out of the way. It's not even just Nothing moving the happened. dress out of the way. They just rip it. Right. It's just tit out, bite the neck. <laughs> Like over and over again. <laughs> Every it's, single time. Listeners, if you rewatch Subspecies, I dare you to find. And if you do find it, please time code stamp it like Daniel Edenfield just did. And, <laughs> and send it over at the, all the gimmicks group or on my Twitter. And let see, me know if you find a scene where there's a vampire biting into someone where their tits are not. I don't think you Good see. Luck. Do you see Michelle's tits? I don't I, think so. Oh, yeah, no. there's a well, but, but not, she's in the shower. You, you, not in a feeding scene, but you do see her in a shower naked. Well, there we go. There's a feeding scene yeah. without a tit out. And okay, so Dan, I, I, no offense, but Dan's answer was correct. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, I guess to, to circle around, that's what I discovered. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, what else are you going to do with them long, noodly fingers anyway? It's like, where's my bloodstone? I don't have it. That's a nice movie. Come here. <laughs> well, that would be great if Radu instead have a, like a Romanian. Really, all that's preventing like Radu from sounding like a hobo is that Romanian accent. Get me some of the moonshine and have the bloodstone and see me some victim titties. <laughs> yeah. So, but let me turn it on you guys. So, everyone has seen lots of breasts in movies. Yeah. We understand that we need to drink blood. Yes. Yeah. So like it's fun to look at boobs, but yes. like Yeah. Any other impact, any other reason, any other anything about why they rip the shirt off before they drink the blood? Oh, it's right. exploitation hucksterism. That's all it is. It, this is well, this is a gimmick that they can use. It's the as Fred Olin Ray had said, the greatest special effect is nudity because yeah. it's the cheapest one. And no. he's correct. Also, I will go okay. one further though and say that and this was like something that was really talked about a lot when vampire movies were like huge, which they were for like a dozen years when the Anne Rice craze was happening in the 90s. And so is that there is an in an inherently sexual thing 
about the vampire, something you don't get with zombies feeding or werewolves or anything like that. There is something very sexual about something, you know, stalking in, uh, you know, you know, caressing you, biting you on the neck, you know, and everything. it's very sexual. So that nudity would play a part in that would make a lot more sense than say, if you were to see like lots of like, say exposed breasts when a zombie feeds in a movie or something like that, there, it, it, it there's like a psychological, sexual, erotic thing about vampires. And they were playing on that because let's face it, Radu ain't the si- shouldn't be the sexiest dude in the world no not at I'm all kind of a couple friends who thought he was pretty sexy I mean, he's, he's got money dude owns a castle he's got a nice <laughs> now i was gonna say I to at least a seven yeah I, I'm, with, I'm with you on this one scott you guys i mean y'all think about this and like analyze this and i'm just sitting here all i'm hearing is jeff foxworthy in my head is like well, i'd like a beer i want to see something naked so I imagine it's the same with Radu. It's like, what do you want? I want the redstone, and I'd like to see something naked. Well, this I think I think you know he all he's doing is trying trying to move the the dress or uh, the the top the blouse away, and because of his wiggly fingers, he just accidentally always tears off the top of the boot top <laughs> off because he has he he really doesn't have the finest of motor skills with his fingers. Well, that's what he's gonna no do. Way. You got your face planted on her boob it's like <laughs> what else you gonna do with your hands oh see what she's wearing under there so i mean you just you, you gotta be face down in it for a little while and you don't have cell phones you're in romania wouldn't you just love to hear him like curse about that fucking hell god damn it uh, <laughs> yeah, his, his face would be pressed in her flesh so it'd be like a mouth like a hand fart but <laughs> Imagine Radu with a smartphone. How does that work? Oh, <laughs> what, what happened? I suppose. Oh, fuck. Oh, I can't. Oh. <laughs> drooling all over it. <laughs> the blood, where's the Bloodstone app? Uh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I'm still a little more curious about this. The whole idea that vampires are romantic or sexual. They're not caressing these people. They're not just suddenly rip the shirt, tit out, bite the neck. It's over with. Well, Well, I think this is the thing I wanted to discuss with everybody to begin with is that um, eventually we'll get to this in a little bit in in another section of the show is that Ted Nicolau made an offshoot movie called the vampire journals which ties into this, which presents a more traditional vampire than uh, Radu is. And I I think it creates a great juxtaposition and kind of is way more telling about the character they were looking to present with Radu is that these vampires, um, ash and the bucharest vampires that will come to know in the vampire journals are those sensual romanticized vampires and redu is this ancient creature so devoid of humanity that he only relishes in the hunt in blood and sadistic delight well remember they say that about radu like the Van Helsing says that about him. There is nothing sexual 
to him, even though there are instances where he may say, you know, he always calls his fledglings or the women pretty things. But I, I, I see that as more of a like a hunter, like a serial killer looking at, oh, this is like an object I have to obtain, not as like a conquest of sexual pleasure in any you know, way. The actual act itself is sexual, just like horror films often make uh, death sexual. I mean, death is not sexual. Death is horrible. It's, but murder is horrible. It's violent. It's terrible. But in the movies and in the fantasy realm that they present, sometimes it is presented as such. You know, and as far as taking too short of a time, like, yeah, the seduction is is nice. But, you know, Radu might be like a, a three pump chump. So, <laughs> well, I mean, he what's cool <laughs> by the third one. I think it's the third one or the fourth one. Forgive me for not knowing, but it's the one he's really starting to court Michelle. Like that's part three. Well, there is a part because this whole time they have called Radu a monster and they have called him a sadist is by several people have referred to him as this and that, you know, there is nothing human in him. And yet by the third one, we're kind of thrown for a loop because it's almost going like a beauty and the beast, you know, Florence Nightingale kind of thing. But this one line that I love is when they're standing on the parapet between the crenellated wall and they're looking out, you know, seeing the sun's fixing to rise and Rad, he's holding Michelle by the wrist, you know, and he says something about you'll be with me for all eternity. We'll be together. I don't think he says anything about loving her. It just says you'll be with me for eternity. But then he says, and you'll learn to fear me and you should fear me because I am a monster. I fucking love that line because he you've seen him for like the first two or three films and he is a monster and he's mean and he's the bad guy and stuff. This is the first time where it is self-actualization. He knows what he is and it takes for a little, and it was just really cool because for a little while you almost feel bad. I'm going to say you all, I would almost feel bad because like he's doing, it seems like he's giving Michelle, he doesn't know. He's like, he's a special needs second cousin of Vlad Tepish. He just doesn't know how to express himself to a lady. So he's giving her all of these gifts of immortality and stuff. (laughs) He just, he's terrifying her because he doesn't know how to relate with her. But so this whole time while she's spurning him, you almost feel bad for him. It's like, my God, what she's chopped his head off. She stabbed him through the heart, shot him in the face, all kinds of stuff. Every time he turns around to bestow new treasures on her and then she's just gonna spit in his face about it but then that Mm -hmm. one scene when he has her up there on that parapet and tells her you should fear me because i am a monster everything leading up to that has just been destroyed and we are back to movie one two minutes and 45 seconds in this dude is absolutely evil and what's even worse now we know that he knows that we know like he is fully comfortable with it. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely something about his character that upon revisiting these movies because I think when you watch these movies the first movie is as I had said before a fairly straight-laced traditional vampire story. You have the say, the traditional arc people outsiders come into a, a small European locale discover that the lore of monsters is true, get wrapped up into it. All of them die except for one. And then they have to somehow vanquish the vampire of all of these movies. It is the the simplest 
of them. It tells a very simple story, very slow paced compared to the rest of the series, which when we get to part two and three and especially part four uh, have tons of characters, uh, lots of special effects set pieces, twisty and turny plots, power struggles, whodunits and all sorts of other nonsense this movie is very straightforward and for me i appreciate this as being the setup movie it's like you're watching mm-hmm. a marvel movie and it's the origin story you mm-hmm. you, you get a, a bunch of the lore and it doesn't overwhelm you with things so for this movie i appreciate that it is the subsequent movies where all of a sudden we start to see radu as a more nuanced character there are instances where like you had said in part three where he's holding her there's a moment where he kills a specific character and we'll talk about it when we get to that movie where there's an actual moment of self-reflection which I didn't think was possible with this character because he, as we said, they've set him up as this absolute emotional void of a monster that only cares about consumption and his own quest for power. So there's a lot of nuance going on. Now the rest of the crew around him, fairly one note. Scotty, what do you think of the rest of our crew in subspecies one when I'm talking about the three girls that come to Romania that fought that find Fabio vampire Radu's <laughs> brother, Stefan? Well, I'll tell you this. They try with Stefan or Stefan or whatever they pronounce his name as. Just call him Steve. And, um, <laughs> I, li- I like this better. Let's call Radu him Steve. Radu and Steve. Just Steve. <laughs> It's like that would be such a great, great thing for the dramatic parts, like Radu, Steve. (laughs) 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 But um, yeah, they try with him. They try to make him a really interesting character, and like, look, he's the one who's torn. He's our hero. He's great. And I think that they realized that by part two, like we didn't give a shit about him. (laughs) Nope. He was a romantic interest. He was the avatar for us to proceed, you know, like a a plot point for the girls to be able to not only meet Radu, but to fight him. Or at least that, or at least his story was done by the time part one was over uh, to give him the benefit of the doubt. Michelle's friends, they're sort of disp- – although I liked the actresses quite a bit. I liked all the actresses actually. Although they're, they're good actresses, their characters weren't very developed and everything. I liked that, that we got to know them better, uh, Michelle better, as the films were on. And we really got to know her character. We really got to know what makes, them, what makes her tick and everything. But yeah, the focus um, – they tried to make the focus on Stefan versus Radu. And I think they were wise to realize that Radu is the far more fascinating person because this is something we really haven't seen. Well, we've seen them handle vampires and and monstrous vampires and everything like that. We haven't seen them approach it in this manner. We haven't seen this type of primitive monster and then you really explore the monster and then as time wears on it gets more because it was almost like um kinski's take on nosferatu yes at first where you get the monster of it but then you also get the sense of alienation of loneliness 
of that the monstrosity is what they will always turn to not only by their nature but because it's the only comfort they know you know that kind of thing you know it's really uh so i think that humans are boring <laughs> you know, yep. humans are boring and part one really tried to approach kind of that dichotomy that duality but as the films wore on they realized that the vampires that's the interesting part of the movies i mean for instance even after this first one any male character other than radu is a nobody as far as i'm concerned i i would agree with you totally to the point where the vampire journals the humans are such an infinitesimal part of that film that they yeah. do not they are cattle to to feed in this so but sticking with subspecies one fairly straight laced film at the end of the day amy how did you feel about the first subspecies well, i want to answer the question we were just talking okay about. what is that <laughs> okay go ahead answer. well the other characters right okay what do you think well, about you those needed characters? stefan because didn't michelle ask him to bite her and then it turns out that radu gets rid of him and then she figures out, shit, now what I'm going to do? Yeah, at the very end of the film, Redu finds, because she Michelle falls in love with Stefan. Right. Of course, there has to be a romantic angle, even in all of these movies, which I I, I don't know. That's my least favorite part of any of this stuff. I, I like the way over the top monster stuff than having to try and romanticize any of this. So, yeah. Radu happens upon them sleeping off Stefan. Says, fuck you, buddy. I want this chick for myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's how he takes her to at the end when, you know, they find Radu and off his head and whatever. Right. So Stefan was necessary to like set up the next thing later. Right. right? So no, Radu's much more interesting. Far more him, interesting. But... Far more interesting. Having said that, though. What did you think of this film by time it was done? Oh, it was very enjoyable. It was mostly funny, slightly dramatic, not scary, kind of gross, not really. I mean, the backwash stone that they kept drooling <laughs> out of was kind of gross. The drool stone, as we came to call it? Well, it was just like suddenly he's sucking a rock and blood's everywhere. And you kind of just feel like you're, are you just spitting the blood back in there? It, it is, <laughs> beside it, anyway, I liked it. Awesome. Yeah. Our uh, our good pal and uh, patron Mel House came and joined us while we were watching this. And it was the drool that off put him the most watching this movie. Dan, subspecies one. At the end of the day, how do you feel this turns Man, out? I, for you? I, think I've, I think I've given up the ghost on how I feel about this one. Like, seriously, <laughs> I, I absolutely love this film. This is one of those boring films where nothing happens that I could watch every year. I don't care. It's a Halloween tradition, and it, it's, everything about it is wonderful. It actually gets better with age, honestly, to me. There, it becomes more and more endearing as time passes. Especially after watching the subsequent sequels. Going back to it, it's so atmospheric. It's so airy. It lets it breathes. The story just kind of slowly lays itself out there. So you kind of can just sit back and soak in. And I don't use this term very often because I don't think it necessarily applies all the time. But when I think of atmospheric movies, I think of Rollin 
Jean Roland and in some of, you know, his dreamier films, there are aspects of this movie that are breathy like his films. It doesn't feel like one of his films, but it definitely is more concerned. This first film in particular, more concerned with atmosphere than it is with anything else. Scott, how do you feel about this at the end of the day? That's really interesting that you should say uh, Jean Roline there. I think that, yeah, you know, when these movies were taking off, like I said, there was this vampire craze that was starting to happen. It, it really hadn't happened with movies yet, but I was already into it because I was one of those kids whose friends were all goths. And so hence I had, had a copy of Vampire Lestat that I was going through. When you looked at it, you know, yeah, go, years later, seeing the films of Jean Roline, I can absolutely see that, yeah, this absolutely – it enriches the whole mythology and romanticism of uh, the vampire films, even as the vampires that are portrayed in it are savage. I mean, they're not, you know, effete people like they, like you will see later in vampire journals. They are, you know, they're primal. And I think that this kind of, um, it really explores that. I mean, this film like looks like, like if you could smell this movie, it would smell like a crypt, you know, it really, <laughs> yeah. but not in like, but not in like an ugly way and kind of that like depressive black metal kind of way where you're just like, yeah, this is, <laughs> I'm, I'm into this groove right now. It really feels like that. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So much atmosphere. It, it lends an air of legitimacy to a low budget film that sells it. Absolutely sells it. Obviously I'm going to say there of, of all these movies, this is probably my second favorite of the entire series. It is a perfect setup. So if you're going to jump into these, definitely watch them in sequential order. Unlike some other series where I would just say, well, fuck off on this one, fuck off on that one, fuck off on this one, like the Puppet Master series, which <laughs> I would say just start with number three and leave it there. This is a great movie, great way to start a series, especially if you're familiar with vampires. Definitely. Last question before we end this segment. What do you feel I'm going to do? This is going to be a quick lightning round. Who do you think the subspecies are Amy. Who do you? What do you think subspecies refers to? Um, I guess the little jiggly guys. Okay, interesting. Scott, who do you think the subspecies refers to? I at the beginning always thought that it was like the little tiny guys. I really always thought it was the tiny guys. Now I'm not so sure. Dan, at first I thought it was referring to because of the way Radu looked. I thought it was talking about the vampires being the subspecies, but I mean I have watched a couple of like behind the scenes featurettes where Charles Mann himself has mentioned that the subspecies were the little blood droppling little creatures that came up out of his finger things. So that's the subspecies were the little creatures. Wow. And that's what I always thought looking at the cover. And that's why I said, when we started this segment out that I thought this was going to be a ghoulies gimmick. I went into it thinking it was going to be a ghoulies gimmick, but having watched all these films now, I'm coming back to this. And if you look at the definition of what a subspecies is, of what subspecies is, is a category in biological classification that ranks immediately below a species and designates a population of, of a particular geographic region genetically distinguishable from other such populations of the same species and capable of interbreeding successfully with them where its range overlaps theirs. 
That tells me the subspecies means the vampires. Check out the brain on Derek. Damn. <laughs> are you sure it doesn't mean the humans? I, coming well, from the, the vampire the Vampires are the subspecies of the humans. Well, but isn't it like the wizard lady and the vampire guy made red? Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves oh, sorry, here. We're getting sorry, ahead of sorry. ourselves here. But <laughs> I I always thought, I when, when I saw that and you see that cover, you see the, the poster or whatever, the subspecies were the little ghouly creatures. That's what I thought, and that's why I went in and why I was so disappointed was little Derek getting this gimmick, going, oh, just a wiggly-ass vampire with a raspy vet voice. <laughs> um, little Derek was sad about boobs. Well, no, I love the movie, but I was I thought it was going to be a ghoulies gimmick and they're very little part of this. Um, So that's a question I'll put out there to the Astro Zombies. Hit us up on uh, the Twitter or Astro Radio Z podcast at Gmail dot com or the all the gimmicks group. Let us know who do you think the subspecies are? And we'll get down to this. But anyways, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the next two movies in the series. Bloodstone Subspecies 2 made in 1993 and Bloodlust Subspecies 3 in 1994. And why they're not getting individual segments in this show is because just like Full Moon did with so many of its other movies, it filmed these movies back to back. And what does that mean, folks? You know what that means if you're a longtime listener of Astro Radio Z. That means they had one script, they chopped down the middle, and then made two movies out of it. So it's essentially one long movie. So we're going to talk about it like it's one long movie because that's exactly what it is. So we'll be right back. Since the dawn of evil, they have prowled the night feasting on blood and the sins of our flesh. The heart of their power lies in the bloodstone. Now, a woman who has tasted its nightmares must choose between death and damnation. Long I forget you praise me as your master, and all that is mine will be yours. What is your relationship to this woman? She's my sister. The vampire rabbit is here in Bucharest, and your sister is his no. disciple. Ah! Michelle, please, let me help you. Nothing can help me now. Bloodstone was stolen from me. Welcome back, folks. As I said before, Full Moon pulled the make two movies out of one shoot schedule gimmick with Subspecies 2 and Subspecies 3, which was filmed around 1993, but then released 1993 and 1994. And what these movies are in this series, kind of like what they did with the initial first four Friday the 13th films and the first couple Halloween films, 
these movies in the subspecies world take place one after the other. No time has passed. So if you slap these things all together and decided to do a marathon, it literally happens days. Like the entire series is like maybe a week happens <laughs> through all of them. So subspecies two picks up right after part one after the, the subs. Well, Okay, now I'm going to go back to what I just ended the last segment on. What is the subspecies? Okay. <laughs> After the blood creatures put Radu back together again with the aid of his zombie slash mummy mom that he calls mummy. <laughs> he kills Stefan and begins the pursuit and training of Michelle, who now is played by Denise Duff and longtime screen queen fans and horror movie fans of the 90s will know her. Great actress, brings gravitas to this role that wasn't present in the first movie. But as we'll, fi we'll find out in part four, sometimes, you know what? Schedules don't align when you're making film and actors and actresses can't come back. So they had to recast the Michelle character. And thankfully Denise Duff was around because she's a much better choice for the Michelle. And uh, so Radu begins the pursuit and training of Michelle as his fledgling vampire, while her sister played by Melanie Shatner and Mel played by Friday the 13th, part seven, Kevin Blair. You'll remember this dude. He's the dude trying to woo our, uh, quote unquote carry character in Friday 13th part seven. Uh, they attempt to rescue Michelle from Radu's clutches and make her mortal again. Now that essentially is the plot of part two, but it's basically the part of part three as well, because this overarching story between the two films is that Radu has now taken Michelle into his clutches and the sister finds out and goes to again, and this is an exploitation in horror movie staple, the bumbliest of cops to try and <laughs> help her. And this suave, charming dude played by Kevin tries to help her to get the sister back with also they come across perhaps my second favorite character of the entire series who is unfortunately offed in a very unceremonious way at the end of this movie the old man van helsing and uh we just see them fight in small vignettes radu and his mother now scott the mother mommy character mm -hmm. we are introduced to her right away in this movie when radu gets put back together all of a sudden he rushes and finds this corpse this walking corpse with you know pauldrons and all this other shit what exactly do you think the mommy character is is she a vampire is she a sorceress is she an alchemist is she all of these things? What is the mommy character? I, I thought she was a vampire until this viewing, in fact. And uh, it wasn't really because, I mean, when you see her, I mean, Radu gives her the knife with the blood on it. And she, you know, well, she doesn't lick it. She eats it, which is gross. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, she seems to feed on blood. So you're like, oh, OK, yeah. She's like an even Naturally, she's a more ancient vampire still, which is why she's practically a skeleton and everything. And 
then in the but you know like we said these are two movies basically but it's like one big movie in part three there comes a part where they say wait she doesn't sleep by the day i'm like wait she doesn't what the fuck what is she (laughs) that's why i asked this question and dan i'd love to hear your thoughts too because as time went along and subsequent rewatches of this i think she's a sorceress yeah i think she's a sorceress too Yeah, I think she gave birth because it's referenced in one of the latter movies. She gives birth to Radu. And as far as we know, vampires are corpses and can't give birth to anything. So Angus Scrim at some point boned this sorceress and she gave birth to Radu. That's a comforting thought. <laughs> Back before his Edgar Winter years, as we saw him in the beginning of our one. <laughs> so, so I ask you, Dan, what do you think, Mommy is? Yeah, I have no clue. I mean, I'm with Scott. I, I'm just, I'm with y'all. I'm guessing she's a sorceress or some sort of extra other thing. I mean, again, the beauty of this series, what I love when Full Moon does it, they do it well and they do it right. They hint at things just in the periphery of the story that you're actually seeing. They don't ever really tell you. When I was a kid, that kind of ticked me off. But as I get older, I actually appreciate that. It leaves enough loose ends for my own imagination to fill in the blanks. And so, I mean, as far as what she is, sure. Is, you know, is she a sorceress? Yeah, sure. Why not? Is she a witch? Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, it's, I don't know if they ironed that part out or not, but I mean, I'm with you. I agree with everything y'all say she is. Sure. I'm with it. (laughs) She is definitely what elevates this movie from the first one. We start getting new characters and as sequels do, and they, they should, they expand upon what the first film was in a bigger way and try to make it a little more grandiose. And this mummy character, this mommy character is Something that's like the cross of the crypt keeper and a cackling old lady. Like, Amy, what do you think of this mummy character? Oh, she's wonderful. I love. Uh, so who knows what she is? I'm I imagine like hundreds or thousands of years ago or however old she is. She was gorgeous. Like, I feel like this is just that she's very ancient. Right. Um. I really enjoy the dynamic between her and Radu as well. Um, but just as a general character, I don't know what she is. It doesn't really matter to me what she is. She's fascinating. Well, she's so old and has such powers that she has no eyeballs anymore. Like mm-hmm. her, her the, the makeup and prosthetic work on this woman is for a full moon, low budget movie. Extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It is wonderful. She looks like a walking corpse. Mm-hmm. No eyeballs. Mm-hmm teeth that look like they're falling out she you can see bones poking through she's her flesh looks like tarred leather stretched over something that's been set out for hundreds of years it's an amazing piece of work scott what do you think of this character you know you always wonder when they're going to introduce new characters in a sequel you know there's a couple ways a sequel can go if a sequel is done right it should expand on the characters and it should expand on the world of the movie uh just kind of like uh say um like the mad max series did you know you wouldn't think there was much to go with those characters but somehow they managed to make everything seem a little more resonant as the the films wore on 
and you never know how it's going to go. This one, they brought in the new characters, and it absolutely added a new dimension to the Radu character. It was a she was a good character in her own right. Uh, it added this sense of mystery and letting you know how ancient these evils were. Like as uh, Amy was saying, I'm sure she was beautiful in her time, but think about that. When we're talking about her time, we're probably talking a a thousand years at least, maybe a couple thousand years. So we're talking about like, you know, Babylonian time. She was something to to look at. You know I mean? We're talking about somebody who has really harnessed some dark powers and what might, must that be like? And she's been in this crypt this whole time. How has she survived? What's the relationship? You know, we, we start to get all this, these new insights, not just into this new character, but into the characters that have already been established through her. So it absolutely is a great uh, addition to this. The writing in this, these follow-ups is some of the best in the entire Full Moon catalog, actually. Yeah, they, they give a lot of really great dialogue to not only the mummy character, but Radu and Amy were speaking of kind of like the dynamic between those two. How would you put what you think their dynamic was and how they interacted? <laughs> A lot of it was sort of like adolescent Radu trying to tell mom she's not the boss. <laughs> like it, there was a lot of kind of back and forth of her trying to put him in his place and, and teach him the lesson and it's her way and him sort of, um, oh, being a rebel about it, I guess. Like, Fuck off, mom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm an adult. I'm a big kid. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, it's. it's I'm only 800 years old. <laughs> well, and he has this weird urge to please her. Like he doesn't like her and he argues with her, but wants her to be proud of him well right i think she's the the reason why she's the last remaining family member and we find this out uh with some of the you know the van helsing character telling you know the background of the the vladislases is that redu was born from this mommy character and when he became old enough went out and literally wiped out his entire bloodline that's what it was. Yeah. So the only two people of his bloodline directly of his family. Now, obviously, there are tons of fledglings that he made throughout the hundreds of thousands of years that he'd been around um, is the mummy character. This is the mommy character. So for some reason, there's some sort of weird love relationship that goes on between the two of them even though she's just kicking a lady who just wants to kill everything that comes like whenever he brings a victim into the crypt she's like ah! <laughs> it has to run over <laughs> like, the, like the crypt keeper over to him. honestly the first when she's introduced this movie immediately had me so by the balls that it could have chained my nuts to a seat and I wouldn't have <laughs> I would have been glad about it. It, was, it had me. This movie fucking really had me. So having said that, we get introduced to this mummy character, which gives Radu almost like a sidekick. There's another monster in this movie other than the Radu character, because the rest of the cast, again, 
we got a we got a bumbling Italian cop with the very Italian accent. <laughs> I, that's not a very good Italian accent. I'm terrible at accents, even though I am Italian myself. But we we have the bumbling cop who always has a bologna sandwich in his hand for some unknown reason, and whenever he talks, he's got to point at somebody. Uh, then we have the sister who's trying to save Michelle. Michelle, for the most part is just like whimpering most of the movie because she's in this weird, especially in part two, she's in this weird between place where she's starting to become a vampire, the, but she's not a vampire yet. And she doesn't know her powers and she, her body's dying. And part two and three is basically the story of her becoming a vampire. That's all her character arc is, is her, star, her sister's trying to help her out and she's becoming a vampire. For real, I hear him on the phone in the movie, and I feel like when uh, Patrick Bateman, Americans like, stop being something fucking sad all the time. Jesus, <laughs> that is, that is the Michelle character. Sorry. It is Sorry. absolutely. I know it is. Just still, <laughs> well, well, that's the thing is this this movie and, and why I feel this is like the best movie of the series straddles this fine line between being a ridiculous prosthetic heavy monster movie with at the same time trying to be a gothic drama which are essentially what i feel the subspecies series is an is actual a, emotional heartbreaking story i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> the writing is fantastic <laughs> it, it is it is done well in a way that you don't sit and groan the entire time no it's it, compelling Mm-hmm. absolutely and for me and amy asked me this earlier today is like well were you ever scared by these movies no i don't think the intent was fear or horror with these movies i i find them to be like gothic uh dramas or fantasies like mm-hmm. if you were you were wat- watching some medieval fantasy movie or like lord of the rings this is like one of those types of series right where you have a bunch of ancient old monsters that are having to deal with human problems and the the human problems are actually a vampire problems. so it's like a family of vampires and their problems so uh i love it this this movie just takes the stakes of the first one throws in a bunch more characters a bunch more locales it is absolutely stunning to look at the cinematography of this movie is lights out compared to the first one which is really nice to look at but more scenic with a lot of natural light this is very much along the lines of a euro horror film with very dynamic lighting Um, shafts of light a lot of noir-ish type stuff and uh i i fucking love this thing scott compared to part one how do you what do you think of part two? Are you kidding? This is um, I mean, I love part one, but this is such a gigantic leap forward that I don't just think this is the best of the subspecies series. I think this is the best full moon movie, period, especially part two. Part two is what I'm referring to, especially part three. It takes a little bit of a dip, but um, I think that it looks beautiful. I think. The writing is incredible. I love the acting in it. I think that, which how often can you say that about an exploitation film? Uh, I love the uh, atmosphere. I love the editing. I, I used I used 
footage from this movie as well, the trailer mostly, but this movie for like music videos that I would make for cable access back in the day, somewhere in someone's collection is an old music is someone's is my homemade video of concrete blondes bloodletting. And a good minute of that is footage from this movie. I mean, it's a fantastic movie. It is beautiful to look at. Uh, There were scenes in which I was inspired and I wrote short stories about one of which was published. You know, So, I mean, it's, it's a great movie. I can't say enough nice things about it. It looks like they fell into way more money probably because of the puppet master series and they decided to throw it all at ted nicolau and he ran with it because red do's prosthetic work makes him look more skeletal and more menacing as opposed to the first film where yeah he looked like a corpse but at the same time kind of not super exaggerated other than the wiggly fingers this movie his cheekbones and his forehead and his chin it looks like if the scream mask were underneath and a person's face was molded that way that's the way radu looks in this movie it's very much a more of a monster than in any of the other movies so the prosthetic effects work much better cinematography much better the score dan hands down for me part two and part three have some of the best score in scores at least contextually and emotionally in the entire full moon catalog what do you think of the score of these movies oh of course i mean the this series my favorite one of my favorite movie scores. I mean, we'll I'll talk at length about that one, but it's, it's Vampire Journals. It's one of my absolute favorite movie scores. But the subspecies is right up there with it. This is just, again, like Scott said it best. I mean, this is Full Moon's best movie. And the score is right along with it. Using the actual musical instruments, Romanian instruments, however you pronounce it, that would flute the, the Duke using that again and then just using more organic percussion elements in there and and it's not just the usual cheesy scents like you hear (laughs) and it's coming from me talking about the scents but not relying so heavily on that letting the orchestras be organically part of the setting for the film it just it's very moody and it never really stands out either it never distracts you which is what it's it's not supposed to do that if you want to just listen to the music you'll pop in the cd you'll play the vinyl you know you'll be giving your attention to that the best scores are the ones that you forget are actually there and they're just helping propel you along they're not compelling you the story's doing that the music's just there holding your hand guiding you along letting you look around at all the sights in the museum the music's just there holding your hand carrying you along and it's absolutely brilliant and just thematically gorgeous yeah they actually got a uh, – they usually actually utilized a local Romanian orchestra that specialized in Romanian, in Romanian folk music to do – to perform the score. I'm sorry, man. The choirs. It's just totally just those choirs from the first subspecies and then in this. They just hit you with that D minor and then the A minor. I think it's, I think it's a D minor. Just the way they hit that one note and then they blend in just – a minor third with it and then they'll just kind of lilt it up to where it starts to get 
it, it starts to become dissonant. I love that just as much as I love the low to Duke sound that they use when they bring in those choirs, it, beco- it takes the score and just makes elevates it into being ethereal with it. And all you had to do was just add that Slavic or the, the choir. Yes, Scott, you were right. I forgot all about mentioning that. Saying this, I mean, it just adds to the atmosphere of the overall proceedings of what's going on with with these movies. And uh, for me, Subspecies 2 has always been my favorite. Now, having said that, Subspecies 3, while not an awful <laughs> film by any means, and it, it has the same production value, uh, same cast and crew because they film these things back to back. It unfortunately suffers because when you make these movies, and we've said this in the past, you have one story that is stretched kind of like a, a serial or an episodic, you know, series. Uh, you have one story that's stretched and to sell people on it, you usually front load that story. And mm. the, the second movie always suffers as just kind of being a slight bit of the idea for the tail and the last act of that movie stretched thin. I rewatched that movie uh, today uh, just to be a more, little more fresh for it because I missed the, I missed the cast screening for it here. So, um, and yeah, I remembered some of the things I didn't like about it. One of the things is that they spend um, like half the movie, a good 40 minutes trying to get into the back into the castle that they've already gotten into before. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna have okay, well maybe we need to get clearance for it. Like, we need to get clearance, like maybe we need to come back, maybe we need to do this. Maybe I'll tell you what, we're gonna get a CIA guy to come in there because, <laughs> and I'm like, my God, you are stretching this out. This is just 
a CIA guy that they 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 set up. They they bring him in. He's loaded with all these semi and automatic weapons. He he's like Rambo. He scales the side of the fucking wall. He goes down to the bottom of the crypt. He runs into mummy. And then immediately gets soft. So we spend all this fucking time <laughs> them trying to get back into the place that they are already in and dealing with this bumbling cop who wants to just shake a bologna sandwich at them the entire time. And they enlist one of their buddies to help them get in there. And he gets killed immediately once he goes in there. I was so <laughs> thankful that he did, though, because I did not like that character. Even when in the movie came out, I kept making jokes and like just dropping Steven Seagal titles as he was going in there. Like as soon as he starts to climb, all right, this castle's under siege. You know? <laughs> look, look, <laughs> look out the torches. There's a fire down below, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, it's the first time in this series where we really get like a character that you kind of poke at and go, okay, yeah, now this feels like a low-budget piece of shit movie because we have yeah. this stupid guy, this jabroni that just showed up. Otherwise, yeah. for the most part, it's taken pretty seriously. That's the first time where you point and go, yep, now this is a low-budget movie. Well, mm-hmm. he only lasted a few minutes. I, li- yeah. I did like when he dumped out the silver bullets and described how much old, money he the neighbor owed lady's silver cross. He melted <laughs> or whatever, and it was $500 and then dead. <laughs> yeah but seriously like i mean i agree Derek. the movie basically hits a brick wall right at that point because i just riding high not paying attention to anything even the fact that it was subspecies three and i was like hell yeah, let's do this and then all of a sudden he shows up and like seriously it was just what you know i i thought we were in walmart when the hell did i get into big rock <laughs> you know it's just it's one of those and just all of a sudden i realized that i'm not you know they had me fooled <laughs> you had me for a little while there charlie i thought i was shopping walmart no sir i was at big lots <laughs> <laughs> well i will say this too is that as much as i liked the uh and i'm sorry i keep forgetting his name but the um police inspector the guy who's always pointing you said um, the, yeah, the baloney man. We'll call him baloney cop. As much as I liked his character in the first one, like, okay, yeah, it's, he's kind of comedic in the first one. I thought he was downright annoying in the third one. I did. I thought he got, they played him a little too much. There was no, nothing else to do in that movie. That's the problem is that the second movie is so front end loaded. It's, it's like all the great ideas, all the plot is tossed into that first movie. That, I mean, and when I say that, I mean Bloodstone. By time Bloodlust, when they had to put this thing together, they just didn't have much. And the same with, you know, the way the Toxic Avenger 2 and 3 were, where Toxic Avenger Two has all the gags, has all the jokes, has all the good stuff. And then Toxic Avenger 3 is a load of fucking nothing because they had to film two movies in the span of three weeks and not to mention completely unbelievable just completely unbelievable that dude is way too jacked to just be (laughs) sitting around the un office all day long he's got that impeccable floby top hair and he's just so seriously jacked there is no way he is a desk jockey it just completely not I don't buy it for a minute. <laughs> I mean, he scales the side of the castle within like 30 seconds. I'm for real. <laughs> right. And then you watch the second dude 
sort of waddle up with the rope, like real sad. But I will say this: as much though as the front part of part three, um, or as like maybe like as you want to say maybe the the uh, middle fourth <laughs> part of the whole movie, <laughs> the big long movie. Um, yeah. As much as that, it doesn't work. Uh, I think that as soon as they get in the castle, things really pick up. It absolutely oh, yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, I agree as well. That's why I think if this were edited into a longer movie and you guys all know that I'm a proponent of shorter films, I in general just don't think horror and exploitation films need to exceed the hour and a half to an hour and 40 mark. That is just overkill for me. Mm -hmm. But these movies mostly all clock in at an hour and 20 minutes, like every single one of these subspecies movies. That's something that one of the main reasons I really love these things, because it's just like they get in, they get out, pow, pow. But with these things, and I'm never a huge fan of splitting up a story. I never, I hate like when Harry Potter did the whole part seven and it split it up into two movies or what was that? The, um, the hunger games did the same gimmick, all these movies. Yeah, always does this shit. I'm just not a big proponent of it. I understand the exploitation angle. You're trying to wring a few extra schmeckles out of your audience. Why the big ones so are doing it too? Let's not just like yep. <laughs> the only difference is that the is that the uh, of the uh, of exploitation people are maybe trying to ring ring another ten million. Sorry, ten thousand out of people, and the uh, big movies are trying to rig out another uh, one hundred and fifty million. <laughs> That's the only. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They got a they got a, a bigger budget. So they figure, well, if we just look at our traditional uh, production set and how we go about making our budgets for our movies, we can probably make two movies and then make twice the amount of money on that same budget. We would, could have probably filmed one. Exactly. So I understand the point of it. I understand why they do that. But when you sit and watch these almost always the case is is that this the first of the two movies has all the stuff you love it's always like everything to sell you on the second part and then the second part has is front end heavy in the first act the entire middle section is just horse shit because they have nothing going on and then it comes back and is good at the end and that's for me the case with subspecies three it does hit an absolute brick wall where in this story where michelle finally has come into her own is finally starting to stretch her vampire powers her body is basically dead and she's becoming a real vampire and radu's taking her out and making her you know shadow walk and hunt for victims and he's teaching her the ways we spend 45 minutes of this movie with bumbling baloney cop and this stupid romantic angle that goes fucking absolutely nowhere so that's where for me part two is of this whole thing absolutely the best film in the series part three i still think is good it just suffers from that stupid split up bullshit yeah where you're just going to be bored for a bunch of it. Mm -hmm. But part three in those parts where we see Radu, as we had said before, we get some nuanced character stuff that is nowhere to be found in probably the rest of the series. 
Oh yeah. Where we start to see where Redu is like contemplating his actions because at one point he is so infatuated with Michelle and he finally feels like he's found his fledgling vampire this beautiful trophy piece that he's going to walk around with for eternity because let's admit it denise duff is absolutely gorgeous in these movies Mm -hmm. still is absolutely gorgeous to this day uh he decides to give her this brooch that belonged to mummy and mummy sees this and like a tiny kid who doesn't like to share things comes running. Ah, that's mine. Take that off of her. And Radu is like, uh, fuck you, mom. It's mine. And I'm going to chop your head off and kills mommy. <laughs> Out of fucking nowhere. And for, in, in, in a scene that for me made the entire movie worth it. We see him actually like take the weight of that decision. Oh. Like the last person in his family is dead and now he's alone and he tells her that too yeah like he says and now i have destroyed my entire family for you like he says that i remember that part yep and she doesn't seem to care because she, right, exactly. she doesn't care at all yep because all she she's wrapped up in her own stuff and radu has hundreds of not thousands of years leading up to this point where he had mummy vampire sorceress little old kid mummy mummy living with uh he's just off her and all of a sudden he's like crying they literally have him tearing up and crying as he's saying this scene and he and he's he's introspective and everything and even remorseful about things there's a part where he says he'll do anything for for her and says and, and he she wants to speed from the bloodstone and he says well what do you and he tries to dissuade her and then says well what will you give me for it she says forgiveness for what forgiveness for what you've done to me and he and he says there can be no forgiveness for all that i have done and yeah. like jesus radu's giving me the feels here man um, yeah i mean i mean, I mean it's, it sounds lighthearted, but i mean it is a really moving moment and there's a couple of them there's this moment and there's, there's the moment where um he agrees to let her watch the sunrise until they start to hurt and it's where he starts to really kind of level with her about like what this is going to be like uh as she's a vampire and it's it really is it's there are a couple really moving moments where you get to see um the heart of the monster you know well you never doubt that he is a monster you never doubt and he's never lets you doubt that he's a monster but you do see him see a new light to him that there in the violence there is also a lot of pain and so that i think is something that really elevates this film by a huge margin yeah it doesn't make it just a throw it away a movie where there there's times where i watch this one because i always when i start it's kind of like the planet of the ape series when i start one i gotta watch them all yeah i can't just watch one of them i gotta start at the beginning and watch the entire fucking gimmick so i always watch part two and three basically back to back it's hard for me to just watch one of them and not watch the other one and sometimes i like part three 
and today I watched it again. I've watched these movies dozens of times mm-hmm. in in the time since they've come out. I love these movies to death. Sometimes it just doesn't hit me because of that middle section. Part two is so fucking strong, and then it just kind of farts around for the vast majority. But there are those moments in that movie where if there was like a nice supercut of this movie that made it into one long one, I would probably absolutely adore that. And I, I mean, we're, I'm not talking about subspecies, the awakening, mm. that fucking gimmick where they did a recut of all the movies and tried to sell you it as if it was a real fucking sequel to these movies. It's not. I fell for it. I got all excited one day. I saw it I'm like, oh, another subspecies movie. No, just a fucking <laughs> Charlie band <Yeah. laughs> recut gimmick. Don't even bother not with that. Didn't even bother with that one. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I got I got 15 minutes in and I'm like, oh, this is fucking Puppet Master the Legacy again. I got hoodwinked. <laughs> so having said that, though, I think it's probably around the horn. And I mean, guys, definitely tell me your thoughts. We can agree. Subspecies two of any of the movies is the best movie of the entire series. Amy, what did you think? Uh, um. So I got a little bored with we're still training her. She's still not a vampire. Yeah. Like we're still, it, it was fine. I liked two and three the same. Okay. Interesting. Dan, final thoughts on these. Honestly, I just take them all as one complete package. Like seriously. Yeah. Part two is definitely riding high, but I mean, I have, I'm like you, I have to watch all of them. I can't stop with just one. If I'm watching one, I know that I'm taking a couple of days journey with this entire series. Yeah, it absolutely is. But part two is definitely the best. What do you think of part three? I love it. The part I, while Scott was explaining it, I was also going to say, um, talking about the monster, Radu mentions, and if I remember right, it's in the second one when he says, he tells Michelle, you can't take the bloodstone. You don't, don't drink from it. it. The powers, you can't handle its power. It will drive you mad. I know like he says that he he knows and then later on I can't remember if it was in the first one or if it was in the second or third one the vampire hunter mentions that the bloodstone drove Radu mad so it, again it's just these little things hinting that Radu knows he's insane and maybe the bloodstone has something to do with it but yeah ultimately again just those little narratives like that just propel me forward <laughs> and I keep going. I like the third one. Yeah. It hits a brick wall whenever you see the hokey army guy, but I mean, again, business picks right back up and we get like the coolest Radu death ever. Uh, just like, <laughs> if you think the series is over, it would be at the end of the third one. If you right. didn't know any better, you're like, wow, he is not coming back from that. Is he? That was the directly intent too. Yeah, exactly. I, they were trying to totally kill him. Yeah, if you watch the video zone that's after the VHS and they've included it on the Blu-ray, the old video zone, he says, well, thank you. And, and that was the story. We're wrapping it up. That was the subspecies trilogy. And it wasn't until like, you know, mid nineties, early two thousands when, Full moon at that point. I mean, we, you can say what you want about them now, but they were really hurting for money then, and that's when they were doing crappy things like subspecies, the awakening, and all that. Then they said, "Oh, okay, okay. now we'll, we'll bring them back. <laughs> we're going to bring them back again." Well, it's funny having said that because the subsequent films, I mean, Vampire Journals in particular, is a lavish production. Oh, it's huge! It's like they thought that they had told the story, and then, and I think they were just going to actually just let it lie. 
uh, unlike yep. most exploitation films. And then later on, they're like, no, no, we're going to bring them back. Never mind. Screw that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we're full moon damage. <laughs> Oh, well, we just watched part three again today. In the end of part three, you see the little drops of goo turn into the little subspecies. And pick up the bloodstone. So, I mean, doesn't that kind of lead to he's not gone? Of course. And and I think that, you know, that's like the end of part one. It's just like he cannot die. He will always come back because the subspecies or the blood monsters will always put him back together. So he is maybe that's part of his badness and torment is that he dies and then gets put back together and can never be led laid to rest. So that may be some of the the madness that's that's going on here and i also think there's an, a bit of a in in vampirism always speaks towards substance addiction or addiction of the flesh or whatever something that's an impulse that is so beyond you that you can't help yourself and the bloodstone is the central other than the the michelle relationship the fledgling relationship this the central drive of radu is to suckle on this bloodstone because i think it it's supposed to be a metaphor for hard drugs it is i mean essentially he won't give it to anyone else anyone touches the thing he offs them in very gratuitous ways so the bloodstone it's it's completely changed him and he won't allow anyone plus i think it's a power struggle thing it's like well i can have this you can't have this i'm above you that's the whole vampire thing is that vampires for some reason are very concerned with who's the master and who's not the master all the fucking time. (laughs) It's like you, I am your master. You are mine forever. The entire vampire chronicles is nothing but a bunch of dick waving. It's just people (laughs) walking around. You are beneath me. I am your master. That is like most of the dialogue in that whole movie. (laughs) <laughs> but but anyway, so subspecies three of four. Scott, did you have any final words to say about these two movies? I think I've said, I mean, I think that even though part three takes a slight dive in the first half, it really picks up in the second. It gives a lot of uh, dramatic uh, gravitas to it. Uh, and as I've said before, I think part two is the best film in the entire full moon catalog so if you want to take all of this as a whole it's a fantastic vampire movie couldn't agree more so let's move past this and when we thought it was done radu was in the sunlight they they put michelle into a uv undetectable (laughs) body bag so she can't burn up in the sun and they usher her off and radu gets turned into flames falls off the side of the fucking castle gimmick and right on gets impaled on a tree so we're led to believe this gimmick is done it's over what do they do 1997 ted nicolau gets pinned to make another vampire movie and decides to set it in the same world called the vampire journals so when we come back we're going to talk about not only the vampire journals but how that led into eventually them making bloodstorm subspecies for 1998 so like this last segment we're going to put those two movies together because they create a an interesting juxtaposition to each other and dynamic that i don't think and I, i'd love i can't wait to hear what everyone else thinks i don't think part four can exist without the vampire journals so when we come back we'll talk about those so stick around 
This is Astro Radio Z and we love talking about movies with you. If you are looking for more episodes and want to become part of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z and become a monthly subscriber to have access to not only over 100 plus bonus episodes of content, but a monthly bonus episode of Astro Radio Z uncensored with Mark the Movie Man where you, the listener tell us what to cover on the show. Jump in. Make Astro Radio Z yours and become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z. Listening to Astro Radio Z. I am God's most desolate creature. From Full Moon, the creators of the subspecies trilogy, comes a new tale of the undead. Vampires are the spawn of many bloodlines. Some are monstrous creatures forced to hide their faces from society. Others are beings of age-old grace walking freely through the world of mortals. A fate of endless nighttime and endless hunger for innocent blood. Welcome back, Astro Zombies from the break. Here we are. We're going to talk about the last two movies in the subspecies film series here. And why am I putting together Vampire Journals made in 1997 and Bloodstorm Subspecies 4 made in 1998? Well, Vampire Journals is a movie that Ted Nicolau made after he had thought initially that subspecies three was the ending of the series. 
So full moon extends an olive branch out to Ted Nicolau to make a new vampire movie. And he decides to make an offshoot in the same universe with new vampires in Bucharest. And this movie no longer, even though it's set in the same universe as subspecies, no longer really feels like the rest of the films. This time he took a cue from Anne Rice and decided to make aristocratic, snobby, intellectual vampires. And it's also it takes so many cues from Anne Rice that it's done in a journal style, the same way Interview with the Vampire was done through the voice of Brad Pitt and telling his story of becoming a vampire. Only this time we have the wimpiest (laughs) vampire named Zachary, who is led to Bucharest uh, to kill off the head vampire in Bucharest, who his name is Ash, who has a den of vampires attached to a club where they can live in grandeur and the club supplements them not only the cover to be able to do their nefarious deeds it's like a den of vice and people who frequent those places have a natural habit of uh disappearing anyway so you know Yep. So nobody really, the the police don't seem to care. Nobody seems to care this and they don't really ever leave. Now there's some uh, upheaval within the vampire den as they feel like they're starting to become captives in this place and they never can go out and hunt because Ash doesn't believe they need to leave the vampire den anymore because Everyone comes to them and it affords them a lot of security within this. So this Zachary character who's decided to hunt down the vampires and kill them because he has found this ancient sword that it was handed down. It was actually Radu's in some capacity way back in the day it's never determined how long ago it's always everything in this series is many many years ago this was mine no it is mine it is my birthright it's mine um in so the zachary, ten thousand years ago yes <laughs> so zachary has found this he happens upon this piano player that ash has grown a fancy to because ash adores music So he sees this poor, innocent girl and decides this is my way in to finally kill Ash once and for all. Scott, when you first saw Vampire Journals, did you think that this tarnished the subspecies series at all? Or did you feel like this was a nice diversion from it? I felt like it was its own thing, you know, and they just name check. It it doesn't really come into the subspecies for me until the next installment because they just name check them, you know? Yep. Uh, they might as well have name checked the dinosaurs from prehysteria. You know, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> that would be awesome. All of a sudden, that this this offshoot movie starts pulling in the puppet masters, starts pulling in demonic toys. Right. Doll man comes into this gimmick. He'll, he'll do it. You know, he'll do it. <laughs> you know, he's like oh. some somewhere. Charlie's listening to this uh, podcast, just going. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
Well, I hope not. I I talk shit about Charlie on this goddamn par- podcast all the time. Yeah, some of us still love you, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the uh, but yeah, I mean, it's no. I thought I'm like okay, it's Nicolau, but they're doing more of an Anne Ricey type vampire thing, and the. I don't know. The film looks beautiful. A million bucks. This thing is out of the the majority of them since part one. I would say this is the most elegant of all of the films. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the art direction and everything in it. It just looks beautiful the way everything is lit. This this set they have is just gorgeous, you know, because it's all like it just said, mostly into into this place. And it's just beautiful. Uh Aside from that, ooh, it's a snoozer for me. <laughs> I really, I've, I've never been a. I've given this thing like three or four chances, and I've never. I've always thought this movie was boring as shit. I'm sorry, I really do. I just think that, and uh, I, if we needed to have a bigger pussy than Stefan, <laughs> that's your boy. <laughs> Amy, you felt the same way about this one. What What is it about this movie that, compared to the rest of the series, just kind of puts you to sleep? I didn't. So the first time I watched it, I missed the first few minutes. I didn't realize it was called the Vampire Journals. And most of the time I was complaining that this guy is just this emo dude reading from his diary constantly. And I don't want to hear it. You just wanted the vampire action. You didn't want this story. He just kind of was slowly describing this thing that was sad for him. And I just I didn't I don't like that. Well, because he's trying to come to terms with becoming a vampire and finding a a purpose in his life. And he's finally figured out what that is. And that is to kill Ash. Now, admittedly, the character of Zachary is a little bit of a, a, a wet turd. (laughs) Yeah, and he's supposedly saving this girl, but does a shit job of it and just watches from afar and then talks about, well... That didn't work out again. Well, that was the thing. I, I don't know, Daniel, if you noticed this, but in in this movie in particular, in some of the other subspecies movies, the vampires are the biggest peeping toms on the face of the planet. They're always, when, when they show them with a, there's humans, they're always standing very still in a corner with the biggest eyes and their mouth wide open. Like, what, what the fuck is going on with that guy? They're, he's definitely not standing out in this room at all. <laughs> yeah, the flattery. I mean, maybe they're just really gorgeous. And, you know, they just have to stand there a jaw agape. I mean, I can relate. I'm a guy. T- trust me. I, I know this. <laughs> it's, I mean, oh, but you're not standing in the corner just staring with drooling with your mouth open, right? I mean, if, I, if I had magnificent hair and manicured nails like that, I'd like to do that too. Well, at least this time he's not drooling because he's been suckling on the bloodstone that's uh, rendered his whole face paralyzed. Hey, bloodstone, if I had to see something naked. Well, we give him something naked. Now when they stare, y'all are sitting there complaining about that. I don't know what to do with you people. <laughs> well, I know, Dan, you're a big fan of this movie, right? This might be, I'm tr- and I'm, I'm afraid to commit because <laughs> I'm a guy, but I'm afraid of to commit to this. But this might be my favorite vampire movie. Of course, a lot of this is the nostalgia at the time. This movie 
basically everything I am comes from <laughs> God. I'm such a fucking nerd from my email from, I mean, everybody's seen the name throne of anguish. That was my first real official band. When I started writing music on my own, my first story was about a vampire. It was a reluctant vampire and it was fueled just by, you know, a lifetime of reading vampire literature. And then you've got to think about when this film came out. This one dropped 1997. So 93, we had Forever Night. Around this time, you know, you had the Anne Rice saga, the Vampire Chronicles, and you had Forever Night came out. Uh, Kindred the Embrace came out 1996. In between this, you've got subspecies and then vampire journals. Vampire the Masquerade, the tabletop RPG, was going strong. I mean, this this was the zeitgeist at the time. Like, this was it. So if you were into typo negative, paradise lost, doom metal, any kind of gothic music and just the darker underground trend, I mean, this was what this was exactly what you wanted. You just wanted a bunch of establishing shots and a bunch of sad music. You really didn't want to hear anybody talk <laughs> because you were so busy sitting there being angsty about your life. <laughs> now, I love that. that's the comedy of it, but... Seriously, this movie, for me, because at the time I was writing Throne of Anguish, when I watched it, I didn't know that this was to take place in the subspecies universe. I saw that it was full moon. And watching it, I was like, wow, this feels like subspecies. But at no point did I ever really make that connection. Sure. You've got well, it's a fleeting. It's a very fleeting reference. It's it's like like three quarters of the way through the movie. I think I could be wrong, but it's just like a name drop of Redu, and that's eventually it. he says he got the sword. Ash says that he got the sword from his former master, the Blade of Laertes. Now this is one of the brilliant things that I. I mean, I know it's kind of a hackneyed way of writing, but I love this limited narrative. They just they leave all these little loose threads, like little. Yep. Some call it plot holes i do it all the time and stuff that i write because it just lets my imagination run so for all right we'll just run it down the movie opens up you've got a graveyard it's raining and with one of the most absolutely beautiful scores ever in film that's what one of my favorite pieces and it's just that simple piano and violin it's so sad and melancholy and then oh and another thing at the time when this movie came out somewhere around about in this same general era is whenever uh burnt offerings had come out from iced earth so mm -hmm. you have yeah. that whole just gothic power metal and all of these things is where i came from like this is this is me to know me now and how i write music where i come from like this is a big carolina low country brawl right here and so the music hits me the setting i mean it's was this filmed actually in bucharest I've never actually looked it up. Scott would probably know if it was it like filmed um, on location. I would be shocked if it wasn't filmed in Romania. That's because because right. even even films that didn't have to be shot in Romania, they shot them in Romania. <laughs> so yeah, right. Because and where the so studios were, you know, the settings are gorgeous. So they give you these old Gothic graveyards, then they show you the scenery in the town. Well, then there's parts in the movie where Zachary's moping around, explaining things nonchalantly, and. Oh, God, I forgot her name. But, you know, she was like, wow, this place is so gorgeous. She's like, yes, this is Bucharest. This is one of the last cities of mystery. What the hell kind of line is that? What mysteries? 
We've got dudes disappearing through walls, dudes flying around in shadows, people drinking blood, dead things, Mikey, dead things. This is a city of mystery. And that's all you're going to say? You've been alive for a couple hundred years? Okay. So anyway, we find out he's a, 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 a humble brag. Y'all, <laughs> they also asked, "Where are you from?" And she tells them exactly where she's from. And she's like, "Well, where are you from?" Everywhere. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's ever every character in this movie has to be super mysterious about everything. Nothing can be directly spoken to. The funny thing is about the vampires in this movie is that they always act ask very direct pointed questions of everybody that's something i noticed through this is just like there's there's no small talk when it comes to when they want to know something it, they come out and just say it but everything else when somebody asks them something has to be this ambiguous mystery all the fucking time they need to know but you they're not going to tell you shit that's the intrigue of it. Oh, God, think about the names, dude. All right, so you got Zachary, which is, I mean, come on, as a protagonist, that's a pretty cool name because usually it's like Dark Face Night. And, or like something, <laughs> something which, Angel- what, which movie is Dark Face Night in? I, I don't know, know but it's like something Angelique would say, like Thrusty McBeef Chest or something, you know? But you got this <laughs> dude. writer nicknamed the Vampires. He, he's just called, yeah, this dude's just called Zachary. It's like, okay, that's pretty cool. And he's got a sword. He's a reluctant vampire. He's killed his master. This is Symphony of the Night. This is Castlevania. Oh, yeah, that's Alucard for sure. Oh, for sure. Let's talk about that sword. Let's talk about that sword in the huge hilt of that fucking sword. How ridiculous that sword looked that he had to carry around. He's a very Zachary. The actual actor is pretty small in stature when compared to this sword, like the hilt of the sword <laughs> is bigger than his hands. Like how could anyone wield that? Look, by this without- time I had played final fantasy seven, like three or four. Oh. Three. <laughs> the big swords do not affect me. Derek, you take your criticisms elsewhere. Please. <laughs> well, it just, I think my problem with that sword was I like the story, the mythology of it. It just looked really cheap. Like oh, the, yeah, store, the hilt of that sword looked plastic. Whenever he got it out, I kind of got like the uh, flashbacks to the Holy Diver video when like Ronnie <laughs> Dio, who's like four foot two, is like wielding his <laughs> sword. <laughs> oh, how about him going for? All right, here's another thing I love about this. He's going for this guy named Ash, the music lover, and it's like. Well, what, who is it? I already like him because we've got this badass opening score that all it needs is a little bit of tremolo guitar and some blast beat drums, and I'm ready to rock and roll. I mean, we got half of Demu right here, ready to go. <laughs> so we're going for Ash, the music lover, and I'm like, holy shit, he's a vampire, and he's like obsessed with music. That's like, that would be me. If I were a vampire, I would just be obsessed like that. And then I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, wow, why is he obsessed with he's a vampire? He could probably play everything. And then it's like, ooh, isn't that like the most wicked, evil curse that you could throw on somebody to have them love music so much and not be able to play a damn thing? But you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to make him immortal. Ha! I, I just, <laughs> yeah. I'm fascinated with that. So then you got like this really incredible, like, for the the women that they cast in this, they're not like supermodels. They are just but they're still beautiful. Gor- they are inhumanly normal, gorgeous. You don't find people like that. Uh, and apparently, you do, but 
that's very uncommon. And for them to all congregate in Bucharest, a city of mystery with Ashton Music Lover in an opera, of course, on a night like tonight with the Vampire Hunter, of course, going to meet up at the same time at the same place in the same building. I mean, it's, it makes for really stirring drama. You know what I mean? Plus, I mean, the, the club is like a gambling den infected yeah. with vampire dead things, y'all. Vampires. They're around. I've seen them. And then you've got like the one chick, what's her, uh, Iris, who wants to be a vampire, but she's not. And they like kind of laugh at her and look down on her, even though she's heading up everything. She's uh, well, she's the owner of the club. She's the familiar, if you will. Yep. And she wants to be the one thing that she wants that they keep bringing up that she'll never get because Ash is just playing with her. And then you're like, ooh, so here's intrigue. So it's a whole lot of talking and yapping with unfortunately not too much to follow it up. But by God, I just I it's one of those. It comes on. And yeah, it is an absolute snooze fest. But my brain is going 90 miles an hour. Just I'm just sitting here vegged out while it's going on thinking about ooh, what if i wrote the story like this or what if i i could take the song and take the storyline this way and do that i'm gonna play castlevania and then i end up getting up and walking over to play castlevania. <laughs> well here's the thing about this everyone here sits and says that this movie is a snooze fest from frame one i am captivated by this movie well Unlike yeah part three part three to me was Basically, I mean, as we had described it, it had a good beginning and had a good end. And then like three quarters of the movie, it just hit a brick wall and did nothing. Maybe I should say just to interject real quick, keep that thought. But I just want to say I have watched this probably two to three dozen times. So, yeah, it gets boring after about the 10th or 11th time. Please continue. It's been a really long time since I've seen this one and coming back to it, the I watched it twice. The first time we did a group watch, because as we always do here for Astro Radio Z now, we do I hold group watches so any one of the listeners or my Patreon subscribers can come and join us and you could watch the movies alongside us and have a lot of fun and shoot the shit and whatnot. But then I go and I watch it on my own again. And the first time I watched it, I had my kids, so I couldn't pay attention completely, and I missed a bunch in the beginning. But when I when I sat watch, I was like, "Holy fuck!" I forgot how much I like this, and a lot of it probably has to do with the association. the The aesthetic that he went for on this movie was very reminiscent of the Anne Rice books. I read I read them all, and I also loved uh, the Neil Jordan film. And that is that aesthetic is captivating because it's beautiful. Lots of amazing classical music played over top of it. It's sedate. It's romantic and seductive. And the characters are well spoken. (laughs) This movie nails that aesthetic. It's not only just beautiful for art direction, like Scott had said, or the score that like Daniel said, it's paced and edited perfectly and all of these movies one thing you may not know listeners and you're used to this now that the vast majority of movies always have to clock in two two and a half hours long none and i'm gonna say this two or three times none of these subspecies movies go over an hour and 25 minutes perfect length 
None of them. Mm -hmm. This one, I believe, is only an hour and 21 minutes. And it even though it has a very methodical pace to it, there's never a point in this movie that I'm bored because there's always something to look at. There's either beautiful women or there's vampire action or there's wonderful music to take in, beautiful scenery to take in. The movie you know, moves along at a good pace. Sure, the Zachary character is every 90s vampire cliche rolled into one awful, you know, Jenko wearing fucking <laughs> bundle. It is he is he is a cl- walking cliche oh when it comes to, to vampire stuff. But everything around it, I absolutely adore. This com- is probably I want to say my third favorite of the series. This movie expands on the powers that the vampires use. The first, like when we saw Radu and stuff, we know he's a bad dude. We got that in the first 45 seconds of the very first subspecies movie. But the only thing he's really shown us is how he could just turn into a shadow and fly away. This movie takes that and it gives, this movie establishes pretty much the powers in the subspecies mythos this established the powers that the vampires have that was just kind of you know we they would do it here or there or whatever like i said things that they would reference in the other subspecies movies talking about magic and it just it makes me tingle because it's like oh dude what else is there you know well this movie does that for instance they it shows them with what i just call the shadow walk i took what they do i use that in my dungeons and dragons campaign like just the way that they did it. That's how I stylize it. Or when they sleep during the day, this is the first time. The other ones it showed Radu would just lay down, door would close, done. Then all of a yeah, sudden- As long door- as there was no light getting in, that's all that mattered. Right. In this, it shows them decay. Like they're dead. Oh, not to cut you off, Dan, but no, that was ahead. something that, that Nicolau in the Videodrome, or not Videodrome, the Video Zone series that uh, Full Moon would always have, which were the behind the scenes vignettes that he would put on every one of the VHS tape. That was something that he's wanted to do since the first subspecies movies was when, because these are ancient old creatures that every time they went to sleep, they would deca- they would revert to what they actually would look like now and then when the nighttime would hit in the in you know the darkness would arise they would reconstitute into the vampires that was something he wanted to do from the first film but because they didn't have the ability when the first subspecies movie was actually made this was the first time that uh, the computer graphics allowed him to do that now now saying that i don't think it's an amazing effect. It's just a simple morph effect. I also agree with you completely. I think that's a great, amazing concept that I can't believe was never thought of before. Right, because he takes the girl. I, I hate that I cannot remember her name. The main chick. Sophia. The, thank you. Take, <laughs> God, of course it's Sophia, because that was one of the chicks from Re- Castlevania. Remember, Dan. Remember, Dan. Amy looks at the eyes. I do. She always remembers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's my special power. You remember he has Sophia and he drags her to bed and then he thinks he's she's like she's going to try to get away, but she can't because he's decayed and he's kept that death grip on her. And that just that had never that has never been done in any vampire movie that I've ever seen. I just I love that. Just just again, it could have been better effects, but it's just those simple little flourishes that this movie does that 
And like the other subspecies films that really hasn't ever been done in other movies. I just no, I don't believe so. I also I think it's just it shows the amount of depth that Nicolau wanted to respect with this series. And he wanted to explore things as opposed to just telling regular old vampire stories. Yeah, this one probably is a little more cliche than the rest of the series, but there's a lot explored, a lot of depth put there and a lot of care put into what essentially is an offshoot of of a B-grade vampire series. Think about it. It's supposed to be cliched though. If when Mm -hmm. I watch it like now if if something's unintentionally you know, and it's really yucking it up. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, guys, so corny. But maybe this film was that. But to me, yeah, it's cliched, but it's supposed to be because that's what was in vogue at the time. Vampire the Masquerade, Kindred the Embrace, the uh, backstories for Forever Night. Anytime it would go to the flashbacks. This is all taking into account also Highlander, how Highlander had inspired so much of this, showing these flashbacks. So, in a way, I kind of appreciate it because it took that goofy soap opera aesthetic and put it with that cheesy Euro trash, <laughs> to quote James Woods from Vampires, and give yeah. it a cheesy Euro trash feel. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> well, yeah, and, it, and it, it was definitely taking a, I mean, and I'm glad you said soap opera because, I mean, as much as these um <clears throat> films take from Anne Rice and it's very obvious that it's uh oh, taking yeah. inspiration oh, yeah. from Anne Rice it's also taking the ans- inspiration from Dark Shadows yes and I'm so, so for not mentioning that you're right <laughs> and so you know you get this long lineage and you get those and you get the and you, when you're talking about the flashbacks into the and you get to see how they were and what their powers are and the way they can entrance people and seduce people. I mean, that is very Barnabas and uh, <laughs> from what I've seen of the show anyway. And, um, you know, it, but I do think they've kind of oh, they, they overdid it with the uh, Anne Rice thing. Can we make him more foppish? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, she brings up one of the lines that I just was like infuriated by when she said, you know, where are you from? Everywhere. But you're from somewhere originally, a pretentious fuck. Come on. <laughs> where are you from? I live in Minnesota. I was born in New York done <laughs> that that would be my favorite thing on earth if someone asked a vampire where are you from i'm from minneapolis <laughs> right the mini apple if you will i have the hand stamped at first half <laughs> <laughs> See, that'd be just my luck it's like i wouldn't be cool because i always hope i was born in the wrong era like i should have been born like i'm battlefield or something and hopefully not decapitated i'd live long enough to like look cool with a battle axe but nope i would become a vampire right now about where are you from south carolina <laughs> damn what's your name man the music lover but you wouldn't be the mopey emo guy that's real annoying so that's good yeah. Well, I, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There are there are always positives. Yep. So having said that, Amy, I, I know the mopey emo guy is, is literally the downfall of this movie for you. Was there anything about this you liked? Well, I actually like the movie. Like, I like the scenery. I like the story, the drama. It wasn't action packed. I just 
the mopey guy really annoyed me. So like I'd watch it, I'd like it. And then he'd be real sad again. And ugh, But then it would be fun again. It just <laughs> was this up. And I, I just, I really dislike that character. Mm, enough to put this, where would you rank this in the subspecies movies? Probably third. Third. Oh, well, that's not too bad. That's about where I'd rank it as well. Uh, I, Scott, I know you also had some problems with this. Uh, other than the art direction, was there anything in particular you enjoyed about this movie? I liked the actress that played Sophia. Uh, not only did I, as I mentioned in the screening, not only did I think that she was attractive, I thought she was a uh, talented actress. Even every time her her neck was bitten, her arms would just like she just flopped and flailed. Well, <laughs> they would go out straight. You know, Immediately, her like, arms would like go out straight. Really it's, stiff. It it's, like an it's like Ash, vampire physician. Okay, we're gonna test your reflexes now. <laughs> <laughs> well, some some of them seem to really enjoy this experience and sort of melt, and some would scream, and she would just arms straight out and shake. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. He had he knew the spot, you know. So. There you go. I got it. He hit the V spot. Oh, you can't, have, oh. you can't have a movie called Vampire Squirters, so you know it's. Yeah, you can. What are you talking about, Scott? There probably is. Uh, well, there will be by the end of the week. Vampire Squirters Six: The V Spot. Oh Lord. <laughs> I thought I thought the Ash character. I mean, as I've, I've picked on the Zachary character, but I want to make 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 it very clear. Like, even though Zachary was worse, I thought Ash was kind of a pussy too. I mean, I mean, and I'm not saying that they all have to be like because I love the Anne Rice things. I like Dark Shadows. I love the Neil Jordan film. Uh, I like romanticism in horror. Uh, uh, on the previous movies, Derek mentioned the films of genre Lee and love them. I'm just saying that I just find him them. I mean, but you, but they are so insufferable and pretentious <laughs> and just constantly like they, they mistake uh, staring off into the distance and talking in purple prose for depth. And I just, it really got on my last fucking nerve. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's shocking to me because I honestly really enjoy the Ash character in this film. I did because I, it was I, thought, I thought he was a non-entity. I really did, and I think that, and I think he's going to even be more of a non-entity in the next movie. So, well, that's <laughs> the thing that I uh, I'm really disappointed about between this movie and the next movie is I thought in this film compared to Radu, he was the charismatic vampire that actually you could believe people would want to follow him unlike Radu, where there's no way on God, God's green earth anyone would want to become his fledgling at no. all. No, Radu <laughs> takes great pleasure. He knows he's a monster, as he says several times, and he takes great pleasure uh, in being that, or at least he, you know, falls back on it. And he has embraced it. Um, Ash is sort of that, you know, centuries old person of the world. I can see somebody going to him for like, as like a business connection, but I can't see like, yeah, Ash, he's a lot of fun. Well, he's, he's pretty, but he's he, at least good. Yeah. I agree well, with Amy. At least he's good looking and you could believe someone would be enticed by him. 
I can. Well, okay, yeah. He's pretty, but he's cheesy. Kiss my ring. I'm your master. Well, that's yeah. all these vampires do. All he's these very... vampires care about is people calling them master and that they have slaves underneath them. That's the if we've learned one thing in the subspecies movies is that having pe- having people beneath you is the most important thing of being a vampire. And let's not no. forget, these movies all take place uh, in, you know, uh, 1700s, 1800s, early 1900s in, like, Europe somewhere. If these took place during those times in America, this whole master and and uh, slave thing would take on a whole new dimension, and it would feel a lot less romantic, you know? It would be like, oh, that's right. They're aristocratic, racist assholes. Shit. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I mean, because you remember Vampire Journals, because they take that aesthetic and put it in the mid-90s, I feel like it, in a way it kind of works. Now, yeah, Ash's character, I mean, he chews the scenery. Like, yeah, I agree. But he does it with his face because he really doesn't move all that much. It nope. seems like he was trained, like, acting in real life. Like, he, had, he has learned from some other style of theater and then has tried to come into this role, taking what he knows. And he's not a very flamboyant actor. He and that I mean that's a credit to his poise, the fact that he doesn't have to move and he chews nope. the scenery like he does. But his metaphors, like the way that he talks, the the language that he uses, like when Cassandra comes up, you know, it's like startles him. And you can tell he is done with her shit. Like, do not ever sneak up <laughs> on a dude who's like 800 years old because he probably gut you with his yep. pink, like his coke nail and he's like you try your games again cassandra i grow tired of you leave me to my meditations and it's like damn he i mean he just told this bitch stone cold fuck off <laughs> Well, that and was he did it so eloquently that like she didn't even know how to respond. That was basically like you know he had this one girl that she just loves him dearly, and we don't realize how long their relationship has been around until halfway through the movie when she admits to the familiar that she has been an underling for three hundred years, and that at that point the the, the context of their relationship when she is constantly constantly trying to fawn and get his attention and he's basically like bitch fucking bounce now see I want you tell to a do southern with you. girl that actually you tell any woman that but i'm t- i'm speaking out of just because i'm from the south you tell a girl from carolina or georgia bitch fuck off and you will probably be hobbling out if you were still able to walk it just happen. and yet ash is just like leave me to my meditations and she's like and leaves or like later on when the dude steals from him and he's like i have brought you into my home i have given you all that is in my family and all i ask from you is your material possessions and you steal from me with this uninspired larceny and i'm sitting there feeling nervous and like the first time i was like right this dude's rad man i mean like the only i want to see him toe-to-toe with lucian lacroix from forever night and let's just have like a scenery chew and stare off and see who (laughs) because it's the only person who would actually go toe-to-toe 
toe-to-toe with Lacroix. It just, like I said, man, the he has a way with words <laughs> that really carries the movie. <laughs> He's he is written extremely well. And I, I I'm sorry. Amy, I'm sorry, Scott, but Jonathan Morris as Ash not only is written well, but every time he's on screen, I'm like, I'm fucking balls deep in this movie right now. Like, this movie's fucking got me. Oh, come I've already on. been in debates with my friend James, who uh, loves these subspecies movies, and he's a huge fan of vampire journals. He got the Blu-ray and everything. And so, like, yeah, yeah my my opinion on this movie is not necessarily the majority opinion, but you know, there it is. It well, is I, don't. I don't know if y'all have watched the Blu-ray. The first subspecies is, I mean, for what it is, is a really good transfer. It. I was impressed with the subspecies Blu-ray because I figured it would just be like full moon wipe his ass. You know, like Charlie would take it be like yep. and fart on a disc and put it. Here's a Blu-ray. The HD transfer, go to Tubi uh, TV. All of the movies on Tubi TV that full moon has put out there are the same HD transfers that are up on the full moon streaming site. Oh, really? Dude, sweet. The, yeah, then you need to go to Tubi and watch these because, yeah, the transfers are really good. But I remember Vampire Journals, I just, I had to comment comment whenever i saved the blu-ray and watched it this past halloween and i just had to comment on how beautiful it looked <laughs> it was oh, great this movie's gorgeous it's from frame one when we have that opening title sequence in the graveyard this movie's got me it's got me all the way and uh one question before we wrap this up because i think it's fairly obvious where we all lie on our thoughts <laughs> on this on this movie at this point is is that the end of this movie cue boarding house spoiler music this is a warning thank you ash is killed at the end of this movie now oh, yeah. this was filmed before subspecies 4 and I, there are multiple ties and why I wanted to put these two together. And we're going to have this conversation together is I need you guys to help me connect the dots on the timeline here, because there is a character in subspecies, not only Ash, because Ash also transfers over to subspecies four, but there's a character within the vampire journals called Dimitri, who is, um, probably the most androgynous foppish character in the series and he is the typical you know the prototypical um bisexual vampire and he's very prim and proper and has boy toys brought to his you know room um he is also in the next film as a completely different character <laughs> <laughs> but Ash is in the next film, and it's never established that Ash so has Serena. the same. What's that? So, so is his familiar, the chick, the the yep. the one that would sneak up on him. She's in it, starting to interrupt, but she's in it too as the yes. same character. This is what I think because Dan, the the person that turned that supposedly Zachary killed, is the person that turned him into a vampire, is the vampire that is his. Um, companion in part four. Oh, same actress. Yeah, same oh, actress. Yeah. Com- that's the Serena. The Serena character. So, what I want to I want to ask you guys: Do you think the Vampire Journals takes place after Subspecies Four? Yeah, it's, it probably could because um, 
technically, as uh, Dan brought up before, uh, the subspecies movies all take place within about a week. So technically, they could all be taking place like in 1991 or whenever subspecies one came out. I can't even remember. This is how bad it is. Because because uh, vampire journals put you into this world. I keep on wanting to say that a vampire journals was a period piece. It was not. No, it, it's modern. Oh, OK. Well, then there you go. <laughs> well, I, mean, there's a credit to I mean, there's a credit to the the setting and the way the movie's presented, Scott, because it, it's supposed to feel like that. I think they captured yeah, that. Like it says, it just takes you, puts you in that world. So, I mean, I almost wanted to say that it was taking place in the early 20th century, but if right. not. It's these sad lost souls who are damned to walk the earth and they're stuck in modern day, but they're also stuck in the old ways. It just, just it, I, it's just really cool. A credit to the filmmaker that you feel like it's a period piece is like, wow, mission accomplished. But yeah, yeah. It, it's in the modern day. Well, I think the 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 reason why I want to put subspe or subspecies four before the vampire journals is that there's multiple timeline irregularities <laughs> that that led me after watching all of these to come to this decision that I think it, that it actually chronologically is this way is that in the vampire journals we are told through Zachary's character that. He is turned by this vampire. We are shown this flashback sequences. All of his flashback sequences, as Scott has said, take place at the turn of the century. And they're, they firmly look like they are taking place in the late 1800s to the early 1900s. Then we are told when Zachary finally is invited by Ash to come into his den because Ash is such a badass that he's like, I know you're after me, but I'm going to welcome you into my house and come hang out with me for the night. Um, Zachary tells the story of how he, because Zachary tries to kill Ash and Ash is, Ash is just like, you fucking little bitch. You can't kill me. <laughs> it takes the sword away from him and everything. And basically um, Zachary tells the story that he's killed off his master, the person that, you know, turned him mm -hmm. and that master we're shown in a flashback sequence, how Zachary was turned is the exact same character that Ash is with in subspecies four. You're and she survives, she survives subspecies four <laughs> and Ash survives subspecies four. You're you're thinking too hard into this. <laughs> well, I am because I was trying to type. But what I think is that this story, like the flashback sequences in Vampire Journals, and when he Zachary finally kills his master, literally took nearly ninety years to happen. And somewhere in that time, maybe he's just a recent. I don't. Uh, somewhere in that time, the subspecies movie part four happens right yeah i can see that i think it's funny because just because just because it's like okay subspecies are on another level so unlike most full moons i'm really trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here <laughs> well i'm trying to figure out what because it makes no sense because it is it is presented as being in this world and the characters intertwine yet at the very end of vampire journals it's pretty unequivocal that ash is dead yeah, I think because there wasn't supposed to be continuity. 
they weren't going to make subspecies four. They just made vampire journals as an offshoot. And then, I, you know, I would love to. Yeah, I'm kind of with Dan on this. I would love to say that this is all planned, and if, if we, if someday we get maybe uh who knows maybe on the next uh subspecies five when that comes out which is going to be one of the deadly 10 movies um maybe if ted nicolau starts talking about it and he like makes a case for the continuity i'm like oh okay okay makes sense now but as fortunately as it stands i mean i'm gonna we're gonna get to this when we talk about the movie but subspecies four felt like an excuse and uh it felt like trying to revive something that was already dead because we're trying whatever works and i think that that's what the case was i wish i could would could be less cynical about this but i think it's one of those things that you just have to shrug off and say yeah whatever you know if i'm gonna give him a hard time on this uh i have to still get be mad at uh George Miller for casting Bruce Spence as two fucking pilots in the Mad Max series, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so, you know, don't get too mad at it, but unfortunately I'm a little, I, I would love it if this was true and that if that, if there was really a method to the madness, but I don't think there is. I think using my quotey fingers, you're right, Derek. Vampire Journals takes place after Subspecies 4 because subspecies, every subspecies film picks up immediately after the first one leaves yes. off. So right. the first one, they were alive for like maybe three nights, but after that third night, on the fourth day, they're asleep. On that fourth morning of Subspecies 2, Radu comes in, opens up, chucks his brother and drink that really cool blood drinking scene. And then what is it? Three nights in Subspecies 2? Again, it's like three or four nights tops. And then you go to Subspecies 3, which is two nights, if I remember yeah. correctly. And then yeah. done at the end of that, Michelle's got to go. They get in the car. Subspecies 4, because we're about to get to the to talk about that one so this is no spoiler so let's just go straight into it we'll start talking about subspecies four straight into it they've killed everybody it's like alien three just completely ruined it everybody you like done so what f you buddy bye dead in car wreck they're mostly in a a horrible car wreck sequence because ted nicolau could not get the actors back right so this is subspecies the series probably yes scott takes place in the span of a week and that's and that's every day it's just one consecutive momentum to all four movies so if we take vampire journals to include in this continuity it would have to take place later on it just, that in the fact that Ash's hair is shorter in subspecies four than it is in subspecies in uh, vampire journals. So we have to allow him time for his normal hair. And we all know that vampire hair grows slower than normal you, human hair. You're damn right, Derek. Right. He, he, he doesn't get a haircut? Nails grow super fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about his nails in this movie. But uh, so subspecies four, as Dan had said, takes place immediately after subspecies three. Uh, of course, in the most Scooby-Doo fashion, oh. fucking Radu, he falls, we know at the end of fucking Ragu, at the end of <laughs> subspecies three gets, you know, he, he gets thrown off in a blaze over the, the edge of the castle and falls and gets impaled in a tree and the subspecies, the, the little blood monsters pick up the bloodstone 
everyone leaves immediately. The tree, this dead tree, obviously was rotten, breaks the branches immediately. And luckily for Radu, he falls into this very, <laughs> very fortunate little pond underneath him. Well, of course. It's, it's, like a, it's like a puddle, even though the days were completely clear, there was no rain. <laughs> <laughs> so it puts the fire out. I, I always thought the fire was an eternal fire. You know, like it was it was something supernatural. It wasn't just because, you know, oh, his skin's so brittle that it's very combustible. No, I thought it was because of hellfire if he saw the light again. But obviously, that's not the case. All you got to do is you're a vampire and there's now light give out. Him, give him a spritz. He's done. He's fine. Yep, fall in, <laughs> turn on the fucking spigot to the to the, the fucking sprinkler and run yep. through that a little bit. You'll be fine. <laughs> Sell like so, my granddad. I just turn the hose on and drink it. You'll be fine, candy yeah. ass. <laughs> so here, Ragu falls in, in the puddle and then crawls back into some hole to, you know, survive a little. The two, his sister and Kevin from Friday 13 Part 7, put her in the, you know, UV blocking body bag. They, as Dan had said, in an Alien 3 fashion, in Nightmare on Elm Street 4 fashion, get killed off screen when we find the lead character from this film drives by and sees a car wreck and Uh, she not really thinking anything of it takes this girl wrapped in a body bag back with her to the university hold on hold on hold on she approaches the car sees the two humans like the dead people and then finds a body bag and it's like oh Maybe let's I should open. The, let's let's <laughs> unzip this. Let's see what I find. Like thrown from the vehicle, then takes it. <laughs> Leaves the other two there, but takes this dead body bag. Yeah, doesn't go like get in her car, go to the authorities, and say, "Hey, there's a fucking horrific, deadly crash." Right. No, she takes his body bag back. Let's just take a peek. What's in here? And we, it, she takes it back to the university. Uh, hospital where dimitri or at least is his name let me look this up (laughs) to make sure he's a totally new character in this one but he's still a vampire the same actor michael uh danville i think that's how you vampire so (laughs) i mean he looks exactly the same as he did in the vampire chronicles and he's still a vampire but he's figured out a potion that he shoots into him that you know turns down all of the bad parts of being a vampire like he doesn't get killed by sunlight you know garlic doesn't affect him none of this bullshit ever affects him he still though has the craving for blood or as long as they say in this movie he has altered himself (laughs) (laughs) so so they bring michelle back they open her up she sits for half of this movie on a doctor's slab in this really shitty looking (laughs) operating room and uh radu wakes up after he you know he's collected himself and he's kind of regenerated and he goes because they're magically in bucharest all of a sudden and he finds ash and decides to reclaim his old you know stomping grounds because ash was his fledgling 
at one point, supposedly. And the rest of the movie is basically Radu pissed that these people took Michelle and he's still obsessed with Michelle. And he everyone has told him, hey, dude, she's bad for you. Like, you really should rethink this. But he doesn't. He doesn't care. Forward-thinking vampire of the world. But let me tell you something. Crazy pussy. Okay. Same with Ash. Like Radu and Ash, both are these supposedly very, you know, powerful beings that cannot get over one chick. They decided is is it. Yeah, um, and who keeps, it's like I'm it's like fucking Ready Player One all over again. I know, it, you know, <laughs> it's. Can we also talk about? I hate it when sequels do this. I mean, if you need to write out the characters, write them out in a way. But I think that filmmakers are so blasé about feeling invested in characters oh them they yeah they got two blocks away you know <laughs> irony of ironies they got two blocks away and apparently this son of a bitch can drive i mean they never <laughs> they never made a thing about that the vampire caught that radu caused the, the thing or the the crash or that the subspecies caused the crash no they just crashed the car like whoops you know and, you know because a turtle was on the road or a squirrel had run across the road like you know oh my god he, which turns out to be the most deadly creature in the subspecies trilogy you know but the like yeah off-screen squirrel is like you know when 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 squirrel comes is when the subspecies five is going to be radu versus squirrel but but, you know when they i hate it when they do alien three totally we liked these characters even if they weren't all fully developed we liked them enough so that we don't want to hear that they've just been killed off screen i know tell me about it oh my god i know this is me off man Dude, I like Reese, okay? As a look, I've made no bones about oh, it. Aliens is my favorite film. <laughs> and and you're, you're going to show me Aliens and everything's cool. And Alien 3 comes out and I was like, oh, well, I got to see this. Aliens is my favorite film. Hell, you get in there. What happened? Reese or freaking Michael Bean, gone. No more Hicks. Done. Newt, gone. And when? In the first 30 seconds, man. I, yeah, you're right, dude. So we got this character in subspecies that we kind of dig. I mean, like I said, dude is jacked up. There is no way he is a desk jockey with a perfect floby haircut like that <laughs> and super stacked deck. No, he is not some desk jockey, but nope, done. They've killed Radu. They've killed the most evil nemesis necromantic warlord on this side of the planet Earth. They they fought him for two sequels. They've killed him. They killed the witch woman, whatever she is, this antediluvian mother of evil. She's dead. They've conquered all of this. And somehow or another, he runs his car off the road in between films. Yeah. And I'm like, look at when they're putting her into the car at the beginning. There's another actress standing there or there's another woman standing there as they're putting her into the car in the beginning, the, the body bag. Oh, I'm I like, never who's that? <laughs> and then no, no mention of it. I'm like, but who's that redhead? <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, there's somebody standing there, and it, cause it was like, because it was like just some like thing, and they said, oh, they probably meant to shoot, keep it in the previous movie, and they said, oh God, the PA was in the shot. <laughs> 
<laughs> Shit. So that was sloppy. The way that they did this was sloppy. The way that they re- did Raduce, again, sloppy. And then we bring up to the movie proper. But I just wanted to establish that this whole setup is why I think this movie was an excuse, why the story was done and they bring everything back in the sloppiest way possible. I just hated it. It was in that awful uh, mid-90s, early 2000s when, and, you know, bless their hearts, they, you know, they didn't just fold up shop and take their, take their toys and go home. They tried everything they could to keep on going not going to fault them for that. And they were trying to do whatever they could. So naturally, they're going to look back and say, subspecies, people love subspecies. But we've told the subspecies that, you know, what? we're going to bring it back. Vampire Journals was a success. We'll tie it in. It'll work. And they tried, but they but since the story was already done, the way they brought back all but the way they kind of tied up the subspecies uh, loose ends was so sloppy. And it really did just feel like oh, they were just stretching it out. Oh my God. It is. Let's, let's just talk about not to get down to, you know, the barest, you know, little tiny details of why this movie falls apart almost instantaneously. We are shown at the end of subspecies three, this grandeur, of the death of Radu, where he is impaled in half of his head is literally taken out by yeah. a fucking branch. The next shot, when he falls into the puddle, the, the huge puddle that puts out the eternal hellfire of the vampire, he opens his, both of his eyes. Yeah, he didn't fine. have both of his eyes seconds ago. I know. <laughs> it's, so <laughs> it's so terrible. But then uh, after that, when, you know, he crawls back, you know that the budget has been totally stripped away when you see the opening credit montage of this yes. film. That That is cut in a way that looks like that late 90s, early aughts, horrible this is when you know it's like a new metal video <laughs> it's, it's non-linear editing was finally a thing they were able to finally post things uh all it was open to the world avids were out there you could sit and do this from the comforts of your home and it looks like it horrible effects work the editing is all this jittery terrible montage editing done to new metal and at that point you're you know Oh fuck! Well, the oh, score fuck. that they used—they use this underscore, this rising crescendo, like Tycho drums and toms, which in and of itself is pretty cool. Like you know, it just had a real nice. It was an offbeat tempo. I think it might have been like this typical seven eight or ten seven time, and it's just building up, you know, and just. A t- and it's like okay so 30 seconds splash screen and then we'll go to the subspecies score that we're all familiar with nope minute and a half and it just keeps going and first kind of yeah with the the editing that's all this blip editing i'm supposed to this is vampire i want to see some like half naked big titted angels holding themselves crawling up columns with like these serpent demons chasing them at the feet with like these little naked cherubim babies playing the harps and stuff i'm supposed to have like like that nope i agree with you i think you're absolutely right i think 
a little bit of that intro. I'm like, that's kind of effective, but they keep it going for like a solid minute and they never go back to the old score. They never kind of, they never, they say subspecies, but they never make you kind of, it kind of recapture. It no, never feels like about the other subspecies with that, with that. Yep. Open. It, it's aesthetically so far from what was established in all of the other films, including the vampire journals, which were all so methodically paced. The editing was very methodical. All of the title sequences were, were basically an image of the bloodstone with red text over top of them. It mm-hmm. was very understated that way. And you heard that classical score. And that's why I think it affected all of us. The way that it did is that aesthetically it is a punch in the fucking face and it's off-putting to where once you start the film and this goes with the aesthetic of the entire film is that it, i it appears to have been shot on film and then posted digitally and then color corrected oh, so horribly so hor- it does it, something looks off about all of it and Compared to the rest of it, and I'm not even speaking about the characters. I'm not speaking about the story. I'm just speaking aesthetically. Subspecies four has such a cheap feel to it that mm. it, that you you can't help but all of a sudden have the wind completely ripped out of your lungs. Yeah. I mean, red looks cool, but that's it. It just doesn't look like a subspecies film. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like one. I mean, I want to whine like some you know helpless romantic kid or something it's like hey two where's the magic at but it's true there was no magic in and i now i love the premise of this it felt just like the uh whenever you go to dr uh frankenstein's castle part in lords of shadow and castlevania and stuff where it has the science meets magic i love that premise I, I really love the premise of this film. Oh, it's right out of Universal <laughs> horror movies, so it's classic. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it, you know. It just man, it's just a bummer because Radu looks badass. I mean, he he looks the best in this movie compared to any of the other ones. I know I had made reference. I made reference in one of the other segments how his fingers and his hands, for the first time, as opposed to looking like wiggly long spirit <laughs> Halloween, you know, appendages <laughs> look like dangerous weapons. His one finger looks like an Eagle's talon almost mm. like it would. Mm-hmm. It, the reason why he would have that is to sever jugulars. And he, for the first time, there are moments like the character of Radu in this film. Absolutely love. Yeah, I absolutely. I think he is the best part of this movie. Oh, he's the part, he, best part of all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one in particular, because <laughs> everything that surrounds him is just an afterthought. It, the Michelle character spends three quarters of this movie on a bed, scared that Redu is going to get her. Ash looks like a whimpering baby almost the entire movie he's pointless and the story well i i don't feel this movie's awful and i i I do think if you're a subspecies fan you should definitely go out and you i mean they're all for free up on tubi you can go watch the entire series i do think this is worthwhile to watch but outside of red dude there really isn't a 
ton to grab onto with this. There are moments of Radu in this movie that are some of my favorite moments in the entire series because eventually the Radu character, as Dan had said, comes to meet the Dr. Death, uh, Dr. Nulescu. Dr. Blood. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of wrestling. I'm thinking of wrestling, Dr. Death. Um, (laughs) Dr. Blood, they they come to, you know, they had to meet because, you know, Dr. Blood is holding on to Michelle and keeping her uh, not hostage, but trying to protect her from Radu and Radu comes to the gate and he can't come in because he's a vampire and he has to be invited in. And Dr. Blood knows he's found out from Michelle that Radu has the bloodstone. And because he's a vampire, he wants to know the secrets and get the powers from having suckling on the drool stone. (laughs) One of my favorite moments of Radu in any of these movies hands down and every time i've watched this and i've watched this a couple times for this episode now is eventually and it's a double cross it's a it's a it's a fucking swerve he lets he uh dr blood lets radu in under the pretenses that he's going to get the suckle on the bloodstone but dr blood has this you know ambush for him when they open the door and radu comes in the look of glee on Anders Ho's face as Radu when he walks in, he almost looks like uh, Mr. Burns about to, like, you know, I urge everybody, including you boys, to rewatch that scene. And the look of glee on his face when he walks in is one of hands on my favorite moments of this entire series. It's that moment in horror when you know, oh, you fucked up and shit's on. Unfortunately, though, this leads into one of the most really the saddest moments for Radu at <laughs> this part, doesn't it? Well, he, I mean, he well, one, obviously they have him get double crossed by everyone and we find out and this was a, a big laughing point for everyone in the group, including <laughs> Amy, that vampires do not like flashlights. Like all you gotta have is a goddamn flashlight, and these vampires uh, fucking fall apart. Fucking hate flashlights. Attacking with flashlights, and he's like, he goes down like a. I mean, he's like cowering, and he's like, he goes down like such a chump. Four movies of the baddest ass vampire, this asthmatic who's going around. We don't even tell him, you know, at Radu, you know, there's a pandemic on going on. Like, wipe your chin, stop wheezing everywhere. Now he's like going down from flashlights. Oh, shit. I was like, I was embarrassed right. for him. Right. Well, the whole movie, there's lighting in rooms. Yeah. Things are, there are lights on in the dark so Our, we can see. And this was before the time of LED flashlights. So it's not like it's ultraviolet light hitting him. Oh. Like, what is the I difference with these flashlights? They're like mad lights. That's it. <laughs> They're right in his eyes. He can't take it <laughs> but i gotta agree it's it just that is the thing about this movie that 
that I, I and I want to hear because uh, I don't know. There's not a real ton to talk about with this one. Eventually, you know, Michelle comes out, double crosses him and Redu unceremoniously just dies. It's just like wrapped up in an after script. It's oh, talked God, about on fucking that. screen. You talk about what I hate, Scott. We can get into this one. Yeah, you, the way that they unceremoniously mm. kill characters at the beginning. I hate. Um, oh God, I hate that. Oh, the geez, biggest right character. There. Yeah, the biggest character. In the entire series just gets said, and Radu was no more. And we see a shot of his fucking head. We didn't see that happen. What? The, the takeaway from this movie is there are moments, there are wonderful little moments with Radu. I think the Radu character still is stayed in line with the rest of the series. He is it, like, by this point, you, you firmly understand what a monster he is and it's fun to watch him play in any setting. And there are little moments to take away from this film where as a subspecies fan and a Radu fan, you're going to enjoy it. And so I don't think it's a complete waste of time, but as you guys have said, everyone has said the, the setup, the execution and the finale for this, which we were led to believe that they were never going to make another one of these movies ever again. Uh-huh. The worst way you could have went out. Oh God. Such it's a pretty bad. It's pretty, I mean, it's not like, it's not like when Albert Pune finally did that sequel to sword and the sorcerer, you know, but it's pretty damn close. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty damn close. It's, it's, it's very anticlimactic. God, I hate when movies do that. Oh my God. Whenever there's just this climactic fight that it's just the fight never happens. Like, and then Michelle just wandered off, and there were many more adventures to come. And she eventually overcame the heart for the fish. She sounds like <laughs> one of those kids that would play Vampire the Masquerade in the mid 90s that was just like this social outcast. And at first, you feel bad for them until you realize that they're actually just socially inept. And you realize why people don't like them. That's how this movie ends. You spent this whole saga trying to become friends and ingratiate yourself because there are some redeeming qualities and something endearing about it till the very end. And then you realize, nah, this person's a piece of shit. No wonder no one likes him. Jesus Christ. God, why not waste my time? Yeah. This movie was really, I mean, I was, I remember when I first saw this movie and I think I saw it fairly soon after it came out. I mean, it was a VHS and, uh, I remember thinking at the time, oh, yeah, that was pretty good, whatever, yeah. And then <laughs> and then I don't think I saw it again until, like, you know, uh, the screening. But then, like I said, I w- came in late. And I'm like, ah. Uh, and everybody's like, oh, this is dog shit. And I'm like, it's pretty bad, <laughs> but it's okay. And then I watched it myself, like, taking it all in, really paying attention this time. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking terrible. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah, my thing was when we did the screening, we watched this and it had been a long time. I, as I had said in a previous segment, this is a series that I've been watching on and off basically since it came out. And it's like, like the Planet of the Apes films. When I start watching one, I got to watch the rest of them. And uh, I always liked this movie, mostly probably because I just like the Radu character and I want to see the continuation of the story. And I never really put too much else into it. There are certain things that I watch that I 
criticize and break down and bitch about endlessly. And then there are certain things I totally give a pass. I just just like carte blanche. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I'm not going to get pissed off about this, which is mostly like the Marvel movies. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, they ruined fucking Spider-Man. But you know what? I actually kind of like the movies. <laughs> but, so it's like, whatever, <laughs> you're fine. Um, and subspecies has always been that for me. And when we watched we watched it again, and it had been years since I seen this. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, fuck, this sucks. What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, you were really mad. <laughs> I was not happy. And then we watched Vampire Journals, and Vampire Journals made me so happy to watch it again. I'm like, I missed something with Subspecies 4. I need to rewatch this again. So after that that Vampire <laughs> Journals, this yeah, I, I, I am a masochist. To sit a, yes, <laughs> sit a masochist. We you. <laughs> no, we I watched it again, and I do feel that the vampire journals helps this movie. It really helps this movie and gives weight to characters. If you watch them in a row, that if you just watch this movie without the vampire journals, this movie just sucks. It's just not as good as the rest of the series, but with vampire journals, there's some contextualizing that happens that makes this an okay movie, but you got to put up with that that shitty beginning, the shitty ending, the fact they take the bumbling baloney cop and he oh. comes back as as the fucking Renfield character and then completely forgotten. They forgot him. Yeah, they just got rid of him, really, didn't they? He, yeah, he doesn't he showed up for one scene where he bumbles around. Nobody gives him a fucking baloney sandwich and then he's gone. He never comes back no. in the movie. It, his character just got less lost less and less of his dignity as the movies went on. As I had said before, I liked how he was introduced in the first movie and he had some comic relief, but he was still okay. You know, he brought a little bit of levity, but you could still see he was a, you know, dedicated police officer. And I had mentioned, I think that in part three, I thought they really leaned on him too hard because they were trying to stretch out getting into the castle and everything. And, um, you know, and this one, and, and, and so lots too much of him, and then this one, this is just embarrassing. And you know, I'm sure he's a fine. You know, I've seen from the from part two. You know, he's a decent actor. You know, he's got the character and the actor. I think deserved more than what this series gave him. I yeah, think, I, I, I I think they did him dirty. I really do. Yeah. He hides in a bush and Radu's like, come he calls Michelle. He's like, come here, my pet, or come here, you little thing. He sees the cop. He's like, come here, my pretty. Yeah. Dead. You know, that's, that's the thing. He just should have stayed dead. That was a good way to go out. I agree. But that also is indicative of like, we haven't even talked about Denise Duff in this movie because mm-hmm. unfortunately her character is not interesting at all well she they do loses nothing a with lot her. Of her initiative she loses a lot of her initiative because she was starting to get into the i know how to play radu i know how to deal with radu and i'm kind of fighting my vampirism and i'm still kind of desperate i'd like to be saved but i kind of also am into it you know and she had like lots of layers to the character this one she's back to the quivering mess she was at the very beginning of part two 
Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing to the character. And then we're supposed to believe at the end, all of a sudden she becomes this vampire, you know, goddess. Well, in a postscript. Horseshit. It's, it's horseshit. She unfortunately she's just given nothing to do. That's the unfortunate thing. Denise Duff is a good actress, and unfortunately, half of this fucking movie she's laying on her back. Now I do see her listed in the cast. Uh, if IMDb is to be trusted, and then and in that case, you know who knows? Because incidentally, interesting to note, subspecies four does not have an IMDb listing that I could find. It's, it's under the subspecies The Awakening. That's yeah, how it's listed it on IMDb. With the clip show. They got it confused with the clip show, which is weird. Well, well, this is the thing, and I've said this on other podcasts, and right. is that IMDb.com is essentially like Wikipedia. Yeah. Anyone can, can list on it. Anyone can change the facts. Anyone can do anything. Now, if you're actually that person and you want to change that stuff, wow, is that a pain in the ass to do? Yeah, I've had to do it for my own listing on IMDb and it sucks, but anyone else can, once they start that listing, they can put whatever the fuck they want down on there. There you go. Is- the Radio Z listeners. There's your challenge there, but uh, I do see her listed in Denise Duff listed in the cast for subspecies five. Yep. Oh yeah. Now, I don't yep. know if that's, you know, from previous stock footage or if she's actually reprising her role or what the deal is, because Scott, why'd you say that? I was sitting here, had high hopes. And then after you said that stock footage, I'm like, Oh my God, that's exactly what they're going to do. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. You know, so, you know, I was surprised. I was surprised how ambitious Ouija's was. So anyway. (laughs) Hi, my name's Scott. I'm going to hit Daniel with a wet noodle Davis. How are you? Yeah, that just pissed away. I I have little to no hope that the only the only movies I want to see out of this new deadly ten. And let's go ahead and just give our final thoughts on on subspecies four, and we'll move away from it. But uh, the Necropolis and subspecies five are the only ones that I care about because I Necropolis. I'd love to do an episode of that on Astro Radio Z at some point but part two I I would love to see Um, so those are the only two I kind of have hopes for I'm hoping somehow he is you know wrangled together enough money to make these but if you've seen the trailer to that blade the iron cross you know this this doesn't bode well for us at all I'm all for I don't care if they have you know they're never going to get their pat paramount budgets again they're never going to that's never going to happen if they are ambitious enough and can do enough of it with what they have i will be happy and we'll see we'll see it could really go either way i'd like to think somebody in my channel with some of certain full moon people but it really suck if it was and i'm anyway i pitched an idea uh, about 10 years ago, whenever I was just chatting with some people from, I was like, and I was tweeting Charles band and like, this is before I got to meet him at haunt con and stuff. And I think I even pitched the idea at him at haunt con too. Cause I love subspecies so much just trying to get in to do the music. That's all I'll give anybody anything. To, <laughs> trying to next, work an angle. That's it. Their next big million dollar idea. And I'm such a fucking <laughs> sap. I just want to do the music. God help me. Anyway, you're trying to get money out of Charles Band. 
I know. I just wanted to do the music. I'll do it for free. I have said this for several years now. I'm trying to get to do it. Jesus Christ. But, uh, subspecies five they're claiming is going to be a prequel, which was my idea. Oh, I had, get the fuck I out had mentioned because look at it. Honest how it was getting old. So, I mean, I got going to do that. It did not sound good at, on those commentaries. My, my idea was have it as a prequel and have, have Radu whenever he was like the warrior or whatever with the blade of layer T's. So not only do we correct these glaring timeline issues between vampire journals and subspecies, but it's Radu with a fucking sword. So, I mean, if they got somebody that, you know, could play the part pretty cool as a young Radu and just show him going around fucking people up with the sword and like being evil and show him turning into the monster. Oh, that was my idea. And I, you know, of course, it might not end up being that way. It's just going to be a bunch of establishing shots and standing around talking like Puppet Master Legacy. Wasn't that the one with the flashbacks? (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be all clip show. It'll be better than Puppet Master Legacy, and and it'll be better than Subspecies The Awakening. So I'm certainly, I mean, I'm with you, Scott. I'm going to stay optimistic. The cover art looks cool as hell. It's a poster I would love to have on my wall, and it's given me something to. Because I am a hopeless Full Moon fan. It's like I'm a Nintendo kid. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I'm a Full Moon fanboy. I will all, if they say they're coming out with something, I'm going to cheer them on. <laughs> Even though it might be waiting for a camel to take a big shit in my face, yeah. I'm still going to cheer it on <laughs> the whole time. I love them. <laughs> that's what it's like to be a fan of exploitation cinema, especially today when there really are a lot of studios doing pub doing that puppet doing uh exploitation uh cinema you can tell i've had enough wine tonight so during this show so uh that reminds <laughs> me i need to refresh here but, uh, my gin drink is all done i need to get another one but anyway oh, you gotta say it like dimitri i need a liter of perfume an exploitation fan right you know I mean, during the like the 80s and 90s, we knew studios, we knew, you know, filmmakers and stuff. And it's getting harder to do that. We have to find, uh, you know, a lot of the filmmakers we used to follow, you know, they're getting good work, you know, good for them with like, you know, Lifetime movies and shit like that. You know, Dave Dakota and Fred Olin Ray are both doing that gig. Red, I think Richard Gabay is too. And, um, you know, uh, but you have to find actual filmmakers. There's not a whole lot of studios full moon. Are they doing the same shit they did in the, in their glory days? No, they're not. But you know what? I kind of like that. They're as much as they piss me off, as much as uh, I've been underwhelmed by a certain number of their films. I like that. They're the last guy standing on the playground saying, all right, what you got next? I like that. They're like when, I love that dude, like yeah, like when they've got like this thing, and every single studio has to sh- shut down. I like that they're saying, "Okay, what can we what can we do?" Instead of just sitting on their ass like everybody else is, they're saying, "Well, maybe we can redub some movies. <laughs> maybe we can do this." And they're still trying to put out product, you know. And is it, is, it shameless? is it shameless? Yes, yeah. it's an exploitation film. It's fucking supposed to be shameless. <laughs> I kind of liked that, you know? I kind of oh, I love it. salute it, you know? So that's why it's going to be really, it would be really, really hard for me to ever uh, 
for me to ever turn my back on Full Moon or Charlie Band. It really would because I know they're hucksters. I know that that's the name of the fucking game as far as I'm concerned. And I'm a total rube. I will go for it every time. Well, there's there in in there lies the problem is that I don't agree. <laughs> I know you don't. I I was a Full Moon fan. From the beginning, I I've loved them. The, the unfortunate thing is that they have, ever since the the bottom has fallen out, and they've had this second renaissance. They have depended on the lowest common denominator shit. That unfortunately, I just don't understand how it appeals to anyone. And I I, I seeing the product and seeing what's there is so lazy is is so they are non-movies they are just not entertaining even remotely and when you have that kind of product and i'm looking at the evil bongs and i'm looking at the ooga boogas and i'm looking at all these really stupid lazy pot horror comedy movies that are put out that i just don't know who this appeals to anymore all of the major fan base of full moon is now in their 40s and on up. And yeah. how is this how is this appealing to a younger de- demographic? I don't know, but he has a streaming platform now that that's where the revenue comes because I mean, the last ditch effort were all the bargain bin, you know, mega packs that he was putting together of all of his old product and these recut shows you know the clip shows that we watch actually when we were watching Tubi tv um i had walked out of the room and the vampire journals had ended on Tubi, a, a completely other movie that was three vampire movies cut together with a subspecies movie intermixed with it tossed on there that's what he's doing now and he's i I just personally don't yeah you can be an exploitation fan and you expect this thing to happen but to know that this is what's going down and to willingly just continue to blindly shell money towards this well that's on you yeah, I mean, you should and expect better. And that's why I think the intentions behind the 10, the deadly 10. Um, and, and I like a lot of the directions he's going with a lot of this stuff is the first time in years. And I mean, probably since the late 90s, like I would probably put a stamp down as like subspecies four in that era is like when I full like completely dropped out of full moon. Because after that point, it was clip shows in trash because there was no money in it. What did we get after that? We got the fucking, uh, what was it? The Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. And we got all, and it was all other companies producing sequels to these movies until he finally found some footing to start making some movies again. And they were all ginger dead man the most sad excuse for a fucking movie i've probably I like ever seen that was so funny now, come on that one was funny the I movie is fucking 40 minutes long and he has 20 minutes of credits 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's how many times have you watched a movie and said this movie bullshit. should only be like an hour long? Well, it's yeah. But that movie should have only been 10 minutes long. Just <laughs> horseshit. It's just terrible. And I can't agree with you. As an exploitation fan, died to the wall. I get it. I get where he's coming from. The product sucks. The product sucks. I, and the only thing that I'm excited for is a subspecies five. And if he fools me again, ugh. you're oh, going to watch this. I know. But like my He'll thing watch is like, it four times. Yeah. You'll watch it again and again. Cause it'll be but like, I, don't agree. I just don't agree with this mentality. It's like, Oh, this is, this is what he does. I mean, Oh, I, I, I kind of admire it. No, that's <laughs> bullshit. He's, a, he's fucking stealing your money. It's, it, I just, I don't understand that. Let people give their money to whoever. Oh, go they right want ahead. To. But I can't, I can't imagine we're grandstanding for Charlie band and him I'm... willingly putting out horse shit. And we're happy to give him money for lazily putting out products for me it's not that it's the ideals behind i have never seen yeah. the man brown i'm at hot con i've met him in person i wish i could i mean i wish i'd be best friends with him honestly i love the guy it's just it's like watching ed wood honestly yeah. i love that freaking oh, movie. i have uh, never listen now it's the optimism is the product crap i don't know that's up to people if they want to spend their money whatever a fool and his money are easily parted i believe me because i've spent a shit obviously full moon pictures is still an entity and he still does it's that get up listen if it's people like him that keep me going because if i listen to everybody with my music i would have given up fuck 20 years ago after watching vampire journals i'll be like well fuck it ice earth has already come out with burnt offerings and i heard the soundtrack for vampire journals fuck it i can't do any better than that hell i'm done fuck y'all i'm gone you know thrash well, I, dead. So, I mean it's, i understand I where you're coming it. from i understand where you boys are coming from and i get it. i also it's love entre- i i i love entrepreneurial spirit i and i and i get it but there's got to be a point as, <laughs> as, a as, a consumer, <laughs> as a consumer where you literally say this guy's just laughing at me he's <laughs> not even trying like anymore first of all i, I don't feel that way all, i kind of like i said before uh like i said before i kind of look at the dave friedman thing dave friedman was absolutely laughing at you and um i i kind of take that and like yeah it's okay i'm in on the joke <laughs> so <laughs> it's all right but like i will say that there uh there were times that full moon I think was, well, as I mentioned in the mid nineties, early 2000s, they were, and they still slip into this every now and then. Well, they will slip into something where I think that's going a little too far. Like I thought subspecies, the awakening puppet master, the legacy, that was too far. Just obviously a clip show, obviously bad. The clip shows he's put together recently. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of the series right now. But vampire they, slaughter eaten alive is the va- vampire no, I mean, one like, that I was like talking. Series of them, and there's like also one with yeah. the puppets and everything else. Yes, and, you know they are very, very clear. Like, yeah, that's what these things are. They're like the compilations, just like that. Uh, you know, when Universal released Boogeyman or whatever that thing was in like 20 years ago, and um, you know, and they're very clear about that. Oh, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, every now and then they'll do something like there was like a. a thing to for a title for meridian you know what would you retitle it to and i'm like what is this for a sequel I'm like no it's for a re-release of meridian under a different title i'm like oh don't do that 
Don't do that. And they did it to a couple things. They did it to like, you know, the creeps and something got released under different. And, you know, no one cared because it's the same fucking movie. Don't do that. Because we're used to getting shafted like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit too much. But, you know, you know, so you're. you're Which is something, movies. Scott, that he's been doing for almost 20 years at this point. But the majority of the content movie. is that. But no, I wouldn't. But like the Deadly Ten is a. You know, I like the idea that you're still scrapping and you're still, and when you can do something original and come out with something, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, there's the part of me where, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the old girlfriend you keep coming back to. It's just like, which is a really bad idea. Really bad. Amy, what is, what are your thoughts on this? This is a really bad idea. That's how we're defending this. I'm confused. That is the abusive girlfriend, ex-girlfriend that you keep coming back to. It is literally full moon. Listeners, this is what Scott is positing to you. Full moon is the abusive ex-girlfriend that you keep crawling back to. Well, and here I was thinking, Derek, you're being too harsh. Let these guys go with it. Now I, I don't. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't Are you coming over to my side? You're really understanding I, well, what this is. I, I think so. This is an abusive relationship. <laughs> Being a full moon fan at this point in this juncture is an abusive relationship. Oh, well, can we get a little love from Dan? <laughs> I think I think it's done now. <laughs> Well, this is a thing, and I don't. I, I mean, I, I am not faulting you, you guys, for being fans of this. But this, no, is, you can believe me. I, I really, I, I, everybody like what you like and consume what you want to consume. But personally, myself, I find a lot of this insulting, and I just cannot, in full conscience, give him a single cent of my money if he's not trying at all. Very, very few resources is all. Give him a, a for innovation, though, because everybody's, you know, wondering what to do. Like Scott said, everybody's running around. Studios are sitting there screaming piracy, piracy. Taping's killing the movie industry. And it's just and what does Full Moon do? I'm going to watch a streaming service and it's all smiles. It's all what he does pitching it to you with the street and sure i mean i was a f- subscriber for like a year or maybe two years but i mean i binge watched every effing thing in that catalog yeah like, sure dude, i was done in a couple of months it was insane how much i watched his uh deadly 10 a brilliant idea it's just <laughs> it's a shame it's full moon because <laughs> i i haven't given full moon money in a long time but I'll still champion for them. I just, they haven't given me anything to give them money for, you know, except for, uh, <clears throat> I want so species four on Blu-ray. I keep, I keep hounding them. And every time I get somebody from full moon, like via email or whatever, it's just like, Hey, what about subspecies four on Blu-ray? But they're never, I imagine it's a rights issue or something. Cause I have every other one. I bought vampire. Would it be a rights issue. It, 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 I, I don't, don't, I don't believe don't it was to. ever released through anyone but full moon yeah yeah but you just so species four is not on blu-ray you can't find it i don't even know it might not be easy to get on dvd anymore but i mean you you cannot get so species four on blu-ray that is weird you know and i would be really willing to say like well what about what about what about but you know once they put once you've put puppet master the legacy on blu-ray are you serious yeah and oh yeah well all the puppet masters are on blu-ray 
Every single oh one. Oh my god. Uh, and I mean, Fuck. to me, Puppet Master the Legacy. <laughs> to me, Puppet Master the Legacy should be an extra on a Blu-ray. Yeah, I'll, agreed. I will you totally know, agree uh, with you on that. Once you give it its own Blu-ray, I'm like, yeah. That's your lowest selling Blu-ray, isn't it? <laughs> Literally have just the the new bits of that movie and have that be as a, a supplement on some other Blu-ray. Mm. Oh, God. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> I can't believe we went on this long about all of this shit. Um, I but that, oh, my <laughs> God. Well, the thing, <laughs> as I've said to you guys and I've said to my listeners, I, I mean, I love Full Moon. Like the, the golden era of full moon is some of my fondest memories of being a monster kid. I I mean, watching those movies and having them come out the way that they came out, where he went all in with behind the scenes extras and he created this whole universe appealed to me as a fan of Marvel. It appealed to me in a way that this was a like I was a big trauma fan and they did the same thing with their movies. They all tied into each other. It was like a big comic book universe. So to see where it went from there to literally feeling and i think your analogy actually is very apt like an abusive relationship where you're 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 just being pelted with the same shit and being asked to keep giving money towards it when it's just becoming worse and worse and worse and worse (laughs) that unfortunately for me it's really hard but i will always have love in my heart for these subspecies movies and i'm glad boys we were finally able to sit and and talk about them and get them out um because they are movies i don't think a lot of people even bring up and talk about very often which is shocking to me because they're a big it's a big series in the full moon catalog Mm -hmm. so I'm happy we're able to sit here and do this. Let's let's give some final thoughts to the entire experience before we take a short break. And uh, Amy, this was the first time you ever watched this. You watched the entire subspecies series. What did you think? Oh, that's a really big question about subspecies <laughs> for Radu was interesting. Michelle was boring. Dr. Blood was a creep. The movie was sort of forgettable. So eh, mm-hmm. it was okay. Yeah. The rest of them I enjoyed. They were entertaining. The characters were interesting. Um, there were lots of things to laugh at and some of it was serious. I, I did enjoy it overall. Awesome. Awesome. Daniel, final thoughts on subspecies four and the CV- series overall. I'll watch them all. I honestly, the fourth one, it's funny as I guess I had to kind of like being in an abusive relationship. I had forgotten about the horrible beginning and the awful ending. <laughs> and it just focused on the middle parts, the good parts to the film, you know, because I really like the whole, again, the science versus magic, the whatever. I never noticed things like the coloring or, you know, things being off like that. I noticed Radu looked badass, like his hair was shoulder length. It looked greasy. Radu look like you'll still see his image uh, like they'll mask it into a black metal album cover every now and then of like, you know, some lo-fi, you know, basement dwelling black metal project will still use Radu's face on their stuff. It's just it's iconic. He looked the coolest. But all in all, yeah, it was just bad. I just eh, subspecies for not really good. Now, on the whole in the series, like I said probably my favorite vampire movie might be Vampire Journals. It's 
got everything that you love about Castlevania, the tragic hero, the archetype of like from Dante's Inferno or Solomon Kane, Alucard from Castlevania is all of that is there in vampire journals, which is just oozing with that early to mid nineties vampire aesthetic. So if you're into vampire, the masquerade or anything white wolf has done, if you're into that, early mid nineties, just underground music scene. There was, there was this time period in that decade. It was like the last high water mark of happiness in my life. <laughs> it was just, it was this point in time where we had access to everything. And this is before nine 11. This is before the world was completely changed. It was this one time period. We had everything. We had eight track, we had cassette, we had DVD, we had VHS, we had retro game consoles, we had the new frontier of games, we had any kind of movie that we ever wanted, any kind of music. And it was just, it was a heyday. But yeah, in this time period, you had that little goth flux that was coming up, like The Crow, you had things like this. Well, you know, Vampire Journals nestles quite comfortably in all of that subspecies the first movie is an icon you don't talk horror without talking subspecies you don't talk atmosphere without talking that fuck's sake there are sound clips from that movie that are still used like in black metal bands marduk sampled it in nightwing and there's plenty of others that i'll hear be like ah <laughs> that's from subspecies you'll hear sound clips from it you'll hear the duduk you will hear that that comes from that movie the fact that we use that i would dare say Hans zimmer is a product of what's his Richard band because of the music score from subspecies, because you don't have Brams subspecies was one of the first to give us a Bram. And now, you know, you don't have a movie trailer without that. I mean, yeah. you can attribute that to, <laughs> I know I'm just kind of stabbing in the dark here, but still there are so many things about subspecies that I think people were influenced by and don't even know it. Because when we were little kids on the playground, I had heard of subspecies, but never really knew about it. I had seen the clips. I knew Radu without knowing that was his name. I knew who he was. I knew it was had something to do with Nosferatu because whenever I was on the playground and as a kid, I didn't really I, – I had never seen Salem's Lot. I saw Salem's Lot like for the first time just a couple of years ago. But Radu, I knew exactly who that was. The long fingers, the coat, the way he looked. The movies are gory. The atmosphere is great. If you want exploitation, you're going to get it. If you want a really cool story, you're going to get it definitely in the first two. You'll even get some of it in, you know, in like the beginning and the end of part three. Vampire Journals is all about the story. It just, I can't say enough. I've bought subspecies on VHS. I bought the Blu-ray Epic Collection or the DVD Epic Collection and I've bought every Blu-ray that comes out and I will, whatever the next <laughs> incarnation is, I'll buy those again. I love the series. I just, I could ramble forever and I don't need to. I've said enough. Mr. Scott Davis, I've left you to last because I know you are tremendously huge as you said here. Uh, much, much to my chagrin, uh, <laughs> you're a tremendous full moon fan and supporter. Final, final thoughts on subspecies. Well, I mean, it says a lot when Dan says "deduk." We all know what that means. 
we all know what that refers to. We all know what that sting in the score is, you know? So, uh, yeah, as a teenager, uh, you know, I don't know what you, if you guys decorated your trapper keepers with anything. I yes! would, of course. I would take full Xeroxes of the posters of full moon movies as they appeared in magazines. And I would put them in the front of the, uh, of my trapper keeper. So I had like subspecies <laughs> on my trapper. Oh, that is brilliant. Dude, that is brilliant. <laughs> and so I had was sporting that all through high school. Didn't get laid. Amazing, huh? But because um, <laughs> you didn't make any woman yours for movie after movie after movie, they didn't know what they were missing. But anyway, well, you needed you needed to find the bloodstone, Scott. That was I your did. problem. The bloodstone I was lacking, but um, but uh, no, I mean, uh, subspecies for as we've said, it. I mean. Honestly, I've like I've said, this is uh, the first time I've watched the movies since I first saw them. So I usually watch the original subspecies trilogy and then I stop. So I kind of pretend that it doesn't exist. Kind of like how a lot of old fucks like me treat the Star Wars prequels. You know? <laughs> Star Wars movies, no special editions, and that's how they are. But you know, I kind of treat it like that. You know, uh don't they just don't exist to me. Uh and I hope that, you know, subspecies five will not even pay attention to subspecies four. But uh so I mean it's it was a means to an end. It was a way to keep the full moon engine going, but as a film itself, it is very unsatisfying so i just did not like it the series on the other hand uh looking at those first three movies okay subspecies three might not be the as strong as the first two but they really went for something new in those films they went for and they were ambitious back in the day they carved out their own niche in this in vampire cinema i mean there aren't a whole lot of movies that you could even say are like the subspecies movies. You could say, yeah, they take cues from the hammer Dracula's. They take cues from this. They take cues from that, but they are kind of their own animal. And that says a lot about them. And, uh, I will continue to say that the second film bloodstone subspecies two is the best film full moon ever put out ted nicolau uh he's done really good movies he's done some movies which didn't quite make the mark these are the movies that he will always be known for these are really strong movies that he obviously cared quite a bit about and i think it shows in the execution anders hove created an amazing character in radu and i think that the uh cast Denise Duff, Melanie Shatner, I think they all deserve props for what they brought to this series. If you take those first three movies, the original subspecies trilogy, I think you're looking at some of the strongest low-budget um, vampire movies to come by in the, uh, say, like the last 25 years of the 20th century, you know? I would be hard pressed to find even big budget movies that are as good 
as a subspecies movies. They are hands down some of my favorite vampire movies ever. I don't say that lightly. Vampires aren't necessarily my thing, but I would put this alongside any of the big budget movies just because it has character. And to say that some of these vampire movies are so interchangeable. Most of it's just, there's nothing fun about them. They're just forgettable. Like, Holy shit. How, how, and I know it's a demographic thing, how twilight ever became a thing. I never will understand that at all. Maybe because my twilight was subspecies. My Twilight series was subspecies. I totally did because Twilight became a thing, but go on. <laughs> but anyway, so that's it, folks. Uh, hope the my all my hope for this is that you guys not only, of course, listen to the podcast, but w- go out and seek out these movies. They're all available free on Tubi.tv. Go watch them. They're all HD. They're a hell of a lot of fun. None of them are over an hour and 20 minutes. So you can just breeze through this. Out of the dark ages. A child was born. Stole the cursed child. The creature grew to manhood. He was trained in the arts of war. Torn into a secret sect. We have come for the bloodstone. What is your name? Radu. It is here. Radislas is your father. Spare my child. Don't listen to the lies of demons. All that is his can be yours. She spoke the truth, Mara. She's a vampire. She is becoming one. You must never leave me, Radu. What happened? I'm defiled. gotta fucking love it boys that that is how you make a trailer dude if i had seen that trailer before i saw the actual movie i would have been so fucking jacked i mean jesus christ that's a great fucking trailer for this movie (laughs) now having said that we've been waiting an awful awful 
fucking long time to see this goddamn movie. Before we get to our general opinions of what happens in this movie, Scotty D, do you want to tell the listeners of Astro Radio Z what Blood Rise is about, Subspecies 5? Do you think you could summarize it? Uh, I'll try. Um, okay, good luck. I, I'll try. I, I have notes, but they're not in any kind of order, so I'm going to wait. Well, you it. did say you, <laughs> you made 20 pages of notes for this episode. I mean, I, tw- I, make, I make notes for everything. I'm very insecure. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, no, uh, subspecies uh, five. Uh, if, basically, subspecies one through four told this had this villain Radu Vladislas this vampire and his uh trying to get this uh his fledgling Michelle the vampire trying to get her under his spell and everything like that that's all over and basically subspecies 5 blood rise is a even though it's filmed 25 years later is the prequel to all of this and it shows that of how Vlad uh, Radu was born of this unholy union of like witches and vampires and how he was kidnapped uh by the uh Catholic Church the Cruc- like the Knights Templar or 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 what uh I think they call them Knights of the Day or something weird something like, like that, that in, yeah. <laughs> um and it's like uh uh they they he gets kidnapped by them taken into the but through through happenstance and prophecy, uh, he gets uh, uh, put back. He finds himself at uh, his father's castle, and that's when he learns of his true lineage. And he takes this woman and her child into his uh, in, in, into his protection. He still believe st- saying that you know what? Maybe I'm not with the church anymore. I don't know, but I can't let these people uh, perish. These people who are victimized by this vampire, and it turns out to be a big double cross and triple cross. And you find out it's basically the origins of how Radu became this fearsome vampire and how he went from becoming this person who was very much manipulated into this master manipulator. More or less. I that's a, that's a pretty good summary. It, no, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. This this movie was confusing in a lot of ways for me. First things first, Anders Hove is still at the helm like the the lead vampire he still he comes back playing Radu. He looks like an elderly old man. Now, Mm -hmm. let's just get this out of the way. In subspecies one, which this is supposed to take place before subspecies Mm -hmm. one, he's clearly a younger man because I watched subspecies right after this because I was like, okay, okay, okay. I got to see because I thought by the end of the movie, this thing lined up pretty well. But when you do that, when you which I would not recommend to anybody do this when you watch part five and then go into part one is this you know the chronology would tell you to do so don't do that it's it like part five shits the bed because radu like they filmed this way too late they should have done this movie like right at this should have been part two they should have made this right after part one to make this even remotely believable because in no way does anders hove fit with the rest of the fuck how he looks and how he's presented in the rest of the films until the back end of the movie the back end of the movie perhaps my favorite radu of the entire series but scott what do you think 
I, now I, I I get your point, and I can I I respect the point, and here's why I didn't mind it quite as much. One, I'm kind of looking into like the logistics of it, about that they couldn't get his made until now, and da 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 da. So you do have things later, like for instance, when uh, Full Moon did the sequel to Sorority Babes a couple of years back, and you know, they're uh, people are obviously much older and everything. Um, there's that. So you take that with, with a grain of salt. Also, Radu is deformed, right, as a vampire. And we see him as the human. So by saying that he already was like pretty craggly looking and everything like that. And then he, be, and then like over time, his original features came back, which was this deformed image of a vampire and everything like that. Viewers, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've probably seen pictures of him or you've seen pictures of people who have ripped off his look over the last 30 years. Very iconic. Very iconic look in like goth vampire lore. And he looks very bumpy, (laughs) you know, very, very... Very. I'm sorry to interject. Don't worry, Devil Luna. That's the one I told you we would watch this October. So we got someone in the chat who hasn't seen them, and I just told her like last week. I was like, "Oh, we're watching these this October." Oh, Oh, you'll like them. I'm sorry to derail you. No, no, it's fine. The uh, and uh, he and so since his appearance was never human and was never. Aging was never really a thing. It was always like a supernatural thing. So I have no problem with him looking older and then turning into a vampire that looked slightly younger because of the makeup and everything. And even, you know, they comment on it behind the scenes. It's like, look at this. We don't even have him in makeup half the thing. He just looks scary as is. Is <laughs> what Ted would say, is what Ted Nicolau, the director, would say to him. He just says he just looks scary enough without the makeup. So it's, it's, this is true. And I think you bring up a good point, Scott, that it could be, you know, kind of washed away if you discuss it as, well, over time, since he had the bloodstone, mm-hmm. he actually became younger and more I think that powerful. was in my head canon I mean that's kind of what it was it was they're older it is what it is how do you use you can't have so species without Denise stuff you can't have so species without honest Hova. you got to have them there's mm-hmm. no way around it so how do you use it I thought was really clever yeah, how he and, did that yeah and also let's and we're gonna we'll probably get to it but also there this uh film not a whole lot but uh, actually less than I was expecting, but it does retcon a few things from the original subspecies, most significantly the, the pre-credit sequence or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. There, I mean, we might as well, I figured we'd get the continuity issues out of the way so we could actually speak about the film afterwards, but I agree with you. There is a lot that they did uh, that was right, but there's just like two things that doesn't line up with subspecies one immediately. And I right. noticed this. I mean, Dan and I have, uh, I, I don't remember, Scott, were you on the on the subspecies episode when we, we did that? I want to say I was, but I honestly I can't so. remember. I, 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 I want to say I was. Yeah, I believe it was you too. But there was um, the begin. Uh, if you remember subspecies one, you have Angus Scrim yep. as his dad. Holding the bloodstone over his head, basically saying, you will never get this. 
you aren't ready for the power that is bestowed to you that you will get from the blood of the saints. Yet in subspecies five, he's drinking from that motherfucker constantly. Oh yeah, he's like like a like a baby with a bottle. Yeah, just like so he's so they, they, <laughs> fucked, they fucked that thing up, and they also changed the look of Radu's dad in subspecies five to much more of a Nosferatu look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like this with all due respect to Angus Grimm, who, who, you know, rest, rest in power, sir. Um, he, um, I, I actually liked this vampire oh, yeah, better. Yeah. And you know who that was? Yeah. Kevin Spurtis, man. I was Kevin Spurtis, the male protagonist from two and three, (laughs) which I didn't even, I did not know until I saw the movie again, until I, I, cause I watched the film when it premiered a few months ago and I watched it again for the show. And until then I didn't know um, that that was going to happen. My camera just went out of focus, but it'll go back. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's all the machismo. It's the hair. It's the hair. hair. It's it's the hair. It's the wild gesticulations. It's the the, camera's just like, dude, is that a mullet under that hat? Holy shit. This is, this is the perfect opportunity for, cool. for me to play the porno music under underneath because it's about to get steamy in here. I mean, Listeners of the audio podcast won't, I mean, won't understand what the shaking. fuck's going on right now. But uh, <laughs> Scott got really, really steamy. that was me oh shit here we go I've seen how these movies start where the hell is it I need an adult (laughs) so so anyways uh, Dan continuity wise did anything really stick out or bother you about this movie before we really get into the nuts and bolts of this movie I mean that's gonna be like if I have my pros and my cons, that was one of the cons is that the, his interaction with the King and the, and I will get to that eventually, but his interaction with the King and how he resolves that apparent thread at the end of five does not line up with part one, unless you just use your imagination be like, Oh, well, I guess he had many adventures since then and stuff. And then, you know, we pick back up with part one and you know things kind of come full circle that was kind of sort of my own everything else like continuity wise everything else really lines up if you're a dumb full moon like diehard nerd fan yeah. like if you're, if you're a subspecies <laughs> fan because when you're talking about like the continuity issues with part five that's really the only one because the movie is pure blatant fan service really that's it and so that's why it's kind of unfair to get a full like gentleman's review of this you're going to need scott for that because this movie was so cleverly written by ted nicolau as a pure fan service film that i'm just i was blind like the first three times i watched it i was just it's still you can see little hearts floating out of my head whenever i'm watching it (laughs) i just watched it twice again today without the commentary and then i watched it with the commentary and so really my only other con reasonable con against that movie is i wish ted would quit like he just shit talking the movie like he's sitting there saying yeah you'll notice this scene this doesn't really look that good because we did this and that and i'm like dude it's it's gold i i get it i appreciate the humility but man stop bad mouthing this shit this thing is awesome the fact that he accomplished it any movie is a miracle to get accomplished especially one that 25 years in the making with the same actors 
You know, I give them a lot of credit because let's face it, Full Moon and Charles Band in general over the years, just to keep, he's been making movies since the 70s and it's probably not going to happen that they're going to get the cash flow that they had ever, ever again like they had when they were being partially funded by Paramount. Right. And he, they've been trying for years, for decades ever since. And they've done some things that I'm like, oh, that's really chintzy and cheap. Like they've done lots of compilations. They've done lots of edited videos. They've done lots of retitlings. I give them a lot a Ted Nicolau, Charlie Band, I give them a lot of credit for not just doing something super cheap on a green screen and actually waiting until they could do it some justice. Because I guess this was actually, I imagine it's not the same script, but I, but I guess this was written way back like in 2000. Yeah, it was written an old one that came back. Like, I'm not, like, not it was written... Back. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I was no, just... no, no. You, you, you. Please. We had uh, we had Ted on our Monsters Madness and Magic podcast, and uh, we we had Charles Band actually there. And I was trying to give him a digital hand job that didn't work out too well. Believe it or not, he only tried to sell us like one thing that whole show. Anyway, but, uh, we also. We got... I mean, I would be disappointed if he didn't. <laughs> we got Ted on, and uh, yeah, I hit Ted with the hard hitting questions like, "Where is Subspecies Four on Blu-ray?" And uh, then I was asking about the script and like, and yeah, you're, you are correct. It has been floating around for like 20 some odd years. If I recall correctly, he actually had a lot of it written after part four, but what he wanted to do with it, he even knew back then I can't even do it. And like him, you know, he's saying like, you know, he can make chicken salad out of chicken shit, but even he knew he would not really be able to do what he wanted to do back then. And so they just, yeah, kind of had to languish and wait. And he was just hoping everybody would still be alive and able to do it by the time they were able to do it. I give them a lot of credit for being patient and uh, counting on the fans to be patient mm -hmm. and to do that because it's not something Full Moon has always done, let's be honest. And <laughs> but they but they but they recognized that this particular franchise was different than say like Evil Bong or something where, yeah, we can just do like one of these every year or two and you know, the, the same fans will, will appreciate it even if it takes place in a room, you know. They'll, this was something that was bigger and had a lot more behind it. And I and I really give them a lot of credit. I would not, it's, it's more than you would expect from most Hollywood filmmakers, much less exploitation filmmakers who have not always followed this advice. So I gave them a lot of credit for really putting together such a wonderful love letter like this. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I love this movie. I love this movie. <laughs> that's, that's great to, it's great to hear dan what did you think of this movie dude i freaking loved it like i said it just when i first watched it it was out you could just see hearts floating out of my head because it's like I, a tiktok video happening in real time for dan. i was preparing <laughs> for it to come out so i rewatched all of them all over which is no big deal like vampire journals i believe is probably my favorite vampire movie so of course that's going to be in rotation but i mean i watched the whole saga leading up to it so that it was fresh in my mind and then i pop part five in once i pop it in i got a screener for it because uh i have no morals and no shame and apparently digital hand jobs do work sometimes 
And, uh, I I'll keep that I... in the back of my mind, Dan. I'll keep that in mind for future episodes. <laughs> I, I sat and watched it, and I loved it. I, When it was over, I didn't really remember a lot of it, but I also – they crammed a shit ton of movie in this hour and 20 minutes. There is a hell of a lot of movie in this thing. The script momentum, the pacing, like it's honestly – if you're a script writer, I really think you ought to go in and dissect pacing in a film and how well this movie moves because so much happens in that little bit of time. But anyway, after I watched it, yeah, I was in love and immediately turned it on and watched it again because I did feel like I might have missed something <laughs> because of the, That's you know, so maybe some continuity issues or whatever. But I mean, yeah, I've total mark for it i fell head over heels in love with it That's, <laughs> i wanted to hear uh honest say uh i wanted to hear him say stefan again because he sounds like he's been walking with he he who walks behind the road yep, yep. like looking for malachi while garland's <laughs> You're just like, come to me, my pretty. I got yeah, it, soon. And this was a. <laughs> oh, what? my God. He is so wonderful. It, I'm so glad to hear you guys loved this movie. And mm. this is uh, this was a, a, a hard one on first view for me. I also watched it a couple times because subspecies. And I've said this in the past on the show is my favorite full moon franchise. By far, there it's always has been from the from the first movie, even through that that shoddy fourth movie. <laughs> yeah, I unapologetically loved this thing, and all of it literally hinges upon Ted Nicolaou's sensibilities as a director. The locale, the the I mean that it's shot in Romania is just beautiful. Most this of the was actually, I'm sorry to interrupt. This was actually Serbia. Yeah. Was this Serbia? Yeah. yeah I, I to, that messed me up make, too. <laughs> I want to make a point. I, I just, because the crew, the cast and the crew and stuff and talking with Ted about this. And I, I wanted to make a point to shout it out the reviews I wrote and stuff. Yes. This was filmed on location in Serbia with a majority of Serbian actors. Mm-hmm. And so we have to give them credit because just like they did in Romania though. So, you know, that whole guerrilla style filmmaking fly by the seat of your pants just like they did in Romania, they were also doing in Serbia. But that also, if you like the locations that they used, even some from the when they would, whatever you filmmakers, there's fancy terms used like comp effects and matting or whatnot and shit. They would use drone flybys and record like castle flyovers and stuff from Serbia, and then they would actually piece it together. But yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Derek. No, absolutely. Yeah, it, no, I'm glad was, you. I'm glad you, you talked about that because, uh, I, as we all know, the the first series before this film was mm-hmm. mostly the big thing about it that gave it production value was that locale where That's they it. shot at and uh that really helps this movie out the first time i watched this movie i gotta be honest that first half hour is tough that first yeah. half hour was really tough because the movie looks really cheap in that first half hour outside yeah. of the the cave sequences where where we're introduced to his dad and his and the the mother that we finally get to meet in a in a younger state mommy <laughs> oh my god that that's one of my favorite characters of the entire series mine too and they brought mm-hmm. her back um but then as the movie moves along and it he finally turns into radu mm-hmm. and it ramps up and things start really coming together. They they bring in Stefan from the vampire 
uh, diary or journals, and then it just. That's right. That's Ash, right. The music lover. This is yep. his pre. This like tells where he came from, who is one of the most mysterious characters in that universe that I love. Yes. And so we get to see like where he came from. Oh yeah, I'm with you. I loved that shit. And by the end of the movie, it won me over. Mm-hmm. It it absolutely won me over. It, I, I had to set aside the fact that there was some really shitty comp effects as you had like the the most egregious one and i gotta hear what you guys have to say about this and i'm getting real nitpicky about this shit every time they showed the the mountainside cave where the light shining from the cave that is the shittiest looking fucking comp effect i've perhaps seen in a movie in a long time and i run a podcast called worst movies ever (laughs) that fucking hillside comp where they literally just like like did a photoshop of like some like little tiny sphere of it looked like a, a a fucking pizza hanging out on the side that's supposed to be where the cave where the uh the cave is oh god every time it they showed it and they showed it at least four times in this movie and i just oh god make it go away it looks so fucking shitty i can yeah it i guess i'm very forgiving when it comes to yeah. things like this in, in a production like this but i agree there it was the first i enjoyed this a lot more the second time i watched it than the first time the first time i was like Okay, and it was kind of, I would agree that um, I didn't hate it, but I, I and I didn't dislike the opening, but it but there was an adjustment period. I will tell you that it's yeah. like an adjustment period to say like, oh, okay, this is the world we're going to be in now, right. and you know, I had to get comfortable in that world until I could really enjoy it. And then by the time I watched it again, like two nights ago, um. I, I was said, okay, it's been a couple months. I'm going to watch this again and just the show and I'm make sure I remember everything and I'm watching it. I'm like, geez, this is really good because a lot of the stuff that really bugged me the first time didn't bug me as much. For instance, uh, one of the things that they do with special effects that they didn't do too much in the originals or at least didn't even show this power very much was fast-moving vampires. How God, they I go, love yep. that. How they can just go zip and come right by on you. I remember the first time I saw that, I said, oh, that looks cheesy. Yeah. That looks really bad. And I'm and I was watching it on my big screen TV, you know, which is, you know, it's like a it's not huge. It's like a 50 TV. It's 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 decent size. Yeah. And yeah. and I was magnifying glass taking notes. Be like, yeah, I'm like, I'll fix a lot hey, of places. Look at this. Way. I need magnifying glass for everything. Okay. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> and then I'm watching it again on the on the on the monitor. I'm like, and I'm about to type in the links. Oh yes, the fast moving things that don't look so. And I'm looking at this. Actually, that doesn't look too bad now. <laughs> as I'm typing, <laughs> it really didn't look as it. it, it, it once I uh, once uh, after, uh, the second time, once I had had that like you know that initial shock of like you know getting to know like this is where we are twenty five years later in terms of production value, in terms of what the story is going to be. Um, I guess I was. Uh, Okay, so like basically a lot of the stuff that bugged me the first time around did not bug me the second time around, which doesn't usually happen. If anything, I start to notice and be more critical of things the more I watch something. But this one, I was like, I was really able to just kind of go with the flow on the second one, which was really nice. I loved it. That's just 
for me, I guess it's one of those necessity is the mother of invention, but every subspecies, Ted Nicolau introduces, he's got his own style that no other vampire movie has. Any of those subspecies movies, he always introduces something new, something you've never seen, even if it's the little subspecies puppets or just the copious gore from the first one. Then by the second one where we introduce, I'd call it the Shadow Walk, which is really like my only nitpick with part five. But like you talked, Scott, about the quick movement. Man, when it shows Radu's mother, when Mummy, the way she interacts with people, and that actress perfect the way she handled that so alluring and yet grotesque and menacing at the same time but every time she moves she's on one side of his shoulder and she's over here and she's back over here i I was like dude this is uh, finally like this is more style so i was it was again it's kind of like pay attention over here let's not pay attention to the compact on the cave side face and yeah yeah i i agree i think a lot of what you know played into the movie's hand was the fact that it, it did already have this pre-established lore to it. So bringing in this movie and going back in time to see more powerful vampires that were weak in the original series was such a treat. And they did get good actors outside of let's, let's just put this out there. The child actor in this movie is (laughs) horrible. (laughs) Let's, let's just be fucking really honest. Terrible. Listen to the commentary. Uh, He talks about it a little bit, how they were just scouring everywhere to try to find an actor. And sometimes he would either forget the lines or just the timing wasn't quite there. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a kid. What are you going to do kind of thing? (laughs) kind of stuck with it, right? Some some Serbian child who can speak English. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder wonder Radu stakes him in the second one. (laughs) yeah you remember that movie that hasn't happened yet but did happen that will happen eventually yeah exactly so um i i agree with you and even i i do share your frustration that they didn't have the shadow wall really in this movie they changed it and that's the one that grieves me the most because it's the easiest thing to do and it was so cool it was a great practical it was a great practical effect and they kind of just do the shadow and dissipation thing which still looks it looks decent but it looks way cooler and when they did it in like part two where you could all of a sudden just see like the, the person the dis- person disappears and then you just see the shadow get bigger along the cast side of a castle and it stuff. Is, yeah that really? was just incredibly um an incredibly powerful image it's easy yeah. so, yeah. so atmospheric and just mm-hmm. that is like probably honestly the more and more i talk about it think about it, that's probably like my biggest grievance of the whole thing because I that, that yeah that stylish shadow walk was so omnipresent even in the first one when radu stretches his hand across the wall yeah like he's up in the loft and he stretches his hand that's mimicking the nosferatu film 
and he's doing that. And then, yeah, by the second one, they're just melting into shadows so much so that it becomes part of the mythos. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, I get it, just trying to add more to it, more flourish, but man, sometimes less is more. You know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta, yeah. You gotta wonder if some of it was because of the fact, obviously, the budget of this thing is way smaller, mm-hmm. way smaller than any of the previous movies. And I have a feeling that maybe... Uh, it was a stylistic choice, but also a practical choice because mm-hmm. these sets weren't this this movie doesn't really take place in the kind of grand locale that the rest of the series took place in. You're right. You can you see the budget every scene in this movie. Yeah, so they had to start <laughs> making some decisions with what was being shown and what they could do, because I believe in it. Please tell me if I'm wrong, Dan. This was actually shot. It started production right before COVID hit. Yes. Yeah. And they shut, they were, whether they had actually done any principal photography, I'm not sure, but like everything, wheels were kicking into motion, gears were grinding. And I mean, it was like Snoopy driving the car. They were ready to go. And then the Kung flu hit and done. It's over and couldn't do anything until a couple of years later. The thing was actually shot in 17 days. <laughs> well, you can kind of see that. There that's isn't, impressive. And, and that's not really like a slam against I'm the not movie. Slamming. It's just like, yeah, you can tell. Well, it, well the, there's not a lot of locales to this movie. Right. There's maybe well, like four different uh, locales that are featured in this movie at it, most. It, it's, it's less, t- that's less time, I, th- I think, than the original, which I think they said took four weeks, which is a long schedule for a film of that budget but the um but like uh also it's yeah you see just it's rock sides lots lots of mountains lots of you know woods lots of caverns and catacombs and stuff and what was really cool about it is that because of i guess um space because of the confined spaces and everything when they go inside like the dungeons and the catacombs and anything like that, the sets are beautiful and they're all lit by torches and candles. Yep. I love all that. Lit. There's no light. There's no studio lighting. There's no, there's, it's all natural light. It felt <laughs> and so it looks amazing. What it, yeah, to what it should be, right? <laughs> yeah. What's that, what's that? Hold on. I got to make sure I get this guy's name down. Uh, Vladimir Eilich, uh, yeah. or Illich, uh, the cinematographer, because that was some really impressive work <laughs> doing yeah, well, those scenes, doing those, doing the natural lighting in those scenes and having them look that good. That there's is really no way. Yeah, there's no way back in the day with the technology that was present, they could have pulled off this kind of thing. Film cameras need a lot of light. Right. Digital cameras now can can work. The ISO can, can really get that thing to where you can have barely any light at all and really get a beautiful image without it turning into a grainy fucking mess. So they are they got to be so thankful and somebody on set was really thinking in the pre-production of this thing to say hey let's just use torches in real light to light this because that's what it would have been like back in the day that and was, that was a wonderful idea. decision he uh ted mentions that in the commentary he talks about that was completely up to the cinematographer that they had discussed it and nicola didn't think they'd be able to do it he's like we got to have some leading light or something on there because you're not going to see it but the the cinematographer was like nah trust me let's let's do that so nicola got a couple of dailies and he was like yeah this is cool so then they ended up mimicking that throughout a lot of the film he said they would have backing light a key light and they would have like a black flag 
that they would kind of flit around just also help mimic that torch oh, light, sure. natural light yeah. that they were getting in the film. Sure. It's really cool. Well, yeah. it looks, it, it makes the sets, it makes it look su more sumptuous than it would. What doesn't it? I mean, because you got like these, you know, these rock faces and these, these, they're outside and everything. And it's just very ordinary, kind of mysterious with the fog and everything kind of isolated. But then you go into these caves and everything. And it's like this completely a uh, complete other world mm -hmm. where they've had to make this little tiny little society for themselves or this tiny little home for themselves. And you see how it's, how they have like this basically uh, mocking the opulence that they uh, try to experience in life, and but in this underground cavern of death and everything. And it, the way they make this look is really impressive. I was just looking at the sets like, I don't expect that from a no budget movie. <laughs> I full moon, full moon, especially right. full moon now, because the, the since the the Deadly Ten came out and they announced that what it's almost five years at this point. Yeah. That this well, they, they, well, they never got to do. They never got to really do the Deadly Ten. Yeah, like Deadly most, Four. Yeah, most of them got canceled because of COVID. You know, yeah, and like uh -huh. some Absolutely. of them were, some of them they picked up production on again. Some of them they didn't. They wanted to do them. They didn't. Couldn't. Didn't get a chance. It's, mm. hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad they follow through. I mean, there have been a couple out of that cycle, this new cycle of full moon movies that came out. There have been a couple good ones. Raven I think, wasn't I think Brink's fucking uh, movie, The Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama 2, was very entertaining. That was I fun. Enjoyed it, I liked that. Even though it, it looked cheap as fuck. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Idol, did you expect anything else? No. No. <laughs> right. no, I've seen I've seen the million and a half evil bong movies that he's churned out, you know, during that time. So I, I no. like those movies. <laughs> I like those movies now. Those movies are bullshit. <laughs> so I'm just a crotch. If, if you uh, listeners, if you haven't gotten the idea yet, I'm a crotchety old fuck who complains about fucking everything. I'm the guy on the porch while these guys are the youngsters coming in oh. saying, oh, I love this stuff. Have you seen that species back? Get off of my porch. Give me more species back, that, please. That, that is what I'm known for these days, my sunny disposition. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's turn the conversation from from the you know the production design, which I think unanimously we we all enjoyed it, to uh some of the, the characters and the actors that especially the legacy cast, because I think mm -hmm. out of everything that you want to talk about, you want to talk about that legacy cast that came back in here of Anders Hoven, uh Denise Duff. What did you how did you guys feel? about Denise Duff, the way they brought her in, how she was in this movie, and how they tied her in to the rest of the series. Dan, what do you think? Mm, she's back. No, I uh, I really appreciated it. If I, to critique something, I mean, they raven lofted it. But then again, so did Francis Ford Coppola when he did Dracula. If the best, if it's the whole raven loft idea, which is actually more of a story, the storyline itself that I, so I don't want to spoil it. But they they did a Ravenloft, and so they got Denise Duff to play somebody else in a previous time. And of, but I mean, I'm glad they did because she's older. She's aged like a wonderful bottle of wine. She's beautiful. I mean, <laughs> my God. So she's just on there, and I start stuttering, you know, just trying to think about what it because we're trying to get her on the podcast. Dude, I was just gonna stare at the floor. <laughs> Just not even be able to talk proper. No, I like what they. Did. It's like hi. <laughs> I like what they did. <laughs> Don't stand up, Dan. Don't stand up. <laughs> yeah, those, 
with Mateo when you see the, the laptop. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I appreciated them bringing her in because she actually got to – she well, actually, she did. She played a, a whole nother character. And in essence, she plays she plays a bad guy. So this is no spoiler because you actually you figure that out pretty quick on. So she actually gets to play an antagonist. So roles are reversed because we've spent the first four movies in this series of Radu chasing Michelle. Radu and Michelle. Hey, come here, my pretty. Can you play Stone and Michelle? No, Radu, my fishing. Four four movies. We get nothing but that. This time, it's switched around. And so now we have Radu going the whole movie, and she's like, "Hey, you're my savior." And he's like, "Get away from me! I don't like it. I had the bloodstone. Now look who's got the bloodstone now." I mean, that's it. It's just it's great for her character because we actually got to see more of her acting chops because she does play a really cool customer. And I mean, I appreciated. Just seeing her, it warmed the heart. When I see, when I saw Honest Hovet, when he walks up, and he looks like he's decrepit, he's like he chose the wrong Grail, but it's him. He's there with his sword, and he's like, "We must go into the castle." I was like, "It's him. It's him." It's just marking the fuck out. That's it. And then whenever we hear, like, he says, "There's." And then they go and you actually see her. And at first it was like, Michelle? But nope, it's not. It's someone else, but it's Denise Duff. And I was like, it's her. It's her. She's bad. It's her. And I didn't, I'm like, Scott, I didn't realize that was Kevin Spurtis at first. Like the dude playing Vladislas. I didn't know that was him until later. I was like, oh my God. It was him. It was Mel. It was Mel, y'all. It was Mel. So at that point, all worn off. Yeah, I was so happy to see her in a role and own it. Because again, you ain't got subspecies if you don't have those two. It just it has right. become that. If they that is the fulcrum of this movie. And so, even if they're not exactly playing the same roles and they actually get switched around a little bit, I loved it. But. It- it does play into the fact that these these characters and, and the idea of fate and, and, and curses, because then, you know, it just these cycles just keep repeating themselves. Yeah, that, like the I said, idea, Ravenloft. I believe, of bringing her in and having her be a different character, because then she's resurrected as another person later on. And then the romance can start again. That's the story of Ravenloft and Dungeons and Dragons. That's the whole thing is that Count Strahd von Zarovic, the chick that his brother's going to marry and be banging, he wants her. So he plots to kill his brother. And then whenever the chick finds out, she throws herself off the railing. And so he can't have it. Well, he was so consumed with anger that he pledged his soul to the dark powers and whatever and became a vampire. Well, part of the curse is that Tatiana, I think her name is, she gets reborn every 1,000 years. And he that's why he scours his village looking for the Tatiana so that he can have her finally. The, again, the cycle of the curse. They, they repeated it. That was Francis Ford Coppola totally janked. He ganked it for his Dracula movie, which is good. But even the people, uh, P&L Rod even says, yeah, they totally ripped that off from the Ravenloft story. And sure. Like, Dracula Untold kind of sort of did it. I mean, I'm not anything bad, but that's the, you you talk about the cycle of the thing. That's what I meant when I said they Ravenlofted it. Sure, sure. It it makes the series a lot, it it somehow makes the series a little richer because like you said, like you you said, like you say, Derek, it's go, it, it adds this 
curse to the whole mm-hmm. thing. This it explain it really explains why Radu is so obsessed with Michelle. Why he he's let other fledglings go. Why can't he let this one go? Uh, you know, it, you know, and he yeah, and he, he yeah he gets he, it's it's this constant thing. And I really think it was just I just thought this film was so inventive for the way it took it basically it basically acknowledged that everybody's favorite subspecies movies are the second and the third ones are the yeah. which were filmed back to back you know yeah. are two and three are like the ones everybody goes to um and it based and by taking the three principles of those movies basically um anders hove uh denise duff and kevin spurtos uh and putting them in completely different roles so you got the fan service, sure, but it also at the same time completely subverts expectations. Even Anders Hove, who is playing ostensibly the same role, he's playing it from the point of humanity onwards. So you see the character develop. So it at, at the beginning, especially, these are all completely different characters, and you can see them become the characters that that would very that would later curse them in the series it's i mean i don't know if that psychological effect was intentional that might be a lot to pin on a movie <laughs> but of it was just serendipitous but, but, right. but it works it, it really it works <laughs> It absolutely does, and it's what won me over. Uh, ultimately, it the 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 trajectory of especially the Anders Hove character and where he comes from in the beginning, which was a little confusing because it's a weird kind of like how they decided to go about making his character human after he was born a. Uh, like a halfling and then they chop his fingers and his ears and all this stuff and then the the church takes him in and he becomes a templar and then eventually gets bitten by denise hove or no denise duff sorry i'm mixing things up uh and then becomes a vampire after that and as his character goes on he's he literally carries this movie on his back this entire movie to me is hinged on his performance in that character that goes from a, a, a God-fearing, really strong, devout Christian uh, or Catholic to this absolute feral vampire, the kind of feral vampire that was in the rest of the series where when he he's biting on somebody, he comes up blood is just pouring out of his mouth and he has this elongated mouth with these teeth and he's just drooling and he just looks like this ravenous like completely unhinged old man vampire and it is like i said before i think it's the best radu of the entire series what are your guys thoughts on that oh i don't know about that i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it's my favorite I see why you would say that. And I mean, that's, that's perfectly fine. It's not necessarily my favorite, but I mean, I can see where he was going with it. I like, there's a throwaway line. He does again, freaking Nicola with his throwaway lines that just adds so much depth to his stories, to his 80 minute movie. But whenever he said, he mentions over time, whenever after Ash and Ariel have left and he says, and over time, he wandered and then he ended up finding that seeking them out again and he knew where to find them to find the music but he said over the time 
time that has passed, his cursed bloodline had started to misshape in him again. And so that's when you first notice that he has really started to change yeah. is at night. He's got the cowl over and he's back. It's like, it's the Radu that you remember that they did really well with it. But you were talking about Derek with him looking like a feral monster in the other ones. I appreciate how they did that transition. And then just him mentioning because of his cursed bloodline. Well, then you're like, oh, that's right. He is the offspring of the immortal sorceress Circe and Vladislaus, the vampire. And so it was like, ooh, very cool. Okay. And then what well, they even mentioned, like, because Vladislaus has the blood of Nosferatu. And so, again, there's that cursed bloodline that Radu has. So no wonder he's a monster. Mm-hmm. I think probably my favorite Radu would still probably be from the second one, but I, there's no doubt this is the most three-dimensional Radu yeah, for sure. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I mean it, it gives it gives a complete arc for the character in a way that we've never seen before. So I'll give you that. So I'll definitely say that at least. That's awesome. I uh, there was something about that at the You're end. You're still playing the porn music, by the yeah, way. <laughs> it's not going away. The porn music thing. It's here. It's here to stay. Is it making you too horny? Is that what's no, going on, Scott? Not quite. I mean, I appreciate I'm in, the effort. I'm in, I'm in my mid forties. It takes a lot more these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see how we've switched over to how does your dick work, chat? <laughs> How's your boner action happening over there, Dan? I appreciate no. the effort, Derek, but I mean, it takes just a little bit more than this uh, MIDI music to get me excited. Not much. Yeah. <laughs> Not much. Let's, so let's talk about Denise Duff then again. Okay, here we <laughs> Maybe go. that'll help you out. No, fantastic performance Oops. from her. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic performance. I thought that I loved seeing her uh, tackle this completely different role, which again starts differently in the movie than where it ends up. Right. And um, without, without giving too many spoilers and stuff, but uh, it's uh, it's uh, really really impressive. I, I was very happy to see her back in action here. Yeah, yeah. And toward as as the movie comes to a close, the the movie for fans of, and I think we kind of spoke to this earlier. For fans of the original series, this stops at a point where you're like, oh, could they make another one? Could there be in between part one and this one more adventures for Radu and the people? Do you do you honestly think, guys? that they could if this does well enough for full moon that they could bring these guys back for one more i don't want them to let it let me ever do another movie make a spin-off but me personally it's done it's over we're Mm -hmm. and i'm good with that it's Mm -hmm. totally fine could they yes should they no probably not (laughs) will they I mean, I'm not going to be surprised. <laughs> well, they probably. <laughs> there is like 20 fucking evil bong movies. Let's be honest. I know. Like, I mean, I mean, like, you know, I mean, and, you know, I'm not going to just put this in Charles Band's lap either. I mean, it's exploitation cinema. I mean, like if something if you're looking for something that the fans respond to and it makes money, yeah, I mean, you're almost duty bound to make more. But I kind of hope they let it lie. Let at least these characters you know, uh, rest a in peace, no pun intended, you know. Um, I'm not as much of a fan as va- of Vampire Journals as uh, Dan is. Uh, I always thought Ash as a character was a little bit, no offense, but was just a little bit too whiny and boring. Oh, I know, he I, was, absolutely. Yeah, I, was- I, 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 
I want to steal Ash's lunch money. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they could probably try to do something else with him. Yeah, or dead. they could... Well... Oh, you're not, talking about not, before Vampire. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Before the... Yeah. And, you know, before... Yeah, in because we're doing, like, in-between movies here. Yeah. Or they could do something with him. Or they could do even something with Stefan when he went to um, uh, America and was not hanging around with uh, yeah. Radu and them. Uh, the they, they, they make stuff, some idea about them. So you could do something with that. That would be fine. But... Um, <laughs> I think they did such a great job here, honestly. It's kind of like, you know, it, it's like, you know, when you're a kid and you, you like, when I was like, um, God, I think these movies started coming out when I was a, te- yeah, these movies came out, started coming out when I was a teenager. And uh, yeah, I was like, I was just the right age. I was like 15, 16 years old when these things started coming out. I was already a Charles Band fanatic. And, um, so like these things were like just the right age. And of course at that age, like, yes, I want more. I want more. I want more. And then when you get older and you can see like what happens to a lot of sequels and what happens to a lot of things that get a little, lo- find their, lose their way as they go on. You're just like, Oh, don't and fast. On a high note. One. Yeah. Don't, 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 no, don't do a fast and furious <laughs> subspecies. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> It's about family, Michelle. Like, we're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So would you guys, I think the the final thing I want to talk about, about this movie with you guys is how would you recommend people watch this? Would you, and Dan, I want to, I'm going to ask each of you how you feel about this. And maybe you both have the same sentiment. Now save my opinions until last. Where do you think people that are not familiar with subspecies series, should they start with part five and then watch the original yeah. series or watch yeah. it in order that it was released in the order it was released? Unfo- yeah. And I mean, it being a new movie, I get it. That's cool and all, but even, even Nicolau would agree because I mean, hell he wrote the thing, but you you won't understand a lot of the context that I'm giving as a complete super fan. You really won't understand this unless you go and watch the originals. But God, it's gonna sound so stupid, but I mean I'm not like this high-minded cinema file or anything like that. But I mean, my son, he's like 18 now. I let him watch subspecies the very first one uh two year uh, year before last and then we watched subspecies two last year and see he's a filmmaker and an animator but he's got a keen eye for these types of movies so i wanted him to watch it to appreciate the cinematography but and he does and even he said his favorite is the first one he says there are some shots that he sees in that first subspecies movie are so iconic to horror that people have been ripping off those sh- and have no idea how inspirational that that movie has actually been because mm-hmm. there is no other vampire like Radu. No other movie has ever done the vampire. The only other one that's done it is Nosferatu. Every, no other actor on screen because Christopher Lee, well, yeah, he's like Boris Karloff. Well, Boris Karloff, I mean, you know, he's just, he did his Boris Karloff thing and Luke Evans. Well, I mean, he's kind of like Christopher Lee, but he did his own thing as an action hero and stuff. Mm-hmm. Nobody is like Radu. He is no. always singular and so and I, sorry, I'm rambling on, but I would tell you, watch it in the order that they were released, because there is I feel like there is honestly we were talking about serendipity with the way Nicolau is creating his stories and pacing them. So the first one might be a little slow, but it's so atmospheric and moody. It's actually going to bleed in. It's going to marinate those other movies so that when you mm-hmm. do watch them, you're still feeling the atmosphere of the first one. It's also shot on tape. 
So you're going to, there's a lot of, was it kind of like a, you're not going to see a lot of the duct tape in the corner because it's shot on tape. It VHS just has that wonderful way of hiding things. So I would say do that. By the time you get to Vampire Journals, which came out before part four, but actually takes place in tandem and then slightly after part five, you might be a little confused, but it's okay. It's just a side story and it's just a, a gothic romance thing that it's not about what happens in the movie. So what's going on in my imagination? Then watch part four, breathe, and then watch part five. And then remember part five was filmed 25 years right. <laughs> later than it was supposed to. Yep, That's my yep. take on it. I would agree. I have not had a chance to rewatch the first four since watching part five. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I think that it is going to make it even richer. However, I would agree with Dan. I think that you should start from the beginning with the order they were shot in, then watch it all the way through. And then if you feel like it, then start all over again. But uh, yeah, I think there's these are great movies. These are all available on uh, Full Moon streaming service. Uh, and I think part, and to and part five is also available on Screenbox. Um, and uh, and and you can check them all out there. And uh, you know they're all like restored. Well, I don't know if part four is, but the rest of them are pretty much restored to, to high def. They lost the uh, master file because that was I asked Nicolau and I asked Charles Van when we got him on. I was, uh, like, I, was I told him I said, I'm gonna hit you with the hardest question I got. He was like, Yeah, go ahead. I could tell he was kind of hesitant, but he also knows I'm a dumb nerd for it. And I was like, Where's for Blu-ray? And, Where are uh, the bathrooms on the Enterprise? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, Yeah, he said it'll never happen. Unfortunately, you will not get unless they just. And I told him I said, Well, let's just take the DVD and just. Slap it on a Blu-ray. It never stopped y'all before. No, no shit, I didn't, I right? Didn't say that. I didn't. Say, <laughs> I didn't say that. Trauma's doing been better. doing it for fucking years. Yeah, they're doing better now. Yeah, that that let let's just say that that second uh, that Blu-ray that uh, they released of Transers looks a lot better than the DVD they released of Transers that was right. just the laser disc. <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to say that that uh, that Blu-ray of the first subspecies. It's so beautiful. Good. That yeah. is it's like beautiful. The best, it's that beautiful. Is the, the best transfers I've seen since the Predator transfer on Blue. Have y'all seen that? Holy shit. I'm not even the biggest Predator fan, other than the fact that I'm a guy, just a walking hard on looking for a hole. It's a requisite, right? But still, that Blu-ray transfer, woo, woo. That is a hellaciously good, good transfer. But anyway, the uh the subspecies one also is just a beautiful blu-ray trans worth every penny if you buy it yeah i yeah I, oh yeah i, I got them, i got them all yeah. yeah yeah i would agree with both of you guys do not watch this one first save this one you I'll, everything uh, of this series right now is available on tubi if i believe um you can watch it for free mm -hmm. uh, take your time watch them enjoy them don't yeah you if you're into it you're gonna pound through them in no time flat i remember last time we did that episode uh for the subspecies series i watched them day after day they're short the longest one is like 90 minutes so they're short they're you know, so comfortable yeah you are so right scott and it also just the mood holy shit uh, especially in this horrible Carolina summer. Once that you wake up one morning and you're just like, Oh God, here we go. We start sweating. <laughs> I got to peel my underwear away from my thigh while I'm walking outside. But then one morning 
you open the door and there's no humidity and it's just a cool breeze and then right about that time the clouds start rolling in overhead and we start getting some rainier days and there is nothing better than popping in subspecies or popping in some good creepy ass dungeon synth and just sit there and soak up the atmosphere and i'm telling y'all y'all in the chat do that if you haven't seen it if you need to wait i'm sure charlie and ted will be just fine with me telling you just hold off just a little bit until it's time pumpkin spice lattes are already coming out so it's only a couple of weeks <laughs> trust me on this one week before i open up the 31 days of horror group one week and oh, i shit. already I, this this is and, and is out there at the perfect time and i'm so happy that uh i was able to finally see it i've been looking forward to it for so long and the and so happy i could come and talk to you two chaps for about this movie because god damn it i don't know two bigger whole moon marks in in uh my life so i was extremely happy about this so let's let's go ahead and take a short break we're gonna give a all give a thumbs up to subspecies five blood rise and uh when we come back we'll uh we'll chat with the with the chatters and uh bullshit a little bit and, and say goodbye what do you guys think that's your show sure what what am i gonna say why no, the fuck no, not no. right Shut <laughs> up, God, all right got me talking like sylvester stallone for some reason <laughs> Hey, I'm not Do used it. to doing this live gimmick. This is new to me, <laughs> goddammit. Yeah, you're a <laughs> professional. A consummate professional. That's right. Uh, consummate. There's and never seen yeah. a professional professional like I have. So anyways, let's let's go ahead. We'll be right back after this short show. This is Astro Radio Z and we love talking about movies with you. If you are looking for more episodes, and want to become part of the show, go to patreon.com, forward slash, Astro Radio Z and become a monthly subscriber to have access to 100 plus bonus episodes of content. Jump in. Make Astro Radio Z yours and become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com, forward slash, Astro Radio Z. Thanks, everybody Aww. that showed up and hung out with us. Thank you, Dan, and thank you, Scott, for coming back. I love you guys. Thank you and so much. We'll Scott, do this more. Just, I want to cry. It just let's, it let's please promise to do this more. Well, I mean, what you? I would, the I'm, I'm available. Hotel room saying you you bought the motel or whatever. You me out in the middle of nowhere. So I mean, I can't. that's that's a, that's a conversation for another time, Mister Daniel Edfield. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that soon enough. So. Let, we're at the the stage of the show where my guest shows oh, the, the fuck out of you, uh, Mister Daniel Edenfield. No, chill. All right, fine. Right. What what oh. were you gonna say? What'd you get so goddamn? Excited? I wanted to get Scott. Come on, shill me, baby, shill me. All right. I Scott. mean, I I haven't been doing I haven't been doing much. You can find me on Facebook and stuff like that, where I tend to piss people off, un unfortunately. But <laughs> but uh, I but I uh, uh, you but I haven't been doing much. Uh, you'll see my little name here in the in the corner it says movieocrity that was my old show that's the website movieocrity.com you'll notice that there hasn't been any recent uh, stuff happening 
but maybe soon i'm hoping you know i haven't been saying i haven't done anything in a long time but i've been uh, slowly but surely coming out of the cocoon so hopefully soon maybe moviocrity isn't as dead as we think okay so i hope, look I them hope up. that's the case scott you know i've i've always been a big supporter of you oh yeah. i love your voice about cinema in general i've i the the segments you did the aborted like scott segment of astro radio z where we had Sorry about that. dude i i loved those so much and, and i i know i've said this to you in the past i hope you start making another podcast because i love listening to your perspective on film so i'm please for real make it happen scott please I'm for real I, thank so you one yeah. one can only handle so much does the cover look like did you do what's on the cover how's the soundtrack it's badass it's badass it's cool scott actually did you, did you get the homework. idea that dan's making fun of himself right scott, now yeah like, <laughs> you actually do your homework you got movieocrity and stuff and i pop up Woo-hoo! hey take the cover Dan, 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 Dan brings his Dan. You bring your own energy to this, and and it's absolutely valid. So, and I mean that. And I'm not joking. I mean that 100. So, don't don't sell yourself short, buddy. Mediocrity, <laughs> though. You're you're the intelligence of it. You you bring. Oh, please. No, oh, please. Okay, well, thank you, though. Reflect <laughs> the bullshit that I talk about anyway. So, like, when I get you and Mark, when I can distract y'all, then I look smarter. <laughs> because uh, how's that strat about, working for you? But, you know, because they talk about Scott's like, well, look at the camera. They'll bring the camera up. The way they position this shot, it zooms in, and you really get a feel for the emotions of the scene. And then Mark's <laughs> like, yeah, because I saw this one time. I can do it. And I just get to come and be like, oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, really, really, I know I felt the same way about that scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. See? You're you're like that 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 person when uh, uh, somebody comes up to you and says it, it, it goes, "Oh, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time." And then in your brain you're like, "I don't dude, know you." Yeah, you're like, "Yeah. How yeah. the hell are you, man? It's good to see you, man. You doing all right?" Yeah, I know it's been forever. The I, I know. Yeah, you remember. Yeah, How you yeah, been, yeah. man? And then after you leave, you go to your part. You, you say yeah. to your partner or your friends, like, who the fuck was that? I try to bait them. I'll try to give them leading questions so they end up giving me their name so that maybe I can, because I have no clue. Especially yeah. now, I'm terrible with names. So I'll just flat out admit to people, it's like, I, you were really cool and I remember your face, but I cannot remember your name. Please well, don't be mad. <laughs> yeah, as you get older, humility, you know, gets to us all. Yeah, you're just <laughs> like, okay, dude, can you refresh me? You feel like an idiot for about five minutes and then it goes away. Yeah, dude, yeah. yeah. After meeting so many people, like especially in Massachusetts, all these people that I met, it's like, I'm sorry, I recognize, I would recognize your name on Facebook, but in person, it's like, man, it's a wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much. Having <laughs> no said that, you, Dan, you could just please. do what I do and be legally blind and say, I don't, I, I can't tell what you people look like. <laughs> <laughs> he watches movies for a living. Yeah. And I watch movies. I want that's a great, also a great thing. And says like Scott, I think your opinion's full of shit. Like, what do you want from me? I'm legally blind. I can't see these things. <laughs> oh, zoo! I've been. Blind. Are you kidding me? Oh, zoo! I barely saw, barely could see those people. <laughs> Save it for a really bad movie. Be like, you know, before I watch this, I could see fine. 
<laughs> wow, that would be the harshest fucking grit uh, of anything I've ever heard in my entire life. Having said that, Mr. Daniel Enfield, the floor is yours. What do you have to show, my friend? Um, God, nothing. Um, I just sit around and do music, honestly. Basically, you could find me my label, obsidianrelic.bandcamp.com. Uh, it seems lately the most popular stuff I do is really barbaric bombastic dungeon synth as Saragost or fantasy stuff as Valen. But again, just Obsidian Relic on Bandcamp. Look it up. You'll find it. That's really about all I've got going on right now. Who knows? There's always something brewing in the dungeon. Right? Yeah, yeah, there's a couple. We got to try some live shows coming up and then uh, probably the Dungeon Siege next year. So yeah, just go there and you'll find hardly ever on Facebook. So just basically go to Bandcamp and just send me a message there. I'll at least get the email and respond. And of course, folks, every other Thursday night here, we we moved the, the time to 7 p.m. tonight for Dan. Because he he's a, a boy that has a, a bedtime, a strict bedtime, and he's got to get to bedtime. That's why we're wrapping it up here. Uh, but usually nine o'clock Central Standard Time every other Thursday night here on Twitch, YouTube. And we'll see. Facebook might go away. We'll see if that's going to stick around. But at least on Twitch and YouTube every other Thursday night, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, you'll get new episodes of Astro Radio Z. And of course, if you want more. You want more Astro Radio Z in your life. You want to hear this. What is this podcast where, you talk about, Derek? Where would I go oh. for more? Where, Derek, where do you, where can I go to get this Worst Movies Ever podcast? I'm glad you asked that. You got to I got an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> and you can go there and get it hey, hey i i keep my patreon real cheap if you want to go there support it and get some some new uh podcasts every month that's where you go otherwise that's it we're done i'm on it i'm on the patreon and i'm poor so there, you have no <laughs> excuse guys come on <laughs> oh well having said that thank you everybody for showing up and thank you guys again from the bottom of my heart for coming here it felt like old times it, bringing it you really guys did. on i absolutely loved it and uh let's say good night to the people good night to the good people. night to the people adios bye y'all Oh, that's good shit, man.